Summer journeys to Niagara and to other places aggravate all our cares. We'll save our fares. I've a cozy little flat in what is known as Old Manhattan. We'll settle down right here in town. We'll have Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island too. It's lovely going through the zoo. It's very fancy on old Delancey Street, you know. The subway charms a soul when balmy breezes blow to and fro. And tell me what street compares with Mott Street in July. Sweet push carts gently gliding by. The great big city's a wondrous toy. Just made for a girl and boy. We'll turn Manhattan into an isle of joy. We'll go to Greenwich, where modern men itch to be free. And Bowling Green, you'll and hello, everybody. It is Saturday night, May the 13th, year 2017. I'm Wong Hughes. Patricia, my co-host, is under the weather, so you're stuck with me. But we're blessed to have a special guest at the top of the show. So, Tom Dreesen, welcome to our show. Well, I'm happy to be here, Walden, but I didn't know Patricia was missing. I'd have probably canceled. <laughs> That I've been stuck to pulling tricks out of my bag. You never know, Tom. So good <laughs> thing you didn't do that. What can I say? I'm glad to be here. Hey, by the way, you you and I were talking just before we put on the when I put you on the air. Your one man show. Is that go around the country? Is it on the West Coast? Can uh, people see it? What, give me a little update. Yeah, I'm on that. all over the country. Yeah, it's it's called an evening of laughter and memories of Sinatra, because it's, it's the, a retrospective of my life is what it is. Mm-hmm. And because uh, and, and, and I, I ended I toured with Frank Sinatra for 14 years at the end of his career, you know, in 45, 50 cities a year. So what, I'll give it to you a brief synopsis. The theater goes dark, a, a screen, there's, on the screen there's a uh, film, uh, Dennis Farina, um, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. narrates my life. And and uh, takes people to my life about three and a half, four minutes. And I come out and I do stand-up comedy, which is what I am, a stand-up comedian. And I, I do stand-up comedy for about 20, 25 minutes. And then I segue over to a bar on the stage, and there's a bottle of Jack Daniels on the stage, cause, on the bar, because that's what was Frank's drink of choice. Right. And uh, I tell a funny story at the bar, and all the lights go out, and on the screen, Frank is singing. You know, it's quarter to three. There's no one in the bar oh, yeah. except you. So I let that mood set in. When he gets to the course, make it one for my baby and one more for the road, the spotlight hits me, and now I'm in a bar, and the audience is in a bar with me, and I've come home. And I tell them the first time I heard that voice, I was eight years old, shining shoes in a bar on the south side of Chicago, and he was on the jukebox. And I take the audience from that little boy hearing Sinatra on the jukebox on the south side of Chicago to one day carrying his coffin out of a church in Beverly Hills, California. So I take them on that journey, and while I'm telling stories at the bar, pictures are coming on the screen authenticating the story. So uh, 
and then some video of Frank and I, too. So I have him laughing, 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 and then I take him to the funeral, have him in tears, and then I close with a funny monologue from a funny joke that I told at the, a funny story I told at the, at the funeral. And then I close with a funny monologue, and I toast him at the end and say, I wish for all of you what Frank Sinatra wished for you. The very last song he ever sang is that the best is yet to come. Yes. And I say goodnight, everybody, and you, they hear Frank singing as they're leaving the theater. You know, the best is yet to come, and that's the show. So the 25-minute uh, routine you do before you, you switch to the bar scene, is that you keep that fresh and up-to-date, and you pretty much, once the uh, the bar scene, the slide presentation, you have that uh, uh, pretty much a set routine? Well, yeah, but I'm always, I'm always adding new things to it, you know. Um, I'm always adding, and depending on what city I'm in, I will sometimes have material relating specifically to that city. Mm-hmm. So I tailor the material sometimes to the city that I'm in, you know, some of the material. And then as far as the stories, I'm always upgrading the show and trying to add a little more production to it, you know. And uh, so it's it's in a constant state of change, you know. So it really, so basically the tech, the tech people behind you better be on their toes. I, I, I know, I refer to Eddie Kill, and I'm in Kill, and for people who may recall, Eddie was the one that did the one-man show Jack Benny. And, and his wife ran the behind-the-scenes technical side, so she knew where Eddie was going all the time. But I was thinking, with your show, moving from city to city, that could be a bit of a challenge once in a while. I have a ro- road manager, Brandon, who tours with me. Ah. And, uh, Brandon tours with me, and he knows all the cues, and he knows so I can relax up there. And yeah. He knows exactly where I'm going. But sometimes I ad-lib, and I sometimes I you get into a... a, a a stream of consciousness, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll go off into some area, and so, you know. But he he's alert to when I'm going to get to the, um, the where, where a video or where a, a a picture will come on the screen. So he's well on top of that. It's a fun. It's really a fun show, and and it's an up show, and and it's been getting great reviews. How long did did how long did it take you to come up with a concept that this was the uh, show that you're going to go with? Did it did it take a while for you to come up with the right combination that you were happy with? Yeah, because, you know, first of all, I toured with, with um, you know, before I toured with Frank Sinatra, I did, I toured with Sammy Davis Jr., I toured with Smokey Robinson, I toured with different artists. I did 61 appearances on The Tonight Show, I did over 50 on Letterman, you know, I've done over 500 appearances on national television, um, including 61 on The Tonight Show, and well, as Letterman, over 50 on Letterman, I hosted Letterman, mm-hmm. so I had a background of material. But it's, no matter what I did in life, no matter where I went, people would always say to me, tell me about Frank Sinatra. What was Frank Sinatra really like? Because uh, I'm one of the last human beings on the planet who really knew him. There's a, a couple people or two or three people maybe met him once or twice and, and wrote four or five books about it, you know, mm-hmm. But uh, who really knew him. So they, uh, people were so curious everywhere I went. Every time I do David Letterman's show, he would insist that I tell the audience a Frank Sinatra story. You know? So I just decided, why don't I put this into a one-man show? You know, and that took a while. It took yeah. a while because you want a concept that has a beginning, a middle, and an ending, you know, and you want it to flow. You want continuity, you know, and uh, so it, 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 and then also for me, as a stand up comedian, used to getting laughs all my career. You know, I'm, you're used to laughs and you time that and everything. For me to go out there, and there'd be sometimes 10 or 12 minutes where I'm not getting a laugh because I'm taking him to a very sensitive area, mm-hmm. you know, and I've always thought when I first started out, that a good comedian can make you laugh for an hour and a half, but a great comedian can make you laugh and cry in an hour and a half. And I only—I had only seen two comedians do that, 
Red Skelton and Richard Pryor. Yeah. And so I said, I want to do that one day, and that's what this one-man show does. It takes the audience. So that was new to me to go sometimes 10 minutes without a laugh because I'm taking them to a very sensitive area. You know. So some of the, the, the run-through, did you test it out in front of the family and friends first before you ever took it to a, a stage, no. or how did it, you? What I did was, and I'd advise anybody who's going to do a one-man show, I offered it to a charity. The people called me to do a charity one time. There was a woman in Illinois who had cancer, and her daughter had cancer. Mm. So they, they were trying to raise money, and I said, look, I'm doing, I'm, it's a work in progress, but I'm doing this one man show. They said, Do please, bring it here, bring it here. And it, it was like a 1,000 people, and the first time I tried it, and it went, it went well. And, but I learned from it. I, I had someone film it, and then I said, oh, I'm going to move this out. I'm going to take that. I'm going to put that in. Mm -hmm. And the next time I did it, so I did it for charity several times until I felt like I had it, that it was okay for the, the uh, for me to take it out into the marketplace. What's the right size theater for that kind of show? Is it under 1,000 people? What's the right size well, for you? Well, it could be, be 2,000 people. It could be 500, 400 people. I like intimate. I really do. Yeah. I, I like that. All comedians do. You like a low ceiling and stuff. But I've done it in front of 1,000 people, and I've done it in front of uh, 200 people. And, and it, it's worked. I'll, I'll tell you something else. I did it in front of 12 people. The, there was a guy up in Toronto who was a huge Frank Sinatra fan. He, he's a very wealthy guy, mm -hmm. and he's got this huge estate. And on this estate, he has like a sports uh, center where him and his buddies hang out all the time. <laughs> and he set up a little room, and we set up a, a screen, and I went in, and, I, and he paid me what I get when I go to <laughs> a corporate date. And I did it in front of 12 guys, like sitting around, uh, having drinking a few beers. And they were a wonderful audience. They really were. It was really a lot of fun. So for 12 people, did you just have them all sit around the bar? How did you work something out with I that? I had them sitting in front of me. Okay. We had, a, we had a small stage, a little riser with a screen. And I just I talked to them for a few minutes, and I got up, and I began to tell the stories. You know, mm -hmm. you know kind of, I, tell, I teach classes sometimes to young comedians. Because this is my 48th year in show business as a stand-up comedian. So I've been around the block. You yeah. know? And so I teach them sometimes. I say, if you never remember anything that I say, I write this on the blackboard. It's conversation, not presentation. You're holding a conversation with the audience. And, and, and now, is it your act? Of course it's your act. But it's your job to make it look like it's not your act. So you just get up and you start a conversation with this group of people. And then you take them on a journey. So are stand-up comedian born or are they made? Well, I really believe, and that's a very good question, by the way, Walton. That's yeah. a very good question. I really believe that I used to hear when I was a little boy growing up Catholic that the, being a priest was a calling, mm -hmm. a calling. I think that I can teach you a lot of things about stand-up comedy, and I do. I teach at universities. I'll, I'll talk to uh, you know young comedians all over the country. But I, I can't teach you timing. You either have it or you don't. And it can't be taught. You can. I've seen comedians that are technically good, and they technically, you know, can uh, write jokes and, and and then tell them. And but they're 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 more mechanical. And there's other people who are absolutely gifted at knowing where the punchline is. Yeah. And and knowing you know how to set it up, set up a joke, and then how to lay it out to the audience. And uh, and timing is, and it's hard to describe. But it's knowing when to move on the next line. Correct. You know, if you, if you, if I, I give an analogy to the classes sometimes. I'll say there's a pond of water here, and you've got a rock in your hand. You throw the rock straight up in the air. It goes all the way up, and then it comes down, and it splashes in the pond, and then it ripples across the water. If that rock is laughter, on its way up, you don't move to the next line. 
when that laugh is on its way up, when the rock is when the, it's coming down. Now sometimes I I move on the next line. It, it's just on its way a little bit down. Sometimes I wait for it's halfway down. Sometimes I wait for it to hit the water, and sometimes I wait for it to hit the water and ripple all the way across the pond, and then I move. I can't tell you how I'm going to do that each night. It depends on the audience. Mm-hmm. You know the, how high is the seating? If the laughter comes to you quicker, if it's a, most comedians like a smaller. Uh, room with a, sh- uh, a short ceiling because laughter is sound it hits the ceiling and comes at you so you know you set your timing off of that i can't tell you how i'm going if i did a 20 minute routine tonight and by the way i'm working at the laugh factory in long beach tonight trying out some new material but if i did a 20 minute routine there tonight in front of two or three hundred people and tomorrow i had to do that same 20 minute routine in front of twenty thousand people it takes on a totally different dynamic so it's the same material, but it takes on a different dimension. And I can't tell you how I'm going to do it until I get up there and you get the audience sense of the audience, you know. So when are you going to be in Long Beach? When's the date of that event? I'm doing it tonight. Soon ah. The show. I'm, I'm driving down the Long Beach. Wonderful. Okay, so when can you feel, When? how fast can you feel the audience? Or can you tell within two minutes? When do you sort of have the sense in, oh, in your guts? Almost immediately, I, f- I say, oh, this is a hot crowd. Or... Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! You got to dig in here. They're not getting it real. You know, a lot of it is dynamics. If there's waiters and waitresses wandering through the room and waiting on tables, and they're interrupting that flow of energy that you're sending out to yep. the audience. You know, it's like an electrical circuit from the entertainer, the singer, or the comedian sends it out to the audience, goes all the way through the audience, and back up to you again. And you get that going. You get that circuit going. If there's waiters and waitresses and gaps. In there, you know, interrupting. That's like taking a scissors and cutting the electrical current, cutting it off to the audience. So then you have to learn to work the room a little bit different, you know. Uh, but when you know, you can tell. Yeah. Here's something else that I've got on the internet. If there's a full moon, I can hardly wait to get there. <laughs> it's been it's been my experience in show business and my 48 years as a comedian that when there's a full moon, a couple of days around the full moon are the hottest crowds. And I don't know why. I always say, well, if the moon can affect the tide, and it does, well, we're two-thirds water. Our body's two-thirds water. Our brain is 85% made of water. So I think that, you know. It's, uh, how about geographic? Can, it, 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 is something quite different in New York versus Chicago versus L.A.? Yeah, you know, specific material. But, but most of your material, you know, I, you know, I worked Vegas for years and years. A lot of people would say, you know, well, that's a Vegas comic or something. That's the toughest room people to work because there's two people from Brazil, there's two people from Rio de Janeiro, there's two people, I mean, from uh, from Guatemala, there's two people from Brooklyn, there's two people from uh, Bakersfield, California, there's another couple from uh, Hawaii, you know. So your material has got to be pretty universal, you know, but that you can open with specific material relating to that community, you know, which is really a, um, a smart thing to do. When every city I worked in my life, I would always get the first two or three jokes. I would find out about that community, some things about it, and then write some material around those two or three or four lines that related to that specific community. You know. Yeah, I remember that's what Bob Hope used to do. He said his scout team that way they dug everything out every local community. Community, you know, he 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 knew ahead what he would get into. Yeah, the first the, now after that you can go into material that everybody laughs at. Yeah. I mean, we're all. You know, we're all humans. We all have, you know, there's people who have uh, this problem. or Whatever your problems are in life, you know, show them your pain. Show them if they love. Audiences love to see your pain. You know, have some fun with it. You know, 
The greatest gift that God can bestow upon a human being, Walden, is a sense of humor. Yeah. sense of humor isn't when you have the ability to laugh at other shortcomings or misfortunes. It's when you have the ability to laugh at your own. So if, if, there's, you, know, if you walk on that stage and you, and, you, and you share with the audience some dumb thing you did that day or one of your misfortunes, they love it because it humanizes you. It makes you like them. They have the same problems you have, you know. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of the Jimmy Valvano speech where he talked about what a good day was. If he could laugh a little bit and cry a little bit, he, that was a good full day. He could show all the range of emotions. That, and, you know, for somebody like you, the relating to the audience, if you can sense their feelings, that helps you to perform, I, I, I would assume. Well, we always have, we all have something in common. Yeah. You know what I mean? We all have some things in common, you know. And, and if you're, you're, when you're out there doing your material, you'll connect with certain people. They'll say, oh, that happened to me. Oh, I feel just like he does. Or I wouldn't do that. Or I'm just like his mother. Or, you know, whatever, whatever you're talking about. <laughs> you know, you, you, sooner or later, you'll, you'll connect with people. For the most part, believe me, when people come to see a comedian, they came to have fun. They came to laugh. They're not the enemy. You know, they didn't come there to have a bad time. They came to have a good time, you know. So what's the toughest venue to work? Would it be a nightclub, be a tougher venue rather than a, a you know, a, a university setting? What would be a, the toughest venue to work in? For I don't want to ever work another, I probably will never work another college or anything like that because, as, as uh, Jerry Seinfeld said, he won't, Chris Rock said he won't either. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're you know, they're so left of political correctness. They, I mean, yeah. they, that there's nothing, you know, I mean, that they, they don't really know. They haven't lived enough of life to know what it's all about. So they, uh, uh, they and they're new. They're young kids, and, and most of them aren't worldly wise. And so I don't care if I, I do, I give motivation speeches mm-hmm. to universities, you know. So I don't I mind. Mean, that, that, that's not an easy crowd to work anymore. It used to be fun, but not anymore. Now, but... Also, the setting of the room is important. I like working theaters because there's no waiters, there's no waitresses, there's no serving food. There's no, once they sit down to see the show, you know, they're in, it's a great situation, you know. Uh, but if you work a place where they're having dinner, you've got to make sure dinner's done. If you're doing a corporate date and it's afterward, make sure the food is out of the room, the waiters and waitresses are out of the room, and the people are settled in. You know, the, those are, again, I like to work a lower ceiling room than a higher ceiling room, you know. Uh, you know, but but you know, for the most part, I've been doing it a long time. I yeah. make it. I'll make it work. As most comedians would tell you they'll make it work. You know, is it better some nights than others? You bet. You know, if if, the, if everything is in place the right way, you're going to have a hot crowd. You know, I, I remember the st- famous thing that Fred Allen said that in vaudeville, you could basically have two routines and run for 20 years. And once he went into radio, he had to come up with new material every week, and they just wore him out. I was thinking for you with television, every time you did a Tonight Show or David Show, uh, you couldn't use that same act could you, in your live performance the next day in the theater, right? You, you got to do, do a new, every time you did the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson wanted you to do a new six minutes to come up with new material. And it can't be jokes like two guys walk into a bar jokes. It's got to be original monologues. So, you know, I, if you can't write your own material, and you can't afford other writers, you're going to have a tough time in our business mm-hmm. if you have to keep coming up with new material. Jack Benny, many years ago, told me, he said, like you, like Fred Allen told you, Jack Benny said 20 minutes of material, and you could work for years in vaudeville, yeah. all across the land. Yeah. When you finish that circuit, you go on another circuit across another part of the land. Today, three appearances on The Tonight Show, and that, was, that 20 minutes was gone. You know. So over the years, have you pretty much wrote your own material? How did you handle it over the years, Tom, get the... 
to make sure, because you, you know yourself better than anybody else, so I would think, in a way, writing your own material would, would, would better help. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's always, I've always written my own material, and basically it's because, uh, you know, I, I, some things that strike me funny wouldn't strike other people as funny. Mm -hmm. I, I have this own, you know, my own feeling. I say, oh, that's funny, and I, or I can make that funny. You know, if you hang around, sometimes I used to hang around some funny people in my neighborhood, and they didn't know they were being funny. And I, and I would say, oh, that could, you can restructure that and turn that into a real good joke. You know, uh, it, it's just having the knack for knowing that that's funny. You know, you, you know, I was, even as a young boy, I was always fascinated by the sound of laughter. Mm -hmm. I shined shoes in taverns all over my neighborhood. I had, came from a poor family. I had eight brothers and sisters, mm. and we lived in a shack, you know, and you know, we slept on the floor. Sometimes five of us would sleep in one bed. Uh, we had no bathtub, no shower, no hot water. It was a rat-infested, roach-infested shack. So I grew up poor, but I didn't. I had a sense of humor even then. I always could make fun of that and have have some laughs. When I was shining shoes in the bars, uh, I had an uncle who used to tend bar, and he would tell jokes behind the bar, and I would I was fascinated by his vernacular, his vocabulary, and his inflection, he could cause this sound to come out of people's body that would fill the room like electricity and unite the people. They would all laugh together. And I, mean, I was fascinated. Anytime I heard laughter, I would gravitate to it, see what's making people laugh, you know. Was there one big event in your life that that you said, okay, I want to make this a career? Or was, there, was that just something you knew as a kid, this is where you wanted to be? I had no idea I'd ever be in show business, none. I came out. Of, I spent four years in the service. I came out of the service. I, you know, I, I went to junior college in Iceville for a little while. I, I, um, I worked construction. I worked as a private detective. I worked as a bartender. I uh, worked as a photographer in my brother's business. I wandered aimlessly. I worked on a loading dock, uh, loading trucks. I was a teamster. Then I dropped my card, and I became <clears throat> management. I was a foreman, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I was a young guy, but I was ambitious, hardworking. But I was unhappy everywhere. I, I said, "Gee, I don't. I, I, I never felt that fulfillment." And I joined a civic group called the JCs, and <clears throat> and, and they work on community projects trying to make the community a better place to live by finding the faults and the problems of the community and then forming committees and, and working on that specific project. So they taught you how to, how to be a leader, mm -hmm. how, to, how to chair up a, a, a committee, how to serve on a committee. Well, one of the problems in those days, as it is today, where our youth were destroying their lives with drugs. Right. So I wrote a drug education program teaching grade school children the ills of drug abuse with humor, a concept I had. And... Uh, uh, and, and a guy joined the JCs and worked with me on this project, a young black man, and the program became number one in 50 states and in 22 foreign countries. Uh, JCs used it as a model program through their publications on how to teach drug education at an elementary school level. The, in those days, they weren't teaching drug education at a college level or a high school level, let alone at an elementary school. Mm. And one day, a little eighth grade girl said to, to this black friend of mine, you guys are funny, you ought to become a comedy team. And, you know, and, and, you know, we thought about that, you know, and we thought, wow, there's never been a black-white comedy team before. So we started doing what we thought was comedy. We started writing what we thought was comedy. We went, and there were no comedy clubs in those days. So we went in a couple of clubs and bombed and, uh, <laughs> and got a bomb. And then we started getting better and better. And we became America's first black-and-white comedy team. And history shows we were the last. Tim went on to become, we were called Tim and Tom. Mm -hmm. Tim went on to become Venus Flytrap on WKRP Cincinnati, and he was on another show called Sister, Sister, a lot of sitcoms, you know. Mm -hmm. And I went on to do my stand-up. 
we wrote a book a few years ago that's now becoming a movie about our life. You know, what it was like from 1969 to 1975, touring America as the first black-white comedy team, and the dues we had to pay, you know. That's an interesting period of our American history. Did you and Tim feel that, uh, you know, what we were going through in the 60s and into the early 70s? I mean, it must have been interesting dynamics, you know, socially and politically versus what you guys were doing on stage. No, no question about what we were going through. No comedy team ever had to pay the dues that we had to pay. Yeah. There were no comedy clubs, so we worked all black clubs in the north and the south, what they affectionately called the Chitlin Circuit, black-owned, black-operated nightclubs. Mm. We worked all white nightclubs, too, as well. Uh, in those days, uh, we were, the civil rights movement had, was only five years removed from being passed. Um, integration wasn't something that was... You, know, you didn't see a black guy and a white guy walking down the street yeah. together, let alone on a stage together in those days. And I had a wife and three kids. Tim had a wife and two kids. <clears throat> and we were touring the nation, paying dues like no one had to pay. If we, you know, if we worked in, there were riots all over the country. Mind you, the Vietnam War was raging. Yeah. Uh, and, and students were protesting all over America. I had just gotten out of service. Tim just gotten out of college. And um, so students were protesting. African Americans were rioting in almost every major city in America, feeling disenfranchised from the system. And we were in the middle of all that, trying to make people laugh. You know, uh, it, it was really um, a difficult time. If there was a black guy who hated white people, hated them with a passion, he wasn't mad at me. He was mad at Tim for being with me. Wow. If it was a white guy, a redneck, who hated, you know, black people, he wasn't mad at Tim. He's mad at me for being with Tim. So, you know, that, that's the kind of element we put up. For the most part, people love what we did, but, yeah. but we had to pay dues like no one else ever had to pay, you know. Well, that's an interesting concept. I don't think most people would have thought that would even be an issue for you guys to be on stage. But you felt that. Want to go to uh, want to find it? Go to Amazon, and our book is you can pick it up there. Tim and Tom: An American Comedy in Black and White. I'm not trying to sell the book. No, no, no. So Amazon.com. The website for the uh, book. Books. Yeah, you should go to books, and and you can look up Tim and Tom: An American Comedy in Black and White, because it um it'll tell you all about it. See the book. We sold out all the printed copies on Amazon. People are buying them um, from, you know, secondhand. Somewhere. Right. But uh, the book has is, is done quite well. Your one-man show uh, for a nationwide audience, um, are you planning to take it to different parts of the country this year? Any idea what your tour dates will be later this year? Well, I'm, I'm looking at different – my agents and managers looking at different theaters. I'm going to Chicago, of course, to do it. I'm doing it, and that's my hometown. And yeah. I've done it there like six times, and they want me to do it again. I'm going to go in Las Vegas at the Smith Center there and do it there. It's got a great theater. And I've been, you know, I've been trying to do Costa Mesa out by you. Yeah. Um, there's a theater out there that, that I think it would go real well, and, and some, I think my agents are, are talking to somebody out there. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to have you down here because uh, – there's, as you know, there's pretty nice theaters down here. Also, I know that you would go out and... That's true. 100, 100 200 tickets... And that is true. ...to your friend. <laughs> as rich as you are, Walt. Oh, my gosh. Well, what's your favorite Frank Sinatra story? Before I let you go, you must have one or two that you want, could share with uh, the audience. There's so many. There's so many, um, you know, that, that you know, one that shows that he had a good sense of humor. And then one that shows the, the, the kind of man he was... He, one time we were coming out of the Waldorf Astoria in New York, we're on our way to do a gig, and uh, the, we went out the back entrance. He had an apartment at the Waldorf Astoria in the back, and so he could get out. If he went through the front, he'd be mobbed, so we'd get out to go to the gig, and uh, 
we were rushing out the back door heading for the limousine with the security and a woman jumped out of the doorway and started screaming, Mr. Sinatra, please, Mr. Sinatra. The doorman told me that she had been hiding there for like five hours waiting. Wow. And she's yelling, please, and, he, and the security was rushing them to the limo. She's saying, please, Mr. Sinatra, please. He finally turned around at the limo. He said, what is it? She said, please, my husband is home. The security was holding her back. She said, my husband is home sick. He's very ill. And if I could get an autograph from you, it would mean the world to him. And he said, sure. And he went back, and he got her, her husband's name, and he's signing the autograph. And she said, oh, what beautiful cufflinks. They were $2,000 cufflinks. I know where he got them at. He said, thank you. And he finished the autograph, and he took the cufflinks off, and he handed them to her and said, give these to your husband for me. She said, oh, no, no, no. No, I don't, I don't want I don't want them. I was just admiring them. He said, no, I want you to give these to your husband. Now, we got in the limousine, and I said, Frank, that was nice, but why did you do that? He said, Tommy, if you possess something that you can't give away, you don't possess it. It possesses you. And yeah. I, I thought about that. And, 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 and by the way, he not only talked that talk, he walked that talk. He said, it's okay if somebody says to you, I like your Mercedes Benz, and you don't give it to them. But when you're alone in the bathroom shaving, looking at that guy in the mirror, you got to admit to that guy, that car owns you because you can't give it away. You know, and he, he, he was one of the most generous human beings I've ever met on this planet. And no one knew about it. He did things privately and quietly so that no one would know about it. You know, he didn't want people to know about it. Um, and, that's, and another, if you want a funny story, yeah. we're in a bar down in, in the Rancho Mirage where he lived. He stayed up till dawn. He never went to bed till the sun came up. <laughs> so he would come and get me out of my bungalow sometimes when I'd stay at his house. Let's take a ride, Tommy. And we'd, we'd, this place was called Sidney Chaplin's Bar. Sidney Chaplin actually was Charlie Chaplin's son. Mm. He's an older guy, and he would give Frank the keys and say, lock up, because Frank stayed up till dawn every night. So, you know, he would leave, and, and Frank was supposed to lock the door, and we'd drink at the bar, you know. Mm -hmm. And Frank forgot to lock the door one night. And we were standing there talking. It was like 2.30 in the morning. We were talking, and I saw a station wagon pull up, and a woman got out on the passenger side. There was another woman driving. And she came running in, came in the door, and came right behind Frank Sinatra. She said, excuse me, excuse me, is there a jukebox in here? <laughs> Look, he said, I'm sorry, what did you say? She said, is there a jukebox in here? And Frank looked around the room and he said, no, I don't think so. He, looked, he said, with a big smile on his face, he said, I'll sing for you. She said, no, thanks. And she turned around. <laughs> and he watched her like a little boy going out the door. And, and I, I said to him, she obviously didn't recognize you. He said, maybe she did. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story, Tom. I would love to have gone and told that woman, you just turned down a guy who's been on every jukebox in the world. <laughs> She's been there for the rest of the night. But it was, it's, it's funny. Little does she know, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, Tom, I'm going to let you get ready for your show later tonight. So thank you so much for do doing this for me tonight. Anytime, Walden. Call me anytime. I will. I will. Tell your listeners they can go to TomDreesen.com. D-R-E-E-S-E-N. Three E's. D-R-E-E-S-E-N. TomDreesen.com. And they can find out anything they want to find out. And they can contact me through that, too, as well. Terrific, Tom. Tell me they heard me on Walden. And we'll just see how many listeners you have. Uh-oh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, have a great evening. My pleasure, Walden. Thank you. Okay. Bye -bye. Oh, Patricia, I hope she gets feeling better. I will. I'll be calling her really soon. Take care, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yep, Patricia's under the weather. We're going to call her now. So stand by, everybody. We'll play a little music. And...
we'll see Patricia up to talking for a few minutes before we run into our stuff here on Yesterday USA. <laughs> kissed me and held me closely then stole my heart wanted someone I trusted who gave no warning we'd ever part she was last seen hiding out in someone's arms he knew nothing of the danger in her charms. A jury may find her guilty, but I'd forgive her if I could see a signed confession that she's repented and really wanted no one but me. Someone who kissed me and held me closely, then stole my heart. Wanted someone I trusted, who gave no warning that we'd ever part. She was last seen, hiding out in someone's arms. He knew nothing of the danger in her charms. A jury may find her guilty, but I'd forgive her if I could see a signed confession that she's repented and really wanted. No one but me. Well, it wouldn't be a Saturday night without the famous song introduced. You know who? Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make 
make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no foolin'. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia. I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue sky. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no foolin'. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Everybody, we're back, and hello, here she is, the little girl that's under the water. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. Hello, everybody. Hello. And stuff like that there. Oh, very good. At least you have your routine figured out. <laughs> My routine? <laughs> oh, I don't have a routine. I'm just... Adorable. I'm just sick. Yeah. Yeah, I said I told everybody at the top of the show you have a bug. I have more than a bug. Well, I just thought a bug is a bug. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh my goodness. No. Um, a couple so, of people have said I was raspy. Hmm. I don't think I'm raspy tonight. You're not. No. No, you sound very normal to me. Oh, <laughs> that's a word we don't. Usually, <laughs> haven't been normal since the day I was born. <laughs> well, Tom Dreesen, hope you feel better. Our special guest for the first half hour. She said, "Oh, he said if I knew Patricia wasn't going to go on a show, I would have canceled." Uh, good thing I didn't tell him ahead of time. So, you know. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what he told me. Oh, gee. <laughs> can he come back? He can come back anytime we want him. Oh. You know. So. Look about. Oh my gosh, we uh talked about comedy, huh? and he's been doing it for 48 years, mm-hmm. and he told a couple of Frank Sinatra stories, he said, he said he was a stand-up co- comic for Sinatra for 14 years, uh-huh. and the one-man show he's doing today is based upon some of the time he spent with Sinatra. Oh, that's great. But the one, I asked him for two stories, and he said, here's the funny story, he said, um, you know, Sinatra never went to bed until until the daylight showed up. 
my kind of guy. Absolutely. So, uh, he used to go to Charlie Chaplin's son owned a bar in mm-hmm. Palm Springs. So that was um. Sinatra Tail. And he said, I, he, he would call me in the middle of the night. He said, come down here. I want some company. And so I was in the bar with Sinatra. And they gave the key to Sinatra to close it up. So it was 2.30 in the morning. And a woman come flying in from a car. Stopped the car. And she wants to know. She comes right behind Sinatra. said, is there a jukebox in the place? And Frank turned around and said, what? What did he A jukebox. I'm looking for a jukebox. And Sinatra said, no, but I'd be happy to sing to you. He said, no. And he, she walked out of the room and went and, and drove off. And and uh, Tom said, does she have any idea who he just turned down to sing to her? After, they, you know, he was thinking, here's Sinatra been on all the jukebox throughout America, and she personally turned him down because she wanted a jukebox. Oh, my gosh. So those were some of the things we talked about. So it was a oh, fun, fun half hour. So so he's willing to come back anytime. So that's the future guest for Patricia. That's cute. Yeah. That is really a funny story. Yeah. Did he ever figure it out and come back? Oh, no. She never did. Oh, she should have. <laughs> oh, my God. At one time in her life, she must have figured it out. Well, also the other story I asked him to tell, he said, Frank, um, he said one time when we were going to leave somewhere, the, uh, Frank's limousine was parked, and we went to, he and I went to the limousine to take off, and there was a woman that stepped out from behind the, uh, behind the doorway, and and said, my husband is very sick, Mr. Sinatra, would you at least sign an autograph for him? And so she said, sure. She, so he went back and signed the argument. And she made a comment of the cufflinks. And he said, after he signed the autograph, he gave her the cufflinks. And these were $2,000 a piece cufflinks. And she said, no, no, no. I give her the money. No, you can give these to your husband. And then when, to- when Sinatra went in the car with Tom, he said, that was really nice to you, Frank. He said, said Tom, I've won one thing. Possession in life are a problem if they possess you. So if you if you can look in the mirror as you're driving limousine and give all those items away, you're a better person. So he always felt a, a true character of a, of a generous human being could he give all his possessions away. Oh, what good advice. Yeah. Wisdom. Yes. And stuff like that. That's stuff like oh. that there. So uh, he said Sinatra did a lot of things for a lot of people privately. And uh, I, I know that's true because I, I didn't want to elaborate upon, you know, Tom story because I, I, I know Nancy Jr. Mm. did a lot of time when Frank didn't have the money, he borrowed the money to give it away. Say that again? When he when he knew somebody was in, was in trouble. Uh-huh. And if Frank did not have the money, he would just go and borrow the money and give that away. Oh, my word. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of man Sinatra was in a lot of ways. Very complex human being, but very generous human my being. My goodness. Yeah. So 
we talked about that for a little bit. So, but no, we, um, one of the things that, um, Tom was the first and the last black and white comedy team in, throughout the 60s into the 70s, and we've just talked about, um, the social dynamics of that relationship during that time. You know, his, his comedy partner was black, he was white, and then traveling up and down throughout the country and the the the, the reactions of, of people mm-hmm. during that time. So it was very informative, what can I say? Very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that certainly was not a yes-no interview. No, no, no. Goodness. No, no. It was very, it was very detailed. It was very in-depth. It was very... Yeah, I enjoyed it. What can I say? You can say you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, everybody, <laughs> we're going to get... a chance to say hello. We're going to let Patricia have the rest of the night off. So, we're going to have Frank Brzee and Ray Bring pinch it for her. Back in 1984, uh, Frank Brzee was a guest on Ray Bring show for four hours. Wow. So that's what we're gonna feature. That way, I can send Patricia to bed. Yeah. Okay, she <laughs> needs to go to bed. You know. It's a very good place to be this week. You know. So we want her to get ready to bug, and the other stuff that she fight with her. So, do you want to check on her to see she's very willing to look at her email when she's up and about at floridawriter at hotmail dot com. Don't expect an answer tonight. Because I told her she needs to rest. So, wait, wait. You're going to want to appear, uh, a hi from Patricia, wait till later in the week, but just drop a note saying, We miss you, Patricia. Oh, I missed all of you. Yeah. All right, my dear. Well, I'm going to let you get back to to the, uh, the estate. And I'm rolling down the hallway. Just roll <laughs> down the trail. <laughs> I do really. Oh my goodness, have I been sick? You have. Oh, I've been sick. Uh, I will go get better now. All right, my dear. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Well, we talked this morning that if you were up to doing it, we would have you on for a couple minutes. Thank you. All right, my dear. Get some sleep. Good night, everybody. Good, Good night, night Walden. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Hi, right, everybody. That is Patricia. And now what we're going to do, as I mentioned, for the next four hours, we're going to feature the time when Frank Brzee was on with Ray Bring on KABC. Here we go. JAWS Professional Sound Forge Pro 11 Alt Tab. Windows M. Desktop Folder View List View L. Live Shows Folder Enter. Live Hit for R. Rape Re Enter. Rape Radio Shows KAB Enter. Shell Rape Page Down. Rape Remate 801. Rape 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 Remate 70. Rape 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 Remate 5. Rape Remate 5. Rape Remate 41214 with Frank Ressi. Unloading jaws. Can't OK enter. Ready. 
KABC Los Angeles, talk radio, AM 79. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. After more than two weeks of constant upward progress, mechanical heart patient William Schrader has suffered a major setback. Humana Hospital spokesman George Atkins says Schrader has suffered a stroke. He was sitting up having dinner with his wife. Uh, she noticed uh, 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 a kind of a blank stare and then uh, a stupor condition. Uh, he then uh, uh, became unconscious uh, and they started the treatment at that point. Schrader's doctors are closely monitoring his condition, last reported as stable. The word from the hospital is that the doctors are encouraged by what are termed early signs of recovery. ABC's medical editor, Dr. Timothy Johnson, tells us why. I think we can say that his rather rapid recovery from the original deficit, that is when he was unconscious, when he was unable to move his right side, when he was not able to speak at all, is cautiously interpreted as good news. Obviously, they are still searching for the underlying cause of a stroke, and I might simply point out that a stroke means nothing more or less than the fact that the brain or part of it is not getting enough blood. Doctors in Louisville say they're giving Schrader various drugs to minimize the effects of the stroke and oxygen to make sure his brain has an adequate supply. I'll have more after this. Your ad agency is highly recommended. Oh, thanks. What do you sell? Fruits and vegetables. Here, I brought some along. Oh, great. We'll do some TV spots. Oh, I'd rather use radio. Why? TV is too expensive. Well, look. Anyway, people don't have to see my fruits and vegetables as long as they can hear them. What? When we play music, um... Are you kidding? No, see, I put an all-produce band together just for a radio commercial. Oh, come on now. Hand me that squash there. How'd you do that? Practice. I'm also proficient on three leafy vegetables and two tropical fruits. Really? It's economical to advertise on radio, and I can target the people who like to listen to fresh fruits and vegetables. This, uh, band you... Seven rutabagas, five cucumbers, and a base broccoli. Uh-huh. So, we'll play our theme song, Yes, We Have No Bananas, and then we'll eat our instruments, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'll buy radio for us then? Sure. Listen, could you, uh, teach me... Oh, the... sure. Here, start with the celery. You, you don't blow on celery. You strum it. Sorry. Beginners. Radio. Red hot because it works. For all the facts, call this station or the Radio Advertising Bureau. Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger denies he's proposing a military pay freeze as part of spending cuts intended to reduce the federal deficit. The defense secretary says that would be unfair to the troops. In Washington, ABC's Tony Sargent says Weinberger wants more, not less, for the troops. The military got big raises in 1981 and 82, designed to make service pay compare with the private sector. Since then, military raises have been 4% a year. Pentagon analysts say those recent raises have let military pay fall behind private pay again. So Defense Chief Casper Weinberger wants a 7% military pay raise for 1986, the budget the White House is wrestling with. These figures don't count fringe benefits, like housing allowances, subsidized prices at commissary stores, and inflation-proof pensions at an early age. Tony Sargent, ABC News, Washington. Flamboyant boxing promoter Don King has been indicted by a federal grand jury in New York on charges of income tax evasion. ABC's Michael Connors says King has been accused of skimming the profits of his promotion company. The government is essentially charging that King and a vice president of his promotion company took money that was paid to the company for boxing matches, and they diverted it for personal use. According to the government, uh, over a three-year period, King failed to report more than $400,000 in income and failed to pay more than $200,000 in taxes. That's Michael Connor. Fights promoted by Don King over the past 11 years are said to have pulled in revenues totaling more than $100 million. Arthur Lee Jones' last chance for life appears to rest with the Federal Court of Appeals in Atlanta. 
Jones, a convicted killer, had been scheduled to die just after midnight in the Alabama electric chair, but it was delayed hours earlier when the appeals judges granted Jones' attorney time to file a request for a hearing. If there's no decision by 4 p.m., the Alabama Supreme Court will have to set a new execution date. One of the country's major pharmaceutical firms, Smith, Klein & Beckman, has pleaded guilty in Philadelphia to charges it failed to tell the government about damage caused by one of its drugs, Selecrin. The drug was pulled from the market in 1980 after the FDA learned that some people had died from kidney and liver damage after its use. This is ABC News. The Conservative Party of Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher has kept its edge in Parliament in a special by-election in North London. The seat won by Conservative candidate Michael Portillo had been held by Sir Anthony Berry, the only member of Parliament killed in the IRA bombing of a hotel in Brighton, England, in October. Nature may use hammers to reshape the planet from time to time. NASA scientists, writing in Science Magazine, say showers of comets may bombard the Earth every 33 million years or so to shape continents, oceans, and to change the way of life on the planet's surface. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Vaughn. Do you own a trust deed? Are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment? Would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check? Certified Financial Services pays top dollar for trust deeds with immediate funding. Sell your trust deed or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990-9242. 990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect, area code 818-990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. ideas are always welcome right here on Talk Radio. It's the place where you'll hear one-of-a-kind, two-way conversations filled with information and provocative ideas. Talk Radio is entertainment in its purest form. Talk Radio is... Ray Bream! Good morning, everyone. If you are over 50, you had better stick around because you must remember what we call the golden days of radio. You remember radio when you could flip the switch and out would come all those great programs such as... I hope everybody. This is Rudy Valley and Company. To Toronto and to Canada, greetings. It was the recollection of your generous hospitality in 1935 that led us to return this year. Again, we find that we like Toronto and that Toronto likes us. A pleasant discovery always. From Hollywood, California, the makers of Life Boy present Al Jolson. So right now, we bring you the Life Boy of the Airwaves in person, Al Jolson himself. Thank you, Tiny, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. 
The makers of Campbell Soups welcome you to another evening of music and entertainment in the Orchid Room in Hollywood with Francis Langford and our genial master of ceremonies, Ken Burry. Thank you. Thank you, Ken Niles, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ken Murray speaking, and I'm telling you, it's a kick to be on this program. Great comedians on the air, like Eddie Cantor. Uh, Eddie who? Oh, Oswald. Who is it? They always kid on the air because he has no son. Uh, the Los Angeles weatherman. I see. <laughs> That's our ring. Time for Lum and Abner, brought to you by the makers of Alka-Seltzer. And now let's see what's going on down in Pine Ridge. Listen. You know, Lum, I believe this pigeon-toed nonsense twixt Ben and the Witter Abernathy's getting kind of serious. Well, I know it is. Long as Ben's got that money, the Witter ain't gonna give up till she hooks him. Thank you, thank you. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you, Mr. Gallup. <laughs> May I tell you that there is only one Frank Gallup, and that's Harry Bunzel. <laughs> it pays to be ignorant. Why is a man like a worm? Because some chicken always gets them. Pay the man $8. <laughs> it pays to be ignorant. What's the difference between a bad boy and a postage stamp? One you lick with a stick and the other you stick with a lick. Pay the man $9 because... It pays to be ignorant. You know, that's a funny thing. I had fish today. You did? Yeah, I had a fried a matter. A ma What's a matter? Nothing. What's a matter with you? Ah. <laughs> Mountaineer knocked at the door of the village doctor. See what you can do for my son-in-law, he says. Uh, we've had a fight. And the doctor took one look at this bedraggled specimen leaning against the old man. He says, why, the lad's in terrible shape. You ought to be ashamed beating your son-in-law like that. And the old man says, well, he weren't my son-in-law then. <laughs> the Red Skelton Radio Show. Now the star of our program... Red Skelton. Oh, thank you. Thank you and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's, I get a big kick out of being on just before Bing Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> they listen to the groaner, and now they're going to hear the moaner, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, how can you laugh when you've just been fired? Uh <laughs> when the blue of the night meets the gold if you're over 50, you remember those sounds. And some of us say there'll never be another radio. I mean, it, uh, can it cannot be duplicated when it comes to television. The pictures don't count. The music, uh, the gags, the, the drama that uh, took place in the theater of the mind was 
something that we'll never, ever forget. My guest is Frank Brzee. He's been active in the radio and TV industry for more than 30 years. He began as a child actor on shows that originated in Hollywood and appeared on many of the top coast-to-coast -coast shows during the 40s, including Lux Radio Theater, Major Hoople, Little Beaver on the Red Rider series. During the 50s, Frank Brzee was signed to the Liberty Broadcasting System as special events producer, writing and producing all its film and premiere broadcasts. In January of 1967, Frank began a program on the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. His show is called The Golden Days of Radio, now in its 18th year. And he daily presents popular radio shows and personalities from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And I want to add that he's past president of a great organization called the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, headquartered in Hollywood, California. And uh, he was nominated recently for an Emmy for his CBS TV special, Golden Days of Radio. Frank Brzee, glad to have you with us. Bream, Bream it's uh, nice to be here. Thank you very much. Boy, you really have chronicled the Golden Days of Radio. I don't know of anyone that has a personal bigger collection of these shows than you do. Well, uh, there are people with larger collections, but you know, I've been around, and uh, I was there when most of this happened, and I think over the last uh, 35 or 40 years, I've culled some of the best of the material. Radio was just sensational. Well, you know, you can go back and go back, and uh, where do you start? There were so many hundreds, if not thousands, of great shows over all those years, three decades of just literally great programming. But what are some of the shows that stick out in your mind? Well, you know, one of the big shows was the Lux Radio Theater. Uh, it was uh, it was a, one of the few programs that motion picture personalities appeared on in the early days. The Lux Radio Theater started in New York in 19, I think it was 1935, and it was broadcast from New York, and they did Broadway stage plays for about a year. Then they moved to and Hollywood. And then they moved to Hollywood, and uh, Cecil B. DeMille became the host. Lux and presents <laughs> Hollywood. Who can ever forget yeah. that? Well, I mean, every, every word, uh, you, you hung on every word that he said. S uh, such yeah. drama and pathos, you know. DeMille was just, just sensational. In the, in, the, in the days that I did Lux, which uh, was in the 40s, in the, uh, in the early 40s, uh, DeMille was still the announcer or the mm -hmm. host of the mm -hmm. show. And very often, the show was done on Monday night, and it was on for an hour from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific Coast time. And DeMille would very often come directly from from the set, and he would have the hip boots on and uh, and be dressed as a motion picture director really? and stand on the stage in front of the audience and host the program that way. Now, when we come back, I want to find out about uh, this dollar that he would not pay, the oh, dues, okay. and the big battle he had, and why he finally left the show. I remember that. All right, we'll do it. My guest is Frank Brzee. We're talking about the golden days of radio, and when we come back, you're going to be hearing a bit of the shadow. And guess who plays the shadow in this early... What, what would the, the date be on this? Around 1937. 37. None other than Orson Welles as the shadow. That's coming up. Stay with us. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Did you ever ask yourself why every home or apartment owner doesn't have some sort of alarm system to protect his family and his property? Well, most people think they're either too expensive or they're unreliable or too complicated to assemble. And in many cases, they're right. That's why the engineers and scientists at Fairchild Industries have developed the Fortress line of home security devices, devices that are among the world's most simple to operate, easy to install, dependable, and affordable home security alarms. You can't get anything better. 
whether it's the wireless patio door and window alarm that sells for under $10, or an alarm system that protects your entire home for less than $100. A Fortress Home Security Alarm, with its beautiful wood grain finish, makes a great Christmas gift for someone you love. Visit your neighborhood Builder's Emporium store, Handyman Home Center store, or Neiman Reed's Lumber City, and see for yourself. It's the Fortress Advanced Home Security Line, on sale now at Builder's Emporium, Handyman Stores, and Neiman Reed's Lumber City. Michael Cooper of the Los Angeles Lakers, David Greenwood of the Chicago Bulls, two of the NBA's brightest stars. But before they went on to professional fame, Cooper, Greenwood, and many others starred in the Los Angeles Times Tournament of Champions. And all this week, you've got a chance to see tomorrow's NBA stars as this year's Tournament of Champions brings out 16 of the best high school basketball teams in Southern California. Now through Saturday, you can join college scouts from around the nation as they look over such talented teams as defending state champion Long Beach Poly, Orange County's high-scoring Modern Day, and the San Fernando Valley's powerful Cleveland High. 26 games will be played in all, with competition beginning at Cal Poly Pomona and finishing up at the Anaheim Convention Center. Tickets for all games are available at the Anaheim Convention Center ticket office. Watch the Times Sports section for complete daily schedules. It's the Los Angeles Times Tournament of Champions, sponsored for charity by The Times, in cooperation with San Dimas High School. You're driving. You're pulled over by police and are given a sobriety test. You haven't had a thing to drink. The incident makes you late to an important appointment. A violation of constitutional rights or the exercise of the right of the people to protect itself from the drunk driver. Friday, join Michael Jackson and State Attorney General John Vandekamp for a candid discussion of this new law allowed in California. It's with Michael on Talk Radio 79. In Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by talk. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. The 213 area, it's 448. South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then talk. <laughs> What evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the shadow knows. How long do you expect to keep me here? Just as long as we want, sister. Maybe we'll take you along when we leave. As hostage. I'd rather stay here. You see that little package on the table? Yes. Well, that's got enough diamonds in it to make us all rich. Sure. Hey, well, what is it, Lammy? I got bad news. Did you fill up the plane with gas? That's just it. All they went for the gas, somebody monkeyed with the works. All three motors. Hey, what goes in? Hey, you, sister. Are you trying to pull a fast one on me? Don't be ridiculous. I haven't been near those motors since I landed. That's right, boss. We're going to fix the motors. Now, listen to me, sister. Yes. Was there someone hiding here beside you in the plane? Someone hiding? I was not hiding, Jordan, but you could not see me. Who said that? I am the shadow. Shadow? Well, where are you, anyway? <laughs> Your plan to steal the diamonds has failed. The devil it has. Look. Look on the table. The diamonds. They're gone. I've taken them, Jordan, just as I took the parts from the motors in the plane. You cannot escape. Shadow, my friends are locked in this room. Get away from that door, doll, before I throttle you. No, my friend, let the girl go. Oh, uh, oh. oh 
right. That's Orson Welles as the shadow. You know, I really didn't remember Orson Welles playing the shadow. He was uh, he was uh, about the first shadow. Then there was Brett Morrison, right? Uh, there were several shadows before really? Brett Morrison. Brett started about 1944 and played the shadow until it went off the air in 1954. Yeah. That's the one I remember. Yeah. Brett is the most famous shadow yeah. because yeah. he played it longer than anyone, and for the last 10 years the program was on the air. I mean, it was uh, wonderful. Uh, we all remember the great cliches from the shadow. Who knows what evil... Lurks, lurks in the hearts of men. You know, Brett Morrison was a great friend and a nice person. And he told me once, uh, the, the program was done in New York uh, at Mutual, and it was on every Sunday at 5 o'clock. And uh, for, I guess, 15 years, the show was live at 5 o'clock every Sunday. And he said, you know, for years, I was known as the original 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> Sorry I said that. <laughs> I like that. You know, my first job in radio was at a mutual station. I was 15 years of age, mm -hmm. and the first solo shift that I got was to ride the Sunday afternoon mystery block. <laughs> you start off with true detective mysteries, well, sure and Nick then Carter, Nick Carter, man. master detective, and then the shadow, <laughs> and Bulldog Grumman. I mean, it was, uh, what a lineup. Oh, it was great fun. Sunday sure. afternoons were mystery time on radio. Yeah, that's right. All right, uh, let's take a listen to uh, a little bit of the Lux Radio Theater. And this is uh, Alan Ladd. And if you're a Casablanca fan, listen to Alan Ladd doing Bogey's part. Take a listen to this. 10, Louis. I think it might look nicer if you filled in the names on the letters. You think of everything, don't you? Yeah. And the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. Rick, why my name? Because you're getting on the plane. I, I don't understand. What about you? Yes, what about you? I'm staying here. No. No, Rick. What's happened? Last night you said... Last night I said I do the thinking for the both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to just one thing. You're getting on that plane with Laszlo. I'm sounding noble now, and I'm not very good at it. But it doesn't take much to see that the problems of two little people, well, they just don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Everything's in order. Now, here are the letters. Good luck. Welcome back to the fight, Rick. Are you ready, darling? Yes, I am. Goodbye, Rick. God bless you. Come on, go on. You better hurry. You'll miss that plane. Well, there they go, Rick. <laughs> I was right. You are a sentimentalist. I don't know what you're talking about. You know I'll have to arrest you, of course. Yeah, as soon as the plane takes off, Louis. Help me, Renault. Oh, I may still win my bet, Rick. Renault, what was the meaning of that phone call? Victor Laszlo is on that plane. No, stop him, stop him. What are you standing here for? Because Monsieur Rick has a gun in my stomach. I was... I was willing to shoot Captain Renault. I'm willing to shoot you too, Major. Are you crazy? Guards! Guards! Don't call anyone, Major. I'll shoot. I'll stop it myself. Wait! Wait! The plane must not take off! The plane must... What's happening? Did someone shoot? What are you doing? Oh, Captain Renault. Someone has just shot Major Strasser. Oh. Oh! Telephone Lieutenant Cassell immediately. 
and tell him to round up the usual suspects. Yes, Captain. Ricky, it might be a good idea for you to disappear from Casablanca for a while. There's a free French garrison at Brazzaville. I could be induced to arrange your passage. Hey, look, you still owe me 5,000 francs. 5,000 francs should just about pay our expenses. Our expenses? Mm-hmm. Oh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Well, here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> uh, the, you know, there were chuckles there in the audience. They started to laugh. I guess it was the sound effects man or something, huh? Uh, actually, it's, it was from the dialogue that the actors uh, did on the stage. Uh, the Lux Radio Theater, originally, when they first moved out here, was done at the Pix Theater on Hollywood Boulevard, right near Argyle. And after about a year, they moved to the Vine Street Theater, which is now the Huntington Hartford Theater. And for all intents and purposes, for maybe 15 years, that was the Lux Radio Theater. And uh, it was one of the only theaters in town where they did a radio broadcast in a theater that had a balcony. Um, they had an orchestra, Louis Silvers and his orchestra, uh, the orchestra was behind a curtain with only a glass, a small glass window, so the orchestra leader uh -huh. could see out. So all you saw on the center stage were the two uh, uh, major stars uh -huh. working at a microphone. Everyone else worked at mics off to the side. Um, DeMille worked... Uh, at uh, stage left, and the rest of the actors worked stage right. The sound effects were not seen; they were upstairs on the second oh, really? balcony, in in the in the uh, in the stage. And the only person that could, you could only see the sound effect man from the control booth. Only the uh, director could see the sound. So they weren't laughing at the sound; I they see. were laughing at the dialogue. But th that, that that could be a little embarrassing when it's a drama show and they're, they're giggling and they're laughing. Well, you know, I think very often they wrote some of that dialogue so they would get. Action. Uh, it, but there was nothing like a live audience. You know, when All in the Family came to TV, they went back to the origins of the studio audience and radio. Mm -hmm. That that you get this spontaneous applause and laughter that you just can't duplicate with the soundtracks. Well, I think Lucille Ball was the first to do that with her television show. The, the laugh uh, tracks don't work. Uh, you know, the laugh tracks phony. just aren't right. They don't yeah. sound right. right. Uh, uh, George Burns told me once, he said, uh, they, they did uh, the Burns and Allen show uh, uh, as a, uh, not a live show. They shot it in three days. Mm -hmm. Then they would put it together and bring an, an audience over to the RCA studios on Sycamore and Hollywood, and they'd run the show for the audience, and then they would record the laughs. All right, when we come back, we're going to uh, hear Cecil B. DeMille himself as he introduces the Lux Radio Theater. My guest, Frank Brzee. I'm Ray Breen. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Jason Robards for IDS American Express. The average American couple earns a million dollars before retirement. But after taxes and inflation, many people can't send their kids to college or retire comfortably. Obviously, earning money is not enough. You have to protect your money against the ravages of taxes and inflation. For 90 years, the company now known as IDS American Express has been helping people reach their goals. No shortcuts. No get-rich-quick schemes. Just honest help. 
Call toll-free 1-800-437-4332 for our free 24-page guide to financial planning. Learn the basics of money management, how to reduce taxes, and create a plan to reach your goals. The guide is free. Call 1-800-437-4332 for your copy. 1-800-437-4332. Call now. IDS American Express. It could be the best investment you'll ever make. We've been telling you for a long time now about the upright Auric XL vacuum cleaner that's less than half the weight of its closest competitor, yet does an outstanding job of cleaning your carpets. Well, now we'd like to introduce you to the Auric Buster B four-pound vacuum that's used for furniture, upholstery, the kitchen, or the office. The Auric Buster B vacuum has an extremely powerful motor, yet it's small enough to store in a drawer. For a limited time only, your local Auric dealer is running a combination sale where you can purchase both the Upright and the Buster B, complete with attachments, and save $105. Buy both and save $105. Two great gifts for Christmas. If you'd like the name of the Auric dealer nearest you, in Canoga Park, call Marvin's Vacuum Center, direct or collect. Area code 818-340-1181. That's 818-340-1181. Or if you're in the Pomona area, call Pomona Vacuum. Area code 714-626-5625 for the amazing Auric XL. Well, as the weather gets a little colder each day, you may have been thinking about buying a fur. That's why I want you to keep the name Pelta in mind. Pelta Furs. They've been a sponsor of ours for quite a long while now. And these people are courteous, they're helpful, and they're not at all pushy. But perhaps best of all, and this is important, they sell the very same furs you can buy in any department store, but for much, much less. You see, Pelta is a manufacturer. And that very fact alone means that you pay less, not just for one or two items, but for everything. For instance, buy a fur for Christmas right now while the selection is huge and the price is so low. A full range of colors and sizes, all top quality furs, but at lower prices. So stop into Pelta Furs today and see what I'm talking about. Incidentally, they'll be open every Sunday between now and Christmas from 11 till 5. They're at 521 West 7th Street downtown between Olive and Grand. And they have plenty of validated parking. Or call for information, 624-7727. Talk Radio AM 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. To preface tonight's play, as it would be prefaced on the screen... I should smack my lips, glance at the audience, and roar like the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Lion. For we're presenting two of MGM's brightest stars, Gene Harlow and Robert Taylor. And nothing remains but to ring up the curtain. Lights, music. The Lux Radio Theater presents Gene Harlow and Robert Taylor in Madame Saint-Gene with Claude Rains and C. Henry Gordon. August 10th, 1792, France is rocked by revolution. In the city of Paris, a rabble mob sweeps onto the Tuileries. Look who's there. Let me in. 
screen by pushing in here as if you own the place. All right, that was the voice of Gene Harlow. Must have been a rare... Uh... A very rare show. Uh, Gene Harlow did not make many radio appearances, and that was done uh, just shortly before she passed away. Is that right? Mm. All right, I, uh, I'm sure you have some other things you can tell about Lux Radio Theater, and we'll do it here in a minute. My guest is Frank Brzee. We're going to start taking calls here very shortly. Now's your chance to get in. We're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Now, here's a word from Trader Joe. Frank Hemingway and Tillamook Cheese. It seems like I've been listening to Frank do those Tillamook commercials all my life. This is Joe Colombe of Trader Joe's. The Tillamook County Creamery in Oregon is famous for its cheese. What you may not know is that Tillamook makes wonderful butter, too. This is a special butter made from whey. Whey is a fluid that's left over when you make cheese. Obviously, the Tillamook County Creamery has a lot of whey left over from all that cheddar they make. Enough butter fat remains in the whey so it can be churned into butter. This is a very fine butter with a delicate flavor. Trader Joe's sells more Tillamook butter than anybody in California. Right now, our price is only $1.99 per pound, less than the supermarkets sell ordinary butter. In Granada Hills, you'll find one of our Trader Joe's on Balboa Boulevard at San Fernando Mission Road. Thanks for listening. Visit the Trader Joe's closest to you. There are 23 Trader Joe's throughout Southern California. Hi, John Anthony again from Montebello Lincoln Mercury. And have I got great news for you. Right now, you can buy a factory-fresh 1985 Mercury Marquee Brome four-door sedan from Montebello Lincoln Mercury for only $10,695. Repeat, only $10,695. And these are fully equipped cars. All the extras you'd ever want, including options like air conditioning, four-speaker stereo, power windows, power seat, power steering, power brakes, power door locks, automatic transmission, speed control, white sidewall tires, rear window defroster, plus all the other standard equipment. And listen to this. Interest rates have come way down, and that makes financing a lot easier and payments a lot less. Why not come in today and pick out your favorite color? We have over 40 to choose from. Remember, it's Montebello Lincoln Mercury, Pomona Freeway at Garfield. 1985 Mercury Marquee Bromes for only $10,695. Spread the word. Do you own a trust deed? Are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment? Would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check? Certified Financial Services pays top dollar for trust deeds with immediate funding. Sell your trust deed or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990-9242. 990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect, area code 818-990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. 
Here's an answer to your holiday shopping problems, friends. Stop by the Dodger Stadium gift shop where you'll find hundreds of specialty baseball gifts and a great lineup of wearing apparel, including the official K Dodger the 213 area, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk. My guest is Frank Brzee, radio historian, writer, producer, and a man who specializes in memories, the golden days of radio. And nothing was bigger on radio, I would think, than Fred Allen and Jack Benny in their respective shows, right? Well, Fred Allen was, uh, was a legend in his own time. Uh, he, w when I was growing up, uh, and of course, uh, as everyone knows, uh, Fred Allen lived in New York most of his life, and that program was broadcast from New York. Uh, I always listened to Fred Allen on uh, Sunday night, and Jack Benny on Sunday night, too. Uh, Benny and, uh, and Fred Allen became... Uh, uh, enemies, or uh, they had a phony feud, uh -huh. uh, like the Walter Winchell Ben Bernie feud. Sure. And uh, and uh, of course nobody believed it, and and it and it wasn't true. They were great friends. But J Jack Benny was was on my Golden Days of Radio show once, and we talked about the feud. And I said, how did it start? And he said, well, it really started by accident. Fred Allen had a had a program. Uh, uh, in which there was a little 10-year-old boy who played a violin on his program. And uh, after the kid played the violin, Fred Allen ad-libbed, and this wasn't in the script. He said, you know, you play the violin better than Jack Benny does. <laughs> and Benny heard that and picked it up. And then Mary Livingston said something about Fred Allen, uh, and Benny said something about Fred Allen, and then Fred Allen said something about Benny. So the feud was born. Uh, well, the feud was born, and they were into the feud uh, maybe six or seven weeks before they ever discussed it on the telephone or or brought their writers in and said, hey, let's blow this into yeah. something and uh, and and make it a coast-to-coast -coast feud. All right. They did. Now, you've got an excerpt here where Fred Allen and Jack Benny are together. On whose show? Uh, <laughs> this was... Uh, is it Fred Allen on Jack Benny's show or is it Jack Benny on Fred Allen's show? This is Jack Benny on, on Fred Allen's show, as I remember. And uh, they, uh, you know, the barbs uh, go, go back and forth. Uh, when Benny was in New York, he would appear on Fred Allen's show. And Fred Allen, when he was out here doing a, uh, out in the West Coast doing a, a film, uh, he would appear on uh, on Jack Benny's show. But uh, this is this is from New York, and I would guess this is about 1942 or 43. Come in. Uh, hello, everybody. Good evening, Mr. Benny. Why, Fred! Fred Allen, how are you? Well, I haven't time to bandy pleasantries, Mr. Benny. This really isn't a social call. I'm, uh, I'm here on business. Business? Yes. Your uh, sponsor hired me to read the commercial. <laughs> oh, so you're the guy. But, Fred, I thought radio was through with... I mean, you were through with radio. <laughs> well, I haven't got my own program anymore. But uh, I do odd jobs, a commercial here, a sound effect there, an occasional sob on John's other wife. 
am tonight slumming on your show. Slumming? You that for your information, Alan, my program is right up on top. On top? Listen, Benny, your program is so low, gravity will have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Furthermore, he gave me this in case the other one didn't go. Your program is so, so full of corn, its rating goes up and down with the grain market. That's the one we gave you. I mean. yeah. And another thing, I don't believe Mary Livingston is sick tonight at all. You just made her stay home so you'd be sure of one listener. You came here to read a commercial, so do it and get out of here. Oh, Mr. Benny, you're losing your temper. <laughs> uh, sounds like yesterday. It's, it's amazing that this was done, what, 30, 40 years ago? Almost 40 years ago. Mm. All right. Uh, we have Bob Hope coming up here in a minute. Big Town with Edward G. Robinson. And perhaps one of the funniest uh, routines ever on the Amos and Andy show... The story of the fresh air taxi when Andy meets the kingfish. So uh, that's upcoming, so stay with us. Let's take a call. Hello, Chris. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Hi. Uh, this is Chris. I'm calling from uh, Farmingdale, Long Island. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, I started uh, listening to a local station, uh, WABC, uh, at night where I keep it on next to my bed, and I was woken up this morning to uh, some beautiful sounds, which was the introduction of uh, radio programs. Sounds like you're an old-time radio fan. Well, I'll tell you, I'm uh, 25. I uh, started listening about uh, eight years ago, uh, nine years ago, when there was a uh, local station, uh, WRVR, uh, which is no longer around, that uh, used to play uh, old radio shows. And uh, I discovered, uh, I guess, old radio programs by mistake. Uh, by mistake? It was, I really never thought much about it. I was about uh, uh, 17, 16, 17. And uh, the first show I heard was a um, Halloween Eve, and they were broadcasting uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah, oh, one of the great shows of all time. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, that was the first time I heard it, and I was curious. And uh, then I started uh, listening. They used to broadcast every night at 7. And I would uh, listen religiously, and then I started, uh, at that time, uh, recording a few of the shows uh, off the air. Um, and then uh, I went down to my local library and would start recording or uh, uh, listening out there. And then uh, I got uh, addresses, and I started uh, buying uh, old shows. Mm -hmm. So. And now you're hooked. Now I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> and over the past eight years, I've collected some uh, 600 shows, so... Uh, I've uh, never regretted a day of it. Well, it sounds like you have quite a library. What's your favorite show, Chris? I mean, you're 25 years old. You don't remember old radio. You've only been introduced to it in the last uh, few years. Yeah. But uh, what's your favorite show now? I suppose um, it's, uh, you know, it, it depends on the category. One mm. of my favorite uh, is uh, Ethel Barrymore in uh, Miss Haiti, uh, which was a dramatic uh, uh, series. Mm -hmm. And uh, I suppose that that's one of them. Um, I guess for uh, the comedy, is something which you'll be, be coming up with, uh, Amos and Andy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I have uh, the ones from the original uh, Sunshine Cab Company to, uh, um, of course, uh, Andy getting himself in trouble numerous times, uh, uh, all the way up to the court cases. They were great shows oh, and brilliantly written. Oh, they were marvelous. Mm. And uh, then I guess um, 
for the uh, dr uh, mystery and what have you would be Escape, uh, which uh, I think was a marvelous show. Again, Escape was uh, much like Suspense. Escape was a later show. It came on the air in the 50s. And uh, they had the advantage that a lot of the early radio shows didn't have because they could use recorded sound effects uh, off of tape. And the sound was so good on Escape. You know, like another the... late show that was on until, I suppose, in the early 60s mm -hmm. was Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Oh, yeah. Great show. Sure. That was the expense account person uh, uh, where he would list everything and at the end... Uh, uh, he would sign it uh, with yours truly. Mm -hmm. That's when phone calls phone calls were a nickel. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was, but uh, I, so I was saying though, it's a it was a marvelous thing. Um, I uh, currently uh, am finishing up uh, college, and uh, every night I listen to my shows with uh, with while I'm studying, and uh, uh, I I think that it's some of the best things. Very unoften do I listen to television now or watch television. Uh, I just have them playing in the background. That's very interesting. Chris, thank you very much for the call. Sure enough. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. uh, radio has been rediscovered, and it sort of never dies. Isn't it interesting? He said he now studies and listens to the radio, and <laughs> that's what we all used to do, and we, of we, got, course. You know, we got in trouble for that. Oh, and did we? Did we? <laughs> just as uh, the kids get in trouble when they watch television today. You sure. Know? Sure. All right, my guest is Frank Brzee. We're talking about the halcyon golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. This is Ray Brain. You know, so many of us live with pain today. That's why I'm happy to tell you about a totally new dimension in pain relief. It's therapeutic mineral ice. A world-famous health authority said mineral ice is the most effective local application for pain he ever encountered. Over 500 chiropractors, MDs, and pain clinics now use and recommend this amazing new formula. Ice therapy is recommended by pain specialists as a better way to fight minor aches and pains of muscles and joints associated with arthritis, simple backache, strains, bruises, sprains, and related sports injuries. Mineral ice conquers pain like nothing ever has before. You've got to try it. You can sleep better, work and play in greater comfort, and there's no grease, no stain, no unpleasant odor. Just pure relief in a cool blue gel that ices pain away. Yes, Therapeutic Mineral Ice at Horton and Converse, The Gill, Great Earth, Quinn's, Abbey Medical, and all general nutrition centers. There's an old saying that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I admit that's not good English, but in the wine business, it makes good sense. I'm Lee Knowles, chairman of Bolia Vineyard in Rutherford, California. At Bolia, or BV as we say, we've learned that one secret of making a wine great is knowing when to leave it alone. Take our BV Pinot Chardonnay. It would be easy for us to give it a heavier taste by keeping it in oak a lot longer than we do. But frankly, we'd rather let the personality of the Chardonnay grape come through. Because what we end up with is a wine that's light enough to go with food, yet flavorful enough to drink by itself. So if you appreciate good Chardonnay, try BV Pinot Chardonnay. It's a wine people can't wait to get their hands on. Because when it comes to a beautiful grape, we know when to keep our hands off. When you know fine wine, you know BV. Goodwill toward men and the spirit of giving. Beginning Monday, people stories guaranteed to make you smile. 
people who make a difference with Barbara Essenston reporting. It's almost like they open the door as if expecting to be attacked. Then you, you, you explain that you're here to share uh, a moment of, of giving involving Christmas. Six daily reports wrapped in Christmas cheer. People who make a difference with Barbara Essenston reporting beginning Monday only on KABC. Video with Frank Brzee. How are you, sir? Good morning. Good night. Uh, you, you, talk, you, you with me? Yes, we're with you. You're still there. Hi, I'm just, you, the whole, the golden age of radio takes me back, takes me back a bit. Uh, it sounds a little cornball, but being huddled around the radio on a Sunday night, dad with the paper and the pipe, mom in the kitchen fixing dinner and listening to those old shows, it takes me back a bit. I, I was just thinking that, uh, go on the subject of radio and old time radio being in the war. Uh, which was World War II, of course, and I was uh, Mr. Mr. Allen's driver. You were mentioning uh, Mr. Allen. You, you, you Fred were Allen. Fred Allen's driver in the war? Yes, sir. I was a sergeant, a 19-year-old sergeant during the war. I was his driver. And let me tell you right now, since I'm on the radio and you have a radio expert, he was one of the finest men I ever had the pleasure of knowing. Let but me tell you right now as a fact. I had always heard that. He was, I drove for quite a few months driving around the countryside. He'd entertain the troops there for a bit. Where was this? This was in upstate New York, was it? Well, in the war, it was in Italy. Oh, I, I didn't know he traveled overseas. He was there, yes. Yeah. Oh, quite a few of the radio celebrities at the time mm -hmm. did their bit for the war effort. Uh-huh. He was one of them. He was just, he was just about also, I'd kind of keep my mouth shut, do most of the listening. He was one of the funniest men you'd ever want to meet. Do you remember he did a bit about a, a peg leg pig? You ever hear that when he did that on the radio? I don't recall it, no. He told the story about a farmer going, a man driving along the country, mm -hmm. sees a peg leg pig, and he has to stop and take a look at the pig, and he goes over to that, that farmer and says, what, What's the deal here with this peg leg pig? And the farmer says, Well, it's an interesting story about that pig. That pig saved my family's life. And he said, Save your family's life? What do you mean by that? Well, truth of the matter is, one night my house started going up in flames. That pig ran into the house, took the kids out, winked up, winked up a storm, and he saved the entire family. And I said, well, that's fascinating, sir, but how does that explain the, the, the pig leg? And the farmer looked at the guy and says, well, you know, a fine pig like that, you don't eat all at once. <laughs> and now, that was Fred Allen's humor, all right. That was typical, man. Mm -hmm. He was just, he was... He was such quite a guy, and the war, it was such, it was a tough time to be in. It, mm. was, it was bad. It was very bad things happening all around, of course. But he added a lot. Oh, not only that, let me tell you, just the, just the horror, the horror of being there, mm -hmm. seeing some of the things, and traveling with the man. I don't know if I could have stood up or how I would have fared without the man there, or maybe just some. Just the general... That's a very good point, you know, uh, what, what these people have done. I remember I was in uh, uh, the Far East during the Korean War when I uh, saw Al Jolson, and it was the last trip he ever made because he sure. got yeah. sick, came back, and he died. Mm -hmm. But uh, they loved him in Korea and Japan. I just think humor in general, and humor all through the ages has been such a wonderful lifesaver. And I think humor in World War II alone must have helped so many young boys. And the people back home, too, because they talk when they did the shows. If they did the shows then, they'd mention the kids, 
and they talk about the war, and all around you were spreading a little joy and a little warmth. Indeed. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, uh, let's talk about um, uh, Fred Allen for a second. What do you know about Fred? Well, I, I do know that uh, any any radio collector that has Fred Allen shows will always note that he was one of the few comedians that was allowed to ad lib on his show. Really? He would. Uh, uh, they had very strict censorship in those days. Now, what about and Senator Claghorn and Mrs. Newsbaum and those those folks? Who were well, they? Well, Senator Claghorn was the announcer. Kenny Delmar, who was also the announcer of the hit parade. Oh, I didn't know and, that. Uh, he did that voice, huh? He did that voice and announced Fred Allen's show. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kenny Delmar, uh, God rest his soul, passed away earlier this year. Mm -hmm. But a fine announcer. Uh, Mrs. Nussbaum was uh, Minerva Pius, uh, who did other parts on radio shows. Uh, Henry Morgan used her from time to time. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, she was a staple on the uh, on the old Fred Allen show. And then there was Titus uh, Moody, uh, who was played by... Um, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Um, Parker Fenley. Parker Fenley also did another show uh, during those days called Snow Village Sketches, which you might remember. It was on Mutual, so maybe it came. Yeah, I don't to, remember to that one. Um, uh, and then, of course, his wife was on the show, Portland Hoffa. Oh, sure. Uh, she was a regular on the show. Yeah. And uh, Fred Allen went on the air in 1932 and was on the air for 10 years with an hour program and then it was uh, it became a half-hour program and was on the air for another seven years uh, from 42 to about 1949 in 1949 Bert Parks uh, began a program called stop the music I remember it well stop the music became the most famous and popular show on the air so popular that I think it was the first simulcast program simulcast to the east because uh, uh, they didn't have uh, at that time I was working for an ABC uh, station and I remember well, it well you remember the show yeah. and uh, they would offer thousands of dollars worth of prizes stop the music it was on and that was an hour show and sure. Fred was a half hour and I think and stop it just decimated the ratings huh? well everyone tuned in to stop the music they thought they could win some yeah, money yeah. and they didn't listen to Fred so what Fred did was was uh, put up a bond and say that he would give five thousand dollars to any listener mm -hmm. who was called uh, I remember that during yes, during his I program remember that. called from stop the music yeah. no one ever collected the money yeah. and unfortunately the uh, his program went off the air and then he wasn't on the air uh, after that except for uh, an occasional spot on um, what's my line on the television mm. show now we were talking about people who have entertained the troops there's one name that you just have to oh. put out in the forefront and you know who that is yeah Mr. Hope Bob Hope yeah. all thanks for the memory you folks who listen in to have your Tuesday grin. Without your aid, I'd be afraid to think where we'd have been. So thank you so much. Bob Hope captured his musical theme in 1938, and it's introduced him ever since, including this April 15, 1938 radio show. Bob Hope was only 34 years old. Thank you very much, Cliff Hall. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very happy to be on this dedicatory program. <laughs> there was a time... <laughs> Just take your time tonight. Don't worry about a thing. There was... there was a time in Los Angeles when we used to have swell weather, but a lot of bridges have passed under the water since then. <laughs> oh, they're waking up.
During those years in radio and even into television, Bob enjoyed the antics of his foil and sidekick, comedian Jerry Colonna. Hello? Well, the stash himself, Professor Colonna. How are you? from Canada. From Canada? Why are you talking so loud? No telephone! <laughs> okay, there's a bit of Bob Hope circa 1938 with Jerry Colonna. Now, uh, when, when did uh, Les Brown join uh, the Hope organization, remember? Le yeah, I think Les Brown started about 1949 and really has been with him ever since. Sure. Do you know that uh, during the mid-40s, about 43 and 44, uh, his orchestra and orchestra leader was Desi Arnaz? I didn't that know that. That was one of his first early uh, shows. I didn't know that. And uh, he was with Hope for, for a couple of years, the, hmm. the whole band. Well, now... Uh, when you go back to these uh, shows, how do you get these good, clean copies? Well, Ray, uh, I was in radio in uh, during these years, and and uh, I you collected. You just saved a few. Huh? I collected <laughs> a few at the time, and but most so people didn't realize that they were valuable at the time. Uh, I, w w what inspired you to do that? They weren't valuable then. That's right. Uh, uh, what every I think every kid saved something, and uh, because I was doing radio at the mm -hmm. time, they gave me uh, a couple of transcriptions of shows I was on, and I thought, well, you know, they're kind of interesting and decorative transcriptions. By the way, nowadays they have LP records. But that they're are, on these big 16-inch acetates. They were 16-inch records, mm -hmm. and they would only play for 15 minutes on a side. Mm -hmm. So if you had a half-hour show you were replaying, you would have to record 15 minutes on one side of one disc and the and the second 15 minutes on one side of another disc mm. and then someplace in the middle of the show you'd have to kind of fade them together so that uh, people wouldn't know you were playing a recording indeed my guest is frank brzee we're talking about the golden days of radio i'm ray brain this is talk radio 79 kbc los angeles After 44 years in the same showroom, Nat Halpern Company Wholesale Jewelers are going out of business. Their entire collection of fine jewelry, diamonds, name brand watches, and giftware is drastically reduced for this historic quitting business sale. Cocktail rings, bracelets, pendants, earrings, men's rings and jewelry, pearls and solid gold chains, even custom-mounted and special designs will be substantially discounted. Shelves will be cleared of famous make watches, silver plate, and gift items. Set your holiday table with Richard Gennori, Italy's finest porcelain china at 80% off. Showroom doors are open now to the public at Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company in downtown Los Angeles at 315 West 5th Street on the 5th floor. Use Visa, MasterCard, checks, or cash at the final quitting business sale for Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company. Open 9 to 5 daily, 10 to 3 Saturday and Sunday. Farewell and happy holidays from Nat Halpern Jewelry Company, 315 West 5th. Rocco, does you love me? Of course I love you. I am going to take you out for dinner. We'll go to Anna's Italian restaurant. Oh, Rocco. Monday to Thursday, Anna's got a special dinner. First, you get your minestrone soup. Then you get your Italian salad with pepperoncinis, garbanzo beans, and they even throw in an olive. Oh, Rocco. 
taco. And for the main course, tonight they got lasagna verde. You, you see, each night, and it's changed special. Uh, and you even get a glass of wine. Oh, Rocco. And they give you spumoni ice cream and espresso for dessert. Gee, Rocco, ain't Anna's expensive? Well, it's gonna send me back about 14,958 lire. How much is that in dollars and cents? About 8.95. But nothing's too good for you, sugar. Oh, Rocco, you do loves me. There are two great Annas, on Pico in West L.A. and in Sherman Oaks on Ventura at Sepulveda. There's valet parking, and reservations are suggested. If you or a loved one are 65 or older, get a pencil and paper and write down an important number. It's for free ElderMed gift certificates for the holidays. ElderMed is a non-profit health network of more than 300 local doctors on the staff of Northridge Hospital Medical Center, the Valley Hospital Medical in Van Nuys, La Palma Intercommunity Hospital, and the Long Beach Community Hospital, all helping to keep your medical bills down through ElderMed. ElderMed puts a cap on Medicare costs, limiting your portion to just the deductible copayment. There's no payment up front for Medicare benefits, and with good supplemental insurance, the cost may be little or nothing at all. ElderMed provides you with a health care coordinator. You or your loved ones will receive a free holiday gift certificate, free membership card, and a free directory of participating doctors. Call toll-free 1-800-CARE-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-C-A-R-E, the number 4-M-E. AABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. Artificial Heart recipient William Schrader has suffered his first major setback. Doctors at Humana Heart Institute in Louisville say Schrader has suffered a stroke and is now listed in stable condition. Here's ABC's George Strait. William Schrader's stroke was not totally unexpected. From the beginning, doctors warned of four potential life-threatening complications. The artificial heart could break. So far, it hasn't. Infection. Remember, the air hoses that power the heart go from inside his body to the outside. But so far, that hasn't happened either. Excessive bleeding. Now, that did happen right after surgery and has been corrected. And stroke. Doctors aren't sure what caused it, but a blood clot is the chief suspect. The artificial heart is tougher on the blood that runs through it than a natural heart, and blood clots could be formed. It's been a complication in animal experiments, and now it seems it's been a problem for William Schrader. George Strait, ABC News, Washington. I'll have more after this. People have better things to do than wait at home for their government checks. They have direct deposit, a smart, safe, and easy way of automatically depositing their social security or other government checks. And ladies, reach again. Now swing on the corner. They also have the peace of mind of always knowing exactly when and how their payment will get to their account. So don't wait any longer. Ask for direct deposit wherever you have a checking or savings account. Direct deposit. For 20 million people, it's money in the bank. A public service of the Department of the Treasury and the Ad Council. 
A five-month manhunt has ended in the mountains of western Montana with the arrest of two fugitive mountain men wanted in the kidnapping of a world-class woman athlete and the killing of her boyfriend. Don and Dan Nichols were arrested yesterday near Bozeman, Montana. Reporter Scott Shurian describes what happened when Madison County Sheriff Johnny France found the fugitives on a remote mountain trail. It looked as though Don, the father, was going to point his weapon at the sheriff. The sheriff was armed with a rifle, pointed it first at the father, suggested to him that the father not try anything because he really didn't stand too much of a chance of getting away with anything. Uh, and to make a long story short, both father and son surrendered. And reporter Shurian says at last report, Sheriff France was still in the mountains with his prisoners, who will be returned later today to the jail in Virginia City, Montana. The two Americans who survived last week's Kuwait Airlines hijacking returned to their homes last night. Now that Charles Caper and John Costa are safely home, speculation's growing over the possible role of the Iranians in that hijacking, in which two other Americans were killed. Here's ABC's Dennis Trout in Washington. U.S. experts are increasingly convinced the hijackers and Iranian authorities acted in collusion. Intelligence sources say these are the main factors in their analysis. First, suspicious radio conversations between the hijackers and the airport tower in Tehran. Easily monitored by Western intelligence, these provided the first strong indication that the hijackers and the authorities might be in league. Second, the storming of the plane looked phony to experts, like something acted out rather than a real fight between commandos and hijackers. That's ABC's Dennis Trout in Washington. Federal appeals judges in Cincinnati have upheld the affirmative action hiring program of the Detroit Fire Department. The plan had been challenged by 38 white applicants who claimed they had been unfairly excluded from jobs as firemen for no reason other than their race. In rejecting the claim, the appeals judges ruled the Detroit Fire Department had a long history of patent racially discriminatory hiring practices and for more than a century was what was called the private preserve of white males. Solidarity leader Lech Wałęsa has called for what he termed open action against the authorities in Poland to revive independent trade unions. In a statement issued on the third anniversary of the martial law decree that crushed solidarity, Wałęsa said the outlawed labor union is still alive. This is ABC News. Test pilot Chuck Sewell hopes he'll get his chance this morning to test the X-29 for the first time. Bad weather's kept the jet plane of revolutionary design from making its maiden flight at Edwards Air Force Base in California for the past two days. The runway to be used for the tests is the same desert strip used for landings of the space shuttle. A 45-minute flight is planned, including banks, rolls, and other maneuvers at 45,000 feet. The wings on the aircraft are swept forward, and it's made of graphite reinforced with epoxy rather than aluminum sheeting. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Vaughn. Well, as the weather gets a little colder each day, you may have been thinking about buying a fur. That's why I want you to keep the name Pelta in mind. Pelta furs. They've been a sponsor of ours for quite a long while now, and these people are courteous, they're helpful, and they're not at all pushy. But perhaps best of all, and this is important, they sell the very same furs you can buy in any department store, but for much, much less. You see, Pelta is a manufacturer, and that very fact alone means that you pay less, not just for one or two items, but for everything. For instance, buy a fur for Christmas right now while the selection is huge and the price is so low. A full range of colors and sizes, all top quality furs, but at lower prices. So stop into Pelta Furs today and see what I'm talking about. Incidentally, they'll be open every Sunday between now and Christmas from 11 till 5. 
They're at 521 West 7th Street downtown between Olive and Grand. And they have plenty of validated parking. Or call for information, 624-7727. K-A-B-C, Talk Radio. Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brame, and we're talking about the golden halcyon days of radio with my guest, Frank Brzee. Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Wave the flag proud and high, boys. Show them how we stand. Ever shall a team be champions, known throughout the land. Wheaties, breakfast of champions bring you the thrilling adventures of Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Billy, they're turning away from town. Well, I'll be doggone. Hold on, we're turning too. We'll follow them. There they are, Jack. Up the road a bit. Why, they're turning off the road. There's a tourist camp there, Billy. That's probably where our friend is staying. I guess you're right. See, they've stopped in front of that last cottage. Well, we've seen enough, Billy. We've got some real news to tell Uncle Jim. What on earth does it all mean? You can bet your boots on one thing, Jack. That means there's going to be something doing in Hudson, and pretty doggone soon. Say, what does this mean? Be on hand, all of you, at the same time tomorrow for another exciting episode of The Mysterious Stranger with Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Oh, boy, what a show, huh? That was a great show. And that was one of the early shows. That went on the air in 1933. Really? And it was on the air until 1951. And, you know, Jim Amici, Don Amici's brother, who was a great radio announcer, uh, really an announcer for shows like Ripley's Believe It or Not and other programs, and became a disc jockey in in his later uh, life. Once worked at this originating station. And he did. He worked... uh, Yes, he did. Uh, He... uh, um, he was one of the Jack Armstrongs, played the part of Jack Armstrong in uh, uh, from 1933 to 1938. i got to tell you, that show sold a lot of Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Of Wheaties. Yes, you know, I still have some of those original boxes of Wheaties. I've got the Wacometer. Oh, do you? Oh, I've got, and I have Little Orphan Annie's secret decoder pin. Do you? Oh, of course. You know, those are worth a fortune <laughs> are they some really? of those things. Sure. I'll have to get it out. Yeah, any, anything you might have from the space programs, like anything from, uh, uh, well, Space Patrol was on radio, uh-huh. anything uh-huh. from Space Patrol or Buck Rogers, uh, programs like that. Really? Uh, you can retire. Just about. <laughs> well, maybe. Why didn't I save? <laughs> Hello, David. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Yes, I wanted to know, um, when did they start... What, you know, when did they stop becoming popular, you know, and why did they stop? And also, do you think there's a chance they may come back, you know? Yeah, I'm asked that question a lot. The, uh, you know, I think they're still popular, but the problem is that uh, all the radio actors want to work. Les Tremaine is a great friend, a wonderful guy, and wants to do radio, as everybody I know wants to do radio. The for, pro- if you don't remember Les Tremaine, he was the leading man on the first night of program all those years. Oh, yeah, and he was on uh, sure. uh, The Thin Man and uh, a lot so of the big programs, and, and the star of... Um, of uh, the Falcon and many programs. And uh, if you're a, a motion picture buff and you like uh, sci-fi, of course, the War of the Worlds, he's the general. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's right. At any rate, to answer your question, uh, Tom, 
the, they don't do radio now because there isn't anything written for radio, in my opinion. Um, if, if you were a writer and you were offered, uh, say, $300 to write a half-hour radio show, which is maybe what they pay, or $5,000 to write a half-hour television show, which would you write? Of course, you'd write the television show. You'd write the sitcom. You'd write a, 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 a current television sitcom instead of writing an Archie Andrews. Uh, plus the fact I think advertisers like to advertise on, on television. That's uh, true, but I think, I think more people, like, especially around this time, they would love to hear it. And I think the advertisers would get their money. Uh, no question about the fact. Anybody on the Ray Bream show gets double their money for <laughs> what they spend. That's true. All right. Thank you very much, David. And uh, let's take another call here. This is from Tom. Hello, Tom. You're on talk radio. Thank you, and good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. You're on with Frank Brzee. This is a wonderful program this morning. I'm really enjoying it quite good. a bit. Uh, at, 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 the, at the top here, I want to make this quick comment. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that Ken Delmore passed away. Uh, way in the beginning of the year, I heard a three-hour interview uh, with him, and he was uh -huh. a tremendous guest. Yes, he was. Just a tremendous person he was. Okay, I'm 38 years old. And when I was a little boy growing up, uh, I didn't, my parents didn't buy a television until I was about seven years old. So for my family, our only mode of entertainment was radio. Mm -hmm. We listened to radio like kids today watch television. Uh, I wanted to ask you about two programs uh, that were on the radio that, that I grew up with, but I can't remember too much about them. First of all, uh, the one program was my mother's favorite soap opera called The Second Mrs. Burton. I remember The Second Mrs. Burton. What uh, can you tell me? Who was in that? Thing? Well, the, the, the one that played um, uh, Terry who was the second Mrs. Burton. Uh, the one I remember was Terry Keene. Now, the program went on the air about two years uh, before you were born. Where were you born? About 1947? Uh, 46. 46. Uh, the second Mrs. Burton went on the air in 1945 and was on the air, I think, until about 1951 or 52. Right. Uh, uh, there was a time when, when a lot of the soap operas went off, and I think it was around 51 or 52. Uh, the, sh the show was very, very popular and uh, a well-respected uh, radio show. Uh, one of the announcers of, of that show was Hugh James, who a lot of people might remember as uh, the announcers, uh, one of the announcers for uh, The Lone Ranger. He did all the bread commercials throughout the country for, uh, uh, for uh, The Lone Ranger show. Uh, and the program originated in New York, and uh, most of the radio actors appeared on that show from time to time. I have a trivia question for you, Tom. Who was the first Mrs. Burton? Do you know who that was? Oh, no. Uh, well, that was the second Mrs. Burton's mother-in-law. That's what they tell me, anyway. <laughs> All right, Tom, thanks for the call. My guest, Frank Brzee, radio historian and uh, a man who should know because he was there. He began as a child actor on shows that originated in Hollywood and appeared on many of the top coast-to-coast -coast shows during the 40s. I'm Ray Breen. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Jason Robards for IDS American Express. The average American couple earns a million dollars before retirement, but after taxes and inflation, many people can't send their kids to college or retire comfortably. 
Obviously, earning money is not enough. You have to protect your money against the ravages of taxes and inflation. For 90 years, the company now known as IDS American Express has been helping people reach their goals. No shortcuts, no get-rich-quick schemes, just honest help. Call toll-free 1-800-437-4332 for our free 24-page guide to financial planning. Learn the basics of money management, how to reduce taxes, and create a plan to reach your goals. The guide is free. Call 1-800-437-4332 for your copy. 1-800-437-4332. Call now. IDS, American Express. It could be the best investment you'll ever make. Did you ever ask yourself why every home or apartment owner doesn't have some sort of alarm system to protect his family and his property? Well, most people think they're either too expensive or they're unreliable or too complicated to assemble. And in many cases, they're right. That's why the engineers and scientists at Fairchild Industries have developed the Fortress line of home security devices, devices that are among the world's most simple to operate, easy to install, dependable, and affordable home security alarms. You can't get anything better, whether it's the wireless patio door and window alarm that sells for under $10 or an alarm system that protects your entire home for less than $100. A Fortress Home Security Alarm with its beautiful wood grain finish makes a great Christmas gift for someone you love. Visit your neighborhood Builder's Emporium store, Handyman Home Center store, or Neiman Reed's Lumber City and see for yourself. It's the Fortress Advanced Home Security Line, on sale now at Builder's Emporium, Handyman Stores, and Neiman Reed's Lumber City. Medical advances happen so fast, I can hardly keep up with them. How do you keep up in all the newest diets, alternative treatments, operations, and drugs? Hi, I'm Dr. Dean Adele. I think I can help. For you, I prescribe every Friday evening, 7 to 9, and also Saturdays, 1 to 4, you listen to KABC Talk Radio 79. It's a real doctor show. In the story of Big Town, Steve Wilson, managing editor of the Illustrated Press, is played by Edward G. Robinson. Lorelei, the society editor, is played by Claire Trevor. As our scene opens, we find Steve and Lorelei in the anteroom of the mayor's office at the city hall on newspaper business. I said to myself this morning, says I, what you need, Steve Wilson, is a little chat with the mayor. Well, very friendly of you, Steve, with the election coming along. Frankly, I didn't know you felt that way about us down here. Well, the Illustrated Press is every man's friend, until he gives us reason not to be. Hmm. I won't take any more than a couple of minutes, Mr. Mayor. I've heard you're intending to veto the North End Park Ordinance. Is that true? Well, now, Steve, I haven't really considered all the factors involved. That means you're going to veto it. Steve, I think you can understand that as a public official, I must do my duty as I see it. Your duty to whom, Your Honor? To Jack Starr, who you think will turn his North End voting machine against you if you allow the Park Commission to tear down his rat nest? Or to the sun-starved women and children of the North End? Stunted and diseased for lack of room to breathe and play. Wilson, I don't allow any man to come in here and talk to me like that. Well, this is one man you're going to listen to, Your Honor, and like it. The city voted the bonds for that park six months ago. And the Park Commission is ready to make Star a fair offer for his property without a cent of graft in it. It's time that sinkhole where Star keeps his colony of oat stealers and cutthroats was cleaned out. Yes, and it's time the kids of that neighborhood had a park to play in instead of the streets. Now, I'm giving you fair warning. 
If you're afraid of Star, you say so, and the Illustrated Press will fight your battle for you and run Star into the river where he belongs. But if you've made a deal with him, I warn you, the ward speeches and civic hypocrisy that you turn on so well won't save you. You get out of here. Well, I'll give you one chance to save your hide. I'll hold up that story until 10 o'clock tonight. If I don't hear from you by that time, I'm going to print it. I'll think it over, Mr. Mayor. Good day. All right, that was Edward G. Robinson in his role of managing editor of the Illustrated Press on Big Town. That was one of the great, great shows. Sure was. And I think Edward G. Robinson was one of the first film actors to actually uh, become a star of his own radio show. Edward G. Robinson and Claire Trevor did that show beginning in 1937. The other voice that you heard there, and I'm sure some of the radio buffs might recognize his voice, that was Hanley Stafford. You mean uh, the father on he Baby was Snooks? daddy to, to Fanny Bryce's <laughs> Baby Snooks, and uh, he was also... So, Mr. Dithers on uh, the Blondie sure, program. Sure, Many other shows, too. Hanley Stafford was a marvelous actor. All right, we've got one coming up next that uh, I think is one of the funniest routines. Now, <laughs> uh, you, you could take uh, thousands of shows, and it would be debatable uh, which one is going to tickle your funny bone the most. But this one does it for me, and it's typical of a, of a, a show that was and will always be the, I guess, the the epitome of what radio was mm -hmm. in the halcyon days of radio. Because in motion pictures, for those who don't remember, uh, if you went to a movie, uh, they would stop the, the movie so they could feed uh, th th this great Amos and Andy radio program to the theater audience. Otherwise, they would stay away <laughs> exactly. from the movie. Sure. <laughs> oh, it, it was a great show, a fine program. It was a, it was a gigantic show, though. The, the, the allegiance to this show was something that uh, no one can describe. Well, it, Freeman Gosden and, and Charles Carell were, uh, were really kind of small-town vaudeville entertainers, and uh, they got together. They lived in, in Chicago, Chicago or Peoria. They got together, and they decided to, uh, to do some kind of a radio program, so they, they went on a station in Chicago in uh, January 1926, and they did characters, the Tribune station, and they did They were known as Vic and Sade at that time, <laughs> weren't they? Something like that. Sam and Henry. Sam and Henry, yeah. that's it. Yeah, they were Sam and Henry, and uh, they were on uh, WGN in Chicago, and then uh, a year later, they moved over to WMAQ uh, uh, in Chicago, and they were on WMAQ for a year, and they had an idea that there were a lot of programs, uh, a lot not a lot of programs, but there were some programs that were being recorded and sent all over the country on discs, uh, syndicated. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to have a syndicated program. And the Tribune said, no, you, you, we don't want to syndicate the program. We just want you here in Chicago. So they got mad. They said, we're going to leave. And the Tribune reminded them that they didn't own the name Sam and Henry. And so they had to come up with a new name. So they came up with the names of Amos and Andy. And uh, on August 19th, 1929, they went on the CBS network coast to coast and became a national sensation within within months. And I can hear that pipe organ playing now with now. Bill Hay doing the announcing and, of course, uh, the, uh, the great song, The Perfect Song. Right. And here's one of the great uh, routines from Amos Natty, all about the fresh air taxi. The show puts these bills up high. Yes, sir, they really up... Uh, 
Hey, excuse me for protruding, mister, but ain't you got a hold of my watch chain? Oh, watch chain? Uh, well, well, uh, uh, so I does. Yeah, well, how you like that? Yeah, one of these solid gold cufflinks of mine must have hooked on your watch chain there. Well, it's lucky I done remembered what my grandmother told me before I left home. I got my watch chain attached to my underwear. <laughs> As soon as I felt my BVDs creeping up on me, I know it's... Well, uh, uh, allow me to introduce myself, stranger. Uh, the name is Stevens, George Kingfish Stevens. Kingfish? Uh, yeah, they called me that because I was the head of that great fraternity, the Mystic Knights of the Sea. How you do? I is Andrew Hogg Brown from Marietta, Georgia. You see, me and my friend Amos Jones just got to New York, and we think about buying a taxi. I got 340 bucks right here in my wallet. Hmm, got 340 bucks, huh? <laughs> Thinking about buying a taxi cab, yeah. Now, lucky you run into me, son. Uh, it just so happens that I got just the right car for you. No, I got... <laughs> Yes, sir, Amos, there she is, parked at the curb, our new taxi cab. Yeah, well, I know this fella you called the kingfish that you met give you a bargain, Andy, but the top of this thing is all sheared right off. Look at there. Mm. While you're driving, the breeze is going to come right in there and hit the passengers right in the face. Well, now, that's all right, Amos. You know what we can call it? The Fresh Air Taxi Cab Company of America Incorporated. <laughs> well. That's good, Andy. Uh, let's start up the thing here and take a little ride. I want to hear that Stutz Bearcat engine, boy. Yeah, let me open the door here. Yeah, go ahead. Come <laughs> Daisy. Pick up the door, Andy. Throw it in the back seat. Now, let me get the thing started. Yeah, start up, Bearcat motor. Yeah, it sounds like the bear is chasing that cat all around the place. Andy, she's boiling over. Uh-oh, there go the radiator cap. There, there goes we... the radiator, too, Andy. Yeah. Look, look at that, Andy, the flame. Yeah, let me... I, you know, if anybody doesn't chuckle over that, he's got to be a sad set. Well, that's one of the later shows uh, from about 1950. Uh, they went... Uh they went to a half-hour format. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, originally, they'd gone on the air, and they were between 10 and 15 minutes every night, six nights a week. That's right. Then they went to a five-night-a-week uh, pattern, and eventually, they moved into uh, a network half-hour situation mm -hmm. comedy, mm -hmm. which they taped in front of a live audience. Uh, when they were a 15-minute show, uh, during President Roosevelt's uh, uh, regime, uh, he used to listen to the program every night, and it's been said that at one time he dispatched someone out to the West Coast to talk to Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell, who were Amos and Andy, to find out what was going to happen. He was that much of a fan. <laughs> President Roosevelt was that much of a fan of Amos and Andy. Um, another one who was a fan of Amos and Andy was, um, was Lowell Thomas. And... Um, Amos Nanny was on at 7 o'clock uh -huh. every night. 
Uh, Lowell Thomas was on from 6.45 to 7 o'clock. And Lowell Thomas was given that spot by uh, uh, Paley, president of, mm -hmm. of CBS, uh, because he, he found, he picked Lowell Thomas out of the ranks and felt he would make a good commentator. Well, and Thomas was not known at that time. But he became so well-known because he was on uh, just before Amos and Andy. And he once said to me, he said, you know what should be on my, the epitaph on my tombstone should read? Here lies the man who you tuned in while waiting to hear Amos and Andy. <laughs> so long until tomorrow. Yeah. My dear departed father, he had uh, two no-nos as far as switching the dial. I mean, between, uh, as you say... Uh, well, in the mountain time zone, it used to be 8.45 p.m. Right. and 9 p.m. And don't fool with the dial at all because he's sitting in his evening chair as he's listening to Lowell Thomas and the news, and then the nightcap is Amos and Andy. Uh, you can have the radio the rest of the time, but don't <laughs> fool with the dial at that time. They were so popular. It, as I said, they went on the air coast to coast in August 1929, and uh, they were already very popular then. They came out to the West Coast and made their only motion picture called Check and Double Check for Paramount, uh, which was quite successful at the time. But they were, they were really radio personalities and they really made people go out and buy radios and listen to radio they were important my guest frank brzee i'm ray brame this is talk radio 79 kbc los angeles do you own a trustee are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check certified financial services pays top dollar for trustees with immediate funding Sell your trust deed or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990-9242. 990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect, area code 818-990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. An announcement by First Federal Savings Bank of California. Dear First Federal, I'm in the process of buying a new car. When it comes to negotiating prices with the auto dealers, I know how to drive a hard bargain. But when they start talking financing, my wheels just stop turning. What are the best terms and interest rates available today? Signed, looking out for my own best interest. Well, for people shopping for an auto loan, we have some good news. First Federal introduces its new payment reducer plan. It combines the best features of a bank rate auto loan and an auto lease. The monthly payment is much lower than you probably expect, and all interest is deductible from your taxes. Also, like an auto lease, you can walk away from the car at the end of the term without obligation. Call First Federal today for fast action and superior service. When it comes to auto loans, we've got great deals on wheels. First Federal Savings Bank, an equal opportunity lender. For information, call Mike West, area code 213-458-3011. In education or life, nothing is more essential to success than a good vocabulary. People judge you by the way you speak, and having a powerful vocabulary can change the direction of your life. That 
dramatic change can begin now with a new crash course vocabulary dynamite smart tapes audio cassette tapes that force feed your brain the most delicious words in the english language without study all you do is listen yes listen to the words pronounced precisely listen to the meanings listen to the words in definitive sentences and listen to a new world of confidence and expression opening to you so if your vocabulary is a bit anemic get the smart tapes a mega dose of verbal vitamins for the brain by robert kuntz phd for information call 1-800-833-1984 a very unique christmas gift indeed 1-800-833-1984 KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. Frank Brzee is my guest. Uh, Frank, uh, the the shadow is, is being heard on stations around the country at this uh, very moment. You know, they, they replay the shadow. It's uh, in syndication. The shadow is in syndication, and uh, it's been in syndication, I think, ever, uh, ever since it left the Mutual Network in 1954. The Charles Michelson Company uh -huh, uh -huh. of New York and Beverly Hills has the rights to the shadow uh, from the Street and Smith Company, and they have been syndicating that and doing quite a good job, too. But, you know, you would think that uh, Inner Sanctum or Suspense would, would have the same thing, but did, uh, I guess they didn't save those shows, huh? Uh, how, how come they saved the shadow and they didn't save some of these others? Any idea? Well, I would think that because the shadow was a copy, one of the few copyrighted programs. Well, it was. Uh, it, it was owned by Street and Smith uh -huh. Publications. And uh, what, uh, as a matter of fact, it's very, the reason they copyrighted that program is, is very, very funny. They had, uh, uh, Street and Smith owns a, a magazine uh -huh. company. And when the program first went on the air, the shadow was not really the same person he became. The shadow was an ethereal person uh, based on this magazine of horror stories that they were selling. And ultimately, people would go in and ask for the shadow magazine there was no shadow magazine, and so they began copywriting it and putting a shadow program on the air. How about that? My guest, radio historian Frank Brzee. We're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. After 44 years in the same showroom, Nat Halpern Company Wholesale Jewelers are going out of business. Their entire collection of fine jewelry, diamonds, name brand watches, and giftware is drastically reduced for this historic quitting business sale. Cocktail rings, bracelets, pendants, earrings, men's rings and jewelry, pearls and solid gold chains, even custom-mounted and special designs will be substantially discounted. Shelves will be cleared of famous make watches, silver plate and gift items. Set your holiday table with Richard Genori, Italy's finest porcelain china at 80% off. Showroom doors are open now to the public at Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company in downtown Los Angeles at 315 West 5th Street on the 5th floor. Use Visa, MasterCard, checks, or cash at the final quitting business sale for Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company. Open 9 to 5 daily, 10 to 3 Saturday and Sunday. Farewell and happy holidays from Nat Halpern Jewelry Company, 315 West 5th. Do you own a trustee? 
Are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment? Would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check? Certified Financial Services pays top dollar for trustees with immediate funding. Sell your trustee or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990-9242. 990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services Direct or Collect, area code 818-990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. On the menu at the jetty, you're going to find an incredible statement with a simple two-word heading, the truth. Now, let me share some truthologetties with you. You see, they sometimes get the feeling that you may get the feeling that in describing their food, they're preoccupied with the past. Well, it's really not that way at all. They do stick with the tradition of serving only premium quality fresh foods and doing most of their cooking over mesquite charcoals. In serving their fish and seafood, Bob Morris believes that fresh is good, but live is better. But while they hold to traditional values, they're innovators, too. Now, just try one of Jetty's all-American varieties of pizza. Here's creativity. Here's quality. Here's truly enjoyable eating. I mean, you've got to try it for yourself. Sensational. All yours at the Jetty, 18002 Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu, right across from the Getty Museum. And if you want reservations, dial 459-RIBS. 459-RIBS. Maybe I'll see you there at... The Jetty. Give a gift of concern this holiday season. Don't let one of your party guests drive home drunk. I'm Tom Decker for the National Safety Council. If you're planning a holiday party, don't include plans for an alcohol-related traffic accident. Have plenty of food on hand, don't push alcohol on anyone, and make soft drinks available. And please, if anyone has had too much to drink, don't let them drive. Call a cab or have another guest drive them home or keep them overnight. Give a gift of concern. It could be a gift of life. Talk Radio AM 79, KABC, Los Angeles. If you're calling KABC from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk, T-A-L-K. It follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639, and then talk. Frank Brzee is my guest. Frank, uh, is that uh, record album you have, is that available now, do you know? No, I did do an album for Mark Records about uh, five or six years ago called The Golden Days of Radio. And uh, I'd, it might be available by mail if, uh, if they write directly to uh, Mark uh, Records in Anaheim. I think it's Post Office Box 1, Anaheim, California, but I don't know what the zip code is. There's well, it'll get there. Uh, Forget the zip code. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about uh, um, uh, another uh, little goodie from Amos and Andy, another uh, clip. This is uh, all about Madam Queen. 
Madam Queen was uh, one of the characters. And, and uh, you know, in the early days when it was a 15-minute show, Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell played all of the voices, yep. the men and the women right. on the show. That's right. When it went to a half-hour situation comedy, they only played Amos and Andy, and they had other characters playing uh, the other voices. So uh, in this uh, excerpt, uh, Harriet Widmer plays Madam Queen, and it's hysterical. You know something? You is about the sweetest, prettiest, gentlest flower that I has ever had the pleasure of running into. Look, big boy, would you mind sitting still while I didn't use this manicure? Yeah. yeah, but you know something? You is the cutest hunk of female gender I done eyeballed in a long time. You just wasting your time. I's a widow and I knows all about men. When it comes to love, it's gonna take a real man to kill the flame. Kindle the flame? Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. Shake hands with old lamplighter. <laughs> you is kind of cute at that. Sugar daddy. That's my one big requirement. Yeah, and I can see you as a woman. That is my one big requirement. Oh, All razzmatazz. <laughs> you know, my name is Andrew H. Brown. What's yours, honey? You can just call me Madam Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Great program. Uh, they uh, they could do a lot worse than bringing Amos and Andy back on the radio. And even for... Uh, it, we couldn't play television. today, though. It couldn't well, play today. Well, uh, you know, the, the, I keep hearing that. And uh, and they keep saying that Amos and Andy uh, television... The first broadcast, the NAACP would be filing suit. Yes, but, but... And they did, I think, at one mm -hmm. time. And why don't they for some of the other programs, that the sitcoms that I see on the air, that are not funny, I don't think... Um, Amos Sanford and, had, and Son? Uh, you talking about that? Well, shows like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Sanford and Son is based on the uh, British program, so mm -hmm. that has uh, a little more depth than some of the other programs. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of a lot of programs w with black humor, you know, that mm -hmm. that I don't think are as funny as this. Now they keep saying that Amos and Andy uh, uh, made uh, had racial slurs in it. I never heard that. And uh, in the times that I had Bill Hay on my show, the announcer of mm -hmm. the program, he said that they were always very careful and they never made fun of anybody on the program. You know, it always would, had a lot of heart to that program, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's a difficult problem. Hello, Arlen. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Yes, Ray and Frank. I really appreciate doing the program tonight. Thank you. Uh, since holding on to talk with you for a specific reason, there's been about 200 things come up. Uh, but on Amos and Andy, I was really impressed that uh, with their Christmas program, that uh, Andy would play a Santa Claus, and there was no question that uh, he could get away playing a Santa Claus in the late 40s, 50s, as mm -hmm. a black person. Well, it was on radio, and, and we didn't see it, and I guess no one ever considered uh, considered that. That program had a lot of heart, and that's one of the shows that is released on uh, record, I think, and sold all over the country. Uh, the Amos and Andy uh, Christmas show of I think it's 1947, and it's a great program and well worth well worth uh, putting into your library. I have, in fact, a library now of a little over 2,000 
old radio shows. You have over 2,000? Yes. Uh, Boy, are you an aficionado. I have a, a complete Captain Midnight run from 1939 that's a... Uh, a Midwest. Did you say a Captain Midnight run? That's right. In fact, it's complete with Skelly Oil commercials. In really? Wow. You, you, you mean you have uh, a show that sounds like this? <laughs> Captain Midnight! Is that what you're Captain talking Midnight about? Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, with the makers of Ovaltine. Absolutely. You remember that so well, huh? You bet. Boy, I don't know how many Ovaltine tops I sent in when I was a kid. That and Wheaties box tops. Yeah. And I can tell you where I sent it. <laughs> Would you believe this? Do you know where it was, Frank? Uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. No, well, that was the box top. Oh. The Ovaltine lid? No, I don't know where. Kankakee, Illinois. Oh, that's right. I'd <laughs> forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Arlen. The Re reason I called was... Uh, I was talking to some friends the other day about what was the first radio commercial. And we were going back and forth about, well, it was Billy Jones and Ernie Harris, the Interwoven Twins, instead of the Happiness Boys. And I always contended that it was the bull of a watch spot at the top of the hours, where they would simply say it's 9 o'clock, bull of a watch time. No, B-U-L-O-V-A, bull yeah. of a watch time. Yeah. You had to spell it. Uh, I don't know which, what the first commercial might have been. I would imagine it, w it would have been on KDKA in Pittsburgh. It w probably would have been in 1920. Uh, uh, or it might have been one of the New York stations. There were two New York stations, as I recall. One was uh, owned by Macy's and one was owned by Gimbel's. So I guess their station break would have been the commercial, and that would have been the first commercial. I do know, I did some research a few years ago on the first singing commercial and the first singing commercial they tell me was the tasty yeast commercial i wish i had it here because it's just like the commercials they have today <laughs> <laughs> one of the earliest programs that i have that uh, i have a complete one of is the phantom dancer wow do you remember the phantom dancer no, I, I can't say that I do. I don't think you could do that on radio today, could you? <laughs> it was a really strange program that it was built around a cosmetic, and the woman would fantasize that she was dancing with this person and was really glad that she had used the various cosmetics and such and uh, had attracted this phantom dancer to her. It was really uh, kind of a campy program to listen to it now. But uh, one of the one of the depth things that I was thinking about, you were talking about Fred Allen tonight, that... Uh, I heard him say one time on a, on a program, he was a little little upset with what radio had done or had been done to by television, and he contended that radio was the theater of the mind and that television was a theater of the mindless. He did say that, yes. Uh, I thought that was an interesting <laughs> thing. All right, Arlen, have to leave you. Thank you very much. My guest, radio historian Frank Brzee, we're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brame. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Rocco, does you love me? Of course I love you. I am going to take you out for dinner. We'll go to Anna's Italian restaurant. Oh, Rocco. Monday to Thursday, Anna's got a special dinner. First, you get your minestrone soup. Then you get your Italian salad with pepperoncinis, cabanza beans, and they even throw in an olive. Oh, Rocco. 
go. And for the main course, tonight they got lasagna verde. You, you see, each night, and it's changed to special. Uh, and you even get a glass of wine. Oh, Rocco. And they give you spumoni ice cream and espresso for dessert. Gee, Rocco, ain't Anna's expensive? Well, it's gonna send me back about 14,958 lire. How much is that in dollars and cents? About 8.95. But nothing's too good for you, sugar. Oh, Rocco, you do loves me. There are two great Annas, on Pico in West L.A. and in Sherman Oaks on Ventura at Sepulveda. There's valet parking, and reservations are suggested. Now, here's a word from Trader Joe. Wild rice. If there was ever a great American food specialty, it's wild rice. Wild rice, of course, is not rice at all. It's a completely unique kind of grain that's found only in North America. Trader Joe's sells more wild rice than anybody. The reasons are simple. We sell only fresh wild rice, and we sell it for about half of what it costs you in the supermarkets. Fresh from the 1984 harvest in Black Duck, Minnesota, Trader Joe's wild rice costs only $5.49 a pound. Compare it about 10 bucks per pound in the supermarkets. Remember, wild rice expands to four times its volume when you cook it. At our low price, you can afford to serve this great gourmet specialty at all your holiday dinner parties. We have 23 Trader Joe's scattered around Southern California. Our newest in Huntington Beach is on Beach Boulevard at Main Street in the Lowman's Five Point Shopping Center. Thanks for listening. Visit the Trader Joe's closest to you. There are 23 Trader Joe's throughout Southern California. It is better to give than receive. Beginning Monday, people whose lives are dedicated to that philosophy. In a week-long report, People Who Make a Difference, with Barbara Essenston reporting. I guess just understanding that side of it, the moment I was in a position to give something back, just kind of seemed a natural, uh, you know, repayment. The Spirit of Christmas, in a week-long present to you, Barbara Essenston reporting. Six daily reports only on Talk Radio 79, KABC. Mike, we were talking about the uh, Benny Show, and of course there were so many regulars on the Benny Show. I think that uh, Frank Nelson had a run of about 27 years with Benny, didn't oh, he? Oh, I think so. Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. That was and, Mel Blanc. Uh, oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Frank Nelson was the... Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, Frank Nelson is, is wonderful. And, and uh, let's see, Dennis Day was on the show uh, mm -hmm. for many, many years. I had Don. Dennis on uh, the program here about six months Did ago. You? Yeah. Uh, he was the vocalist on the show for the last 15 years it was on the air, I guess. Uh, Larry Stevens was also a vocalist. Mm -hmm. And then the one that preceded Dennis was... Um, God, I can't think of his name. Um, Lanny Ross? La <laughs> it was someone like Lanny Ross. Really? Yeah. Frank Parker? Uh, yes, it was Frank Parker. Frank Parker. Yeah, it was yeah. Frank Parker. Yeah. And uh, Phil Harris was on the show uh, for uh, a few years, and Bob Crosby was on the show for a few years. Uh, 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 Sam Hearn, who played uh, uh, Slepperman on uh -huh, the show. Uh -huh. a, l a lot of famous people were on the Benny Show and got their start on the show. All right, we have a little I'll take care of. Mel Blank. Ah, yeah, Mel, and he's talking with you, isn't he? Yes, Mel Blank was on my Golden Days of Radio uh, show one time, and we talked about the Benny Show, and this is one of the interesting things he had to say. And they uh, always tried to stick me with a, some kind of a crazy sound effect that they thought I couldn't do. And one was uh, uh, an English horse. An English horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see, they were going to uh, Epsom Downs in England to the racetrack, and... Uh, on the script, it said, Mel Blank does an English horse. 
You know, how the hell can you tell what kind of nationality horse is? <laughs> but I didn't say no. When it came to that spot, I thought I'd do an English horse. And he sounded a little like this. <laughs> there was another character you did, uh, the music teacher, Professor LeBlanc. That was... Oui. He, he taught uh, Monsieur Benny the violin lessons. And always said, Monsieur Benny, please... Take the ball and chain off my foot. The violin lesson is over. Uh, we've got one of those clips from the Jack Benny show. Here it is. No, 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 Monsieur Benny. Please, tune up the violin. Uh, I will make the A on the piano. No, 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 you are flat. Pull the string up a little tighter. Okay. Tighter. Tighter. Ah. Oh, darn it, the string broke. Good, that's one down and three to go. <laughs> great comedy, great uh, comedy. Who were the writers on The Benny Show? Well, uh, uh, now, let's see. There was... Um, uh, Milt Joseph... Milt Josephsberg, John Thackerberry... Hal Goldman, Al... Uh, right off the top of your head. You already know that, don't well, you? Well, I, I, I don't remember the names real that well, but Hal, mm. Hal Goldman and Al uh, Goodman, I think, mm. and, uh, uh, and I probably missed a couple. I'm sure you yeah. did. All right, let's say hello to Mike. Hello, Mike. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Hello there, Ray. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you know, listening to radio, when I w listen to you, it's like uh, turning back the clock. You cannot get uh, back your years or anything else, but my God, I, I feel like I'm a young boy again. <laughs> and I can uh, see myself sitting around on Sunday night at 5 o'clock, uh, looking at the old Philco radio and listening to the shadow and uh richard diamond with uh with dick powell and oh god the benny show and uh oh it, it, it's so marvelous that uh you you give us old timers <laughs> and i gotta include myself as an old timer now but uh it, it's such a pleasure but you know I see now, I see in the supermarkets that they're, uh, they're doing, they're putting these tapes up, these half-hour tapes for two ninety-eight and three ninety-eight. Mm -hmm. They're selling them in the supermarkets, World War the Worlds, The Benny Show and everything else. You know, I remember uh, one of the first people who, 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 did, any, who did anything with um, uh, classical music. If you remember uh, Eddie Cantor, he brought in Joshua Heifetz and uh, with the uh, and uh, uh, Ruben up mm -hmm. with the magic violin. Remember Park Your Carcass? Of course, sure. Oh God, and Ned Sparks. Yeah. Joe Penner. Uh, you want to buy a duck? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that myself. You want to buy a duck? Yeah. What was his other catch uh, phrase? Do you remember that? He used to say, you nasty man. Uh, well, the one with sar uh, sarcastic humor who was closest, I think, to uh, Fred Allen was uh, Ned Sparks. Ned Sparks was very, uh, his, his humor was very biting. Was it Al Pierce who used to say, nobody's home, I hope, 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 hope? 
Yeah, he used to knock yeah, on the yeah, door yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. I hope you're all drinking, Dr. Pepper, Hobo. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, and it was you, Alpine's. You know, if you remember, you remember the Lone Ranger that they used to have the Silver Cup bread we used to sponsor them? Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the seven, uh, seven cards, uh, seven safety steps. Sure. And yeah, but my favorite was the Mad Russian on the Eddie Cantor show. God, yeah. The Mad Russian. That was, yeah. God, what was his name? He, uh, Bert Gordon. Bert Gordon, right. Bert Gordon was. How do you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know something? I was in Ireland about, uh, well, quite a few times in the last 20 years. But you know who was very popular over there, who, who went over and, and did, uh, in, who was extremely popular? In Ireland? Yes. No, who was that? You would never think of it. Benny. Jack Benny. Jack. Well, I think Jack Benny was popular all around the world. But he yeah. was he was enthusiastically uh, uh, taken in. I mean, he he did performances at the Abbey Theatre in Dublin, and he was absolutely marvelous. Mike, did you have a question? I have to leave you here in a second. Uh, what do you think was the most dramatic thing in radio? One dramatic uh, program that you can recall. Well, probably the the most dramatic time in radio history. Uh, th there were there were two programs. World War One II. was the w War of the Worlds uh, on October 30th, 1938, the Orson Welles broadcast. The other dramatic time was when Herb Morrison. Uh, uh, from station WLS in Chicago broadcast the Hindenburg disaster. Yeah. And and that actually was the first time a recording had ever been played on the NBC network because uh, WLS, uh, as uh, most people know, is a radio station in Chicago. And uh, they had sent Herb Morrison out to Lakehurst, New Jersey, uh, from WLS to record the uh, crossing or the uh, the arrival of the Hindenburg, which incidentally was not the first time it had been it made 50 crossings or so. And he just happened to be there at the time that uh, they had the explosion. And they got it all on recording, and within an hour they had played it on the network, coast to coast. And that was probably the most dramatic broadcast uh, of all time. Hello, Jim. You're on talk radio. Hello. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Uh, this is a great program uh, that's uh, near and uh, dear to my heart. Uh, I first became aware of uh, old-time radio. It's been uh, off and on different uh, stations locally here in New Orleans. But uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite uh, programs was when you mentioned uh, yours truly, uh, Johnny Dollar. Yours uh, truly, yeah. Johnny Dollar. Which, great show. Uh, uh, I became aware of actually in Little Rock, Arkansas, because there was a FM all news station that used to do about five or six hours every weekend of uh, old-time radio. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And uh, I tell you, it's really uh, <laughs> a shame that uh, I have a question, uh, basically, for you. Why do you think that uh, the... Uh, CBS Radio uh, Mystery Theater just kind of uh, uh, fade away after... Uh, uh, I, I, I have an answer for that. I don't think that the material was as good as it used to be, and we're getting back to the writing again. Yeah. Well, we are we are back to the writing. The The program was about 50 minutes long, and I, I think from time to time they'd take a script that should be done in 30 minutes and try to stretch it over uh, 50 minutes. But obviously the reason it left the air was because uh, it was not uh, sponsor-supported. They didn't have enough sponsors to pay for the production of the show. It was on a long time.
time, though. It was on seven years. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <clears throat> another... Uh, and Hyman Brown did that, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, Hyman Brown. Who, who did the original Mystery Theater That's program. Right. Yeah, That's right. 30 years before. Did he finish Sanctum as well? Yes, he did. Exactly. Oh, I loved Raymond and the squeaking door. Yes, indeed. And, <laughs> good evening. Uh, all of the uh, good... Uh, do you have any of... Uh, uh, any more of these uh, old Bob Hope uh, programs? Yes, I have quite a few, Bob Hope. We, we're but not we don't play have any more tonight. Not though. tonight, however. Oh, All right, Jim, have to leave you, and thank you very much. My guest, Frank Brzee, we're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. the independence that once was yours when you could just, you know, jump into your car and drive to the shopping centers, beauty shop, or other places which required transportation? If you can't walk, or if you're limited as to how far you can walk, the Champ three-wheeler is for you. Now, perhaps you did drive it one time, but you can't any longer. Well, the Champ is very much like a small golf cart that is electric-powered by two 12-volt batteries. It has a beautiful upholstered swivel seat cushion and comes with its own charger. As useful as it is outdoors, it can be used indoors as well in narrow hallways, small bathrooms. The Champ has an optional seat lift, enabling you to reach up to high cupboards, work at a kitchen stove or countertop, and so beneficial with your grocery shopping chore. Now, if you want more information at no obligation, call area code 818-991-4092. Or you can write to me, Ray Brain, KABC Radio, LA 90016. Put chairlift on the outside of the envelope. Or call 818-991-4092. Are you afraid to ask for help? If you had a medical problem, wouldn't you seek the most competent, professional, and the best treatment possible? Well, of course you would. Now, why are you afraid to ask for help in dealing with depression or loneliness, anxiety, alcohol, drug abuse, or maybe marital distress? These problems can be treated effectively. The Beverly Hills Counseling Center has a staff of highly trained and skilled professional counselors always ready to assist you. All services are confidential, and the center has a sliding fee scale and accepts insurance. So don't be afraid or embarrassed to ask for help. Call the Beverly Hills Counseling Center, area code 213-556-4610. A professional counselor will call you back promptly. The Beverly Hills Counseling Center, 213-556-4610. That's 556-4610. Right now, at Montebello Lincoln Mercury, you can buy a brand new 1985 Mercury for only $5,828. You heard right, only $5,828. Hi, John Anthony again for Montebello Lincoln Mercury. And I've been selling Lincoln Mercury cars to people from all over Southern California for over 30 years. And I've found that a lot of people think that we only sell big and expensive luxury cars. Not true. At Montebello Lincoln Mercury, you'll find compact and intermediate-sized cars as well as the full-size luxury models. And we have just received a special shipment of 1985 Mercury Lynx three-door hatchbacks. These gas-saving small Mercury's, built right here in America, are just what a lot of people have been looking for. And for only $5,828, they're hard to beat. 
Remember, it's Montebello Lincoln Mercury, Pomona Freeway at Garfield. 1985 Mercury's for only $5,828. And we have all the sizes. Spread the word. AABC Los Angeles. Talk Radio, AM 79. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. William Schrader has suffered a stroke. Doctors at the Humana Heart Institute in Louisville say it's not a life-threatening complication for the world's second recipient of a mechanical heart, but it is the first major medical setback since the 52-year-old retired government employee was given his new heart nearly three weeks ago. Schrader's reported in stable condition. Dr. Alan Lansing says the news is not all bad. I am personally encouraged by the early signs of recovery. If it takes two and three days before you see signs of recovery, then that's an entirely different situation than seeing some signs within two or three hours. Dr. Lansing said the mechanical heart has been ruled out as a cause of the stroke. Other possibilities being considered are Schrader's diabetic condition or a problem in one of the arteries which feed blood to Schrader's brain. At first paralyzed entirely on his right side, he now is said to have regained at least partial use of his right arm and leg. I'll have more after this. Hey, Roger, you use Topol, the smoker's tooth polish. Is it really doing the job for you? Almost definitely. I'm a fairly heavy smoker, and I noticed a uh, tinge of yellow on my teeth, and I've continued to use the product because it's made my teeth, uh, you might say, brighter than ever. Yeah. I tried other toothpastes, and they just didn't do the job for me as well as Topol. Uh -huh. So how often do you use Topol? I use it two to three times a day, and I found out that using it on a regular basis, I noticed a, a drastic improvement. It wasn't an improvement overnight, but I'd say within a week to ten days. You know, I'll pay a little more for a, for a quality product that'll do the job for me, and not just a mouthwash and a tube. Hey, Roger, has anybody else noticed the difference since you started using Topol? Uh, yes, my daughters did. Uh-huh, what'd they say? Daddy, you don't have the yellow teeth any longer. Try Topo, and if you don't see your teeth get brighter, just return the unused portion plus proof of purchase to Jeffrey Martin Inc. for a full refund. The address is on the box. Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger has denied proposing a freeze in military salaries to help reduce the federal deficit. Weinberger says such a move would be unfair to the troops. He blames the proposal on those identified only as others who are unenlightened. White House officials have confirmed that Weinberger has offered to cut only $6 billion from next year's defense budget, not the $8 billion requested by the president's budget advisors. In a break with tradition, President Reagan presided at the annual Christmas tree lighting ceremony on the ellipse behind, behind the White House, but Mrs. Reagan threw the switch to turn on the tree. Said the president, the tree's brilliance represents the great affection and love Americans have for one another. Here's more from ABC's John Bascom in Washington. It doesn't feel very much like Christmas, but it sure does look like it. On a balmy December evening here in Washington, the lights have come on on the national Christmas tree right behind the White House, and it is a beauty. The red and white decorations there look like giant poinsettias. They're studded with tiny red and white lights. The tree, all 30 feet of it, is strong with green lights. All in all, we're told more than 3,000 light bulbs on the national Christmas tree will shine and twinkle from now till the new year. John Bascom, ABC News, Washington. 
Boxing promoter Don King has been indicted in New York City on federal income tax evasion charges. King, whose frazzled hair and flamboyant style have become familiar to boxing fans, has pulled in more than $100 million in revenues from fights he's promoted during the past 11 years. The federal charges accuse him of skimming more than a million dollars from the profits of his production company. Elizabeth Taylor plans to get married again. Actress Taylor has announced her engagement to Dennis Stein, a public relations consultant she met while attending the races last month in California. No date's been set for the wedding, her eighth. Yugoslavia has accused the U.S. of interfering in the internal affairs of that country by having a U.S. commission ask for permission to attend the public trial of six dissident individuals. The Yugoslav spokesman in Belgrade says while U.S.-Yugoslav cooperation is what he termed good and stable, he said a request for official attendance at a public trial can only be considered as interference. This is ABC News. The two Americans who survived the ordeal of a week-long hijacking of a Kuwait Airlines plane returned to their homes late yesterday. John Costa in New York and Charles Caper in Arlington, Virginia. Caper told neighbors who sang God Bless America to him that he never thought he'd see them again. Though the Agency for International Development Auditors said he had been treated well by Iranian security men and Iranian doctors who treated his wounds, Caper was angered by the experience. He said it's terrible when an American can't travel around the world without being bothered. He said it's time to fight back. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Vaughn. Do you own a trust deed? Are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment? Would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check? Certified Financial Services pays top dollar for trust deeds with immediate funding. Sell your trust deed or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990-9242. 990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect, area code 818 818- 990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. K-A-B-C Talk Radio. Talk Radio. I'm Ray Bream. My guest, Frank Brzee, radio historian, writer, producer, and we're remembering the golden days of radio. Now, Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Drive bring you Harry and the Pirates, the new and exciting adventure of Terry Lee, the Dragon Lady Strikes Back. I grew up in the snow country, and boy, it was always... You know, when you had a big, fresh snow and you want to do your things out there in the snow, whether it's sleigh riding or uh, building your fort or snowball fights or something, it was always, should I go in and listen to Terry and the Pirates and Jack Armstrong and Hop Harrigan? 
and Captain Midnight, or should I get out there and stay with my friends in the snow? It was always a toughie, you know. It was a big decision to make. Didn't your friends all listen to the same programs, too? Yeah, we all, uh, went, we uh, all went in and listened. Sure. <laughs> From 4.45 until 6 o'clock. That's right. That's right. We said uh, Hop Harrigan and then Terry and the Pirates oh, and then yeah. Dick Tracy and Jack Armstrong. Yeah. Superman. And Tom X and yeah. Superman yeah. was in there someplace. Sure. sure, those were great shows and great fun. I'm sure that uh, we have some uh, callers who want to talk to you, Frank. So if that's the case, give us a call. In Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by talk. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. The 213 area, it's 448. South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then talk. Frank, one of the greatest routines ever on radio, as far as comedy, was Avon Costello. He took, they took this routine, of course, to... Uh, their television show. They took it to uh, a motion pictures in one of the motion pictures. It's the who, who's on first routine. Who's on first routine. Where did that come from? Well, as I recall, uh, the, the routine had been done uh, not in the same way that Abbott and Costello had done it, but it had been done in vaudeville. And uh, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello were, were both vaudeville performers mm -hmm. in uh, the mid-30s, and they met and got together, and uh, one of the things they developed was this, uh, this baseball routine. And... Uh, Ted Collins saw them do it when they were working in the in same Atlantic Ted Collins that was with Kate Smith. Ted Collins, who also discovered Kate Smith and uh, and made a star out of Kate Smith. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, he discovered Kate Smith when she was in her late teens and had never had a and to my knowledge never had a singing lesson. And she was absolutely marvelous mm -hmm. uh, in in the early days. I was in love with Kate Smith. I thought that show was just the top banana. That was great because it had uh, it had music and comedy and and. And uh, dramatic Henry Aldridge uh, was uh, uh, first began on the Kate Smith Hour, and a lot of performers began on the Kate Smith Hour. As did Abbott Costello. Ted Collins discovered Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, and signed them to do uh, a turn on the Kate Smith Hour, which they did. In those days, all the programs were live, uh -huh. so then by the next day, you knew uh, if the show went over, and uh, they got uh, a lot of requests to bring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello back, which they did the following week again the audience went absolutely wild they stayed for 52 weeks one year on the kate smith hour all right this is the way it went with the who's on first routine hey Abbott. what do you want Costello? No, i understand that you're going to be the manager of the lou costello jr youth foundation baseball team yes we just organized the thing oh you did sure well i'd like to play on the team myself you know i know something about baseball well that would be accomplished well, I'd like to know some of the guys' names on the team, so when I meet them on the street or in the ballpark, I'll be able to say hello to them. Why, surely I'll introduce you to the boys. But you know, strange as it may seem, they give these ballplayers nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Nicknames, pet names, like uh, Dizzy Dean. Better Daffy. Daffy Dean. And I'm their French cousin. French cousin? Gouffet. 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 <laughs> well, now, let's see. We have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. What silly name? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You know the fellow's name? Well, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. That's it. That's who? Yeah. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? Have you got a first baseman? Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. <laughs> That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Now tell me who's on first. That's right. I want to know what's the guy's name on first. No, base. no, what's on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. Now, we're not asking <laughs> third. Now, let's get together. How did I get 
get our third base. You have to mention his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third no, base? No, who is playing first? I'm not asking you who's on first. Who is on first? I'm asking you what's the guy's name on third? What is on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. I can't change their name. You got a first baseman? Absolutely. When you pay him off every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Sure he does. <laughs> Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. <laughs> so all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Listen, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. <laughs> you got an outfield? Well, surely. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. <laughs> I do. Look, you got a pitcher on the team. Wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? The pitcher's name. Uh, tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, man. Go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now let's... Who is? Now break your arm, you say, who's on first? Uh, I want to know what's the pitcher's what's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> you got a catcher? Charlie. The catcher's name. Today. Today and tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. Now I've got it. I don't even look. Oh, we got us a couple of uh, days on a team. I can't help that. A couple of don't days. Don't get excited, though. Who's your next side? Take it easy. Take it easy. You know, I'm a pretty good catcher myself. Well, tell me. Now, I'll catch today myself. Oh, I'm going right. to catch. Yes. And tomorrow's pitching on a team. Yes. Now, tomorrow throws the ball, and the guy up bunch the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball to first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. <laughs> if I throw the ball to first base, somebody's got to get it. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. Oh, so I throw the ball to naturally. Hey, you do nothing of the kind. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Did I throw the ball to naturally? But you don't. I throw it to who? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. You ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. Well, say Same as you. <laughs> I throw the ball to who? That's Naturally. Naturally. Now, whoever it is drops the ball, so the guy runs a second. Yes. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to I don't know? I don't know, throws it back to tomorrow? Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? I don't know. He's on third, and I don't give a darn. What'd you say? I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> no routine has ever endured as long as that one. Ray, the, uh, the baseball routine as done by Evan Costello is one of the comedy classics of all time. And I, and I don't think of too many others. Flugel Street was one that was done in vaudeville. Mm -hmm. uh, Sid Fields and a few others did Flugel Street. And Weber and Fields' Dr. Cronkite. But uh, beyond that, there, and I think the baseball routine, who's on first, was the best known of all. And they do it to perfection. Hello, Ed. You're on talk radio with Frank Brzee. 
Hi, gentlemen, I want you to know how much I've enjoyed this show tonight. Thank you. With every passing minute, I think of a new show, uh, an old show that may you haven't mentioned. Uh, remember Jimmy Allen and his pal Speed Robertson? And Absolutely. That was that again was another early show. That went on the air about 1934 or 35. Right. Uh, and uh, it was a, a transcribed syndicated show, oh. The Air Adventures of Jimmy Allen, and it was very, very popular uh, throughout the Midwest uh, and, uh, and the East during those early days. Yeah, and then black and blue detectives, Frank Watanabe and the Honorable Archie. <laughs> and do you remember a noontime uh, singing show called The Happy Chappies? <laughs> I don't remember the Happy Chappies, but I remember Frank Watanabe. He was the man with the thousand voices or something like that, wasn't he? Didn't he do all the uh, the Chinese dialects? Uh, Japanese. Japanese dialects, uh, sure. Uh -huh. That's right. He was the one that was on the air uh, and very popular up to December 7th, 1941. Then you never heard from yeah, him Yeah, I can again, understand right? why. It <laughs> <laughs> isn't hard to figure it out. Yeah. Well, I had a couple of questions I'd like to throw in, if I may. Uh, when I was a kid, it was kind of a status symbol. If your folks would let you stay up late enough to listen to Merton Marge, and I heard somewhere that that was the first of the radio dramas. Is that true or not? Well, it, it was an early show. Uh, Merton Marge uh, was played by a woman and her daughter, uh, and it went on the air, about, I think, about 1934 or so. I'm sure there's a radio buff out there that will correct me. But And it was on the air until about 1939, was uh, four or five years, and then the daughter uh, died uh, uh, very suddenly. What's and, your other question, Ed? Uh... Well, the other question had to do with uh, an award-winning uh, show called The Rats. Do you know, have you, have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. I never heard of it. We had a, a transcription of it. It was in the family for years. Uh, there was a tragic fire at one of the homes. and Never heard of The Rats. We lost it. Uh, it was a very, very uh, striking thriller drama. There was one that uh, never did get much credit, unfortunately, but I thought it was great for the few seasons that it was on on Mutual. Ernest Chappell and Quiet, Please. Uh, I remember... Do you remember that? Yeah. No, I remember Ernest Chappell, though. Yeah, what a great Great series. Voice. Oh, yeah. what a series yeah. that was. Quiet, Please. Yeah. Well, the rat sounds like something that Arch Obler might have done on Lights Out. All right, Ed, thank you very much for the call. My guest, Frank Brzee, we're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brame. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Well, Christmas and New Year's are just around the corner, and it's the happiest, most festive time of the year, right? It means parties and friends dropping in and virtually nonstop feasting. Because this is the time of the year that diets are put aside and life is truly beautiful. At Irvine Ranch Farmer's Market, everything good to eat is there in one convenient location. The finest meats masterfully cut, the juiciest fowl, succulent hams, seafood, produce, delicacies from around the world, and a fabulous selection of outstanding wines and gifts. And specials such as fresh eastern scrod, $3.99 per pound, USDA choice beef flank ribs, $1.99 per pound, and locally grown button mushrooms, $1.39 per pound. John Hubbard's Irvine Ranch Farmer's Market. It's on the ground floor of the Beverly Center on La Cienega. That's between 3rd Street and Beverly Boulevard. Open daily, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Plenty of free and valet parking available. Also in Irvine, Tustin, Newport Beach, Mission Viejo, and on East Chapman in Orange. Irvine Ranch Farmer's Market. If you or a loved one are 65 or older, get a pencil and paper and write down an important number. It's for free Elder Med gift certificates for the holidays. 
ElderMed is a non-profit health network of more than 300 local doctors on the staff of Northridge Hospital Medical Center, the Valley Hospital Medical in Van Nuys, La Palma Intercommunity Hospital, and the Long Beach Community Hospital, all helping to keep your medical bills down through ElderMed. ElderMed puts a cap on Medicare cost, limiting your portion to just the deductible copayment. There's no payment up front for Medicare benefits, and with good supplemental insurance, the cost may be little or nothing at all. ElderMed provides you with a health care coordinator. You or your loved ones will receive a free holiday gift certificate, free membership card, and a free directory of participating doctors. Call toll-free 1-800-CARE-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-C-A-R-E, the number 4-M-E. You're driving, you're pulled over by police, and are given a sobriety test. You haven't had a thing to drink. The incident makes you late to an important appointment. A violation of constitutional rights or the exercise of the right of the people to protect itself from the drunk driver. Friday, join Michael Jackson and State Attorney General John Vandekamp for a candid discussion of this new law allowed in California. It's with Michael on Talk Radio 79. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. Orange County 714 area is 750. The 213 area, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk. Frank, uh, how long were you uh, playing the part of Little Beaver on the Red Rider series? Well, I started about 1942, and I played it uh, on and off until about 1946. What happened was uh, Tommy Cook and I went to the to the same school, and uh, and he was Little Beaver on Red Rider uh, most of the time, but he wanted to be a film star, and I never had any interest in in that. And so every once in a while, uh, he would uh, he'd get a part, and he'd be gone for a couple of weeks or maybe a month. Uh, and I prayed that he worked in movies all the time, <laughs> because when he was gone, I'd do a Little Beaver on Red Rider. And Red Rider was a great, uh, great show to do, because uh, on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we would do it on Mutual. And on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, we'd do it on the Blue Network. So Monday, we'd save our scripts, and the next day, we'd go to the, another station and redo it and get paid twice. It wasn't much money, but uh, it was all right. All right, we have another outtake here, and see if you um, recognize this voice, uh, because the announcer, well, he sounds the same today. He was a little younger in those days, but he does sound the same, and I'm sure that you'll recognize it. It's a very short outtake of Sky King. Listen to this voice. The Adventures of Sky King. I tell you, I know darn well who stole them. Gene McCall, that's who. Gene McCall. Hold it, Mr. Snodgrass, hold it. You told me yourself just a couple of seconds ago that you didn't know how Gene could have gotten into your house. You told me yourself that he was out with your daughter and nowhere's near your place that night. I don't care what I told you. I want that man arrested. I want him arrested today. Today, do you understand? Today. That was the picture a few seconds ago. You remember what brought it about, don't you? A string of pearls, security for $10,000, had been stolen from George Snodgrass, president of the Fifth National Bank of Grover. The sheriff had asked Sky King to help in trying to find out who stole them, and Sky and Penny had gone to the sheriff's office to hear the story about the theft. 
Well, if they don't know now, we better tell them. I guess we better. That was Mike Wallace about uh, 25 years ago announcing Sky King. And, of course, Mike Wallace today does uh, the most popular, the number one TV show on the air, 60 Minutes. That's right. Now, what's the gag? You know it's going to be a bad day when you see Mike Wallace walk into your office with a film crew, right? <laughs> we'll be right back with Frank Brzee. I'm Ray Breen. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Well, as the weather gets a little colder each day, you may have been thinking about buying a fur. That's why I want you to keep the name Pelta in mind. Pelta Furs. They've been a sponsor of ours for quite a long while now, and these people are courteous, they're helpful, and they're not at all pushy. But perhaps best of all, and this is important, they sell the very same furs you can buy in any department store, but for much, much less. You see, Pelta is a manufacturer. And that very fact alone means that you pay less. Not just for one or two items, but for everything. For instance, buy a fur for Christmas right now while the selection is huge and the price is so low. A full range of colors and sizes, all top quality furs, but at lower prices. So stop into Pelta Furs today. And see what I'm talking about. Incidentally, they'll be open every Sunday between now and Christmas from 11 till 5. They're at 521 West 7th Street downtown between Olive and Grand. And they have plenty of validated parking. Or call for information, 624-7727. Jason Robards for IDS American Express. The average American couple earns a million dollars before retirement, but after taxes and inflation, many people can't send their kids to college or retire comfortably. Obviously, earning money is not enough. You have to protect your money against the ravages of taxes and inflation. For 90 years, the company now known as IDS American Express has been helping people reach their goals. No shortcuts, no get-rich-quick schemes, just honest help. Call toll-free 1-800-437-4332 for our free 24-page guide to financial planning. Learn the basics of money management, how to reduce taxes, and create a plan to reach your goals. The guide is free. Call 1-800-437-4332 for your copy. 1-800-437-4332. Call now. IDS American Express. It could be the best investment you'll ever make. Do you own a trust deed? Are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment? Would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check? Certified Financial Services pays top dollar for trust deeds with immediate funding. Sell your trust deed or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990 990- 9242-990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services Direct or Collect. Area code 818-990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. 42. Talk Radio AM 79, KABC, Los Angeles.
someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to the Bing Crosby Show presented by Chesterfield. Produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the mayors and Bing's guest, Al Jolson. Good. And welcome once again to the Chesterfield program. I must tell you, Al, you were a smash, you know, on your last visit here. That's what I like about you, Bing. If a fellow's a hit on your show, you're a big enough man to have him back again. That's what I like. Boy, you can keep coming on back here just as long as I'm on this show. I may even come back after you left. <laughs> and he can do it, too, folks. This man came back after, after, even after he left. <laughs> hey, Val, that brings something to mind. You know, the last time you were here, you said you might buy CBS from Bill Paley. How's that deal coming along? Well, uh, Bing, we, we hit a, what you call a, a temporary snag. What happened? Mr. Paley is willing to sell everything except Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> well, I see his point. With Godfrey, he can start another network. <laughs> With Godfrey, he's got another network. <laughs> That Godfrey gets around more than Bob Hope, doesn't he? And Hope hasn't been home since Pearl Harbor. I didn't even know Hope had a home. But getting back to CBS, Bing, when I get it, mm -hmm. I'm going to change the name in your honor. I'm going to call it the Network of Bing Crosby. Well, thank you. That's very nice. The Network of Bing Crosby, eh? Yes, sir. NBC. <laughs> There was uh, never a, a longer-lasting show, I would think, than uh, Crosby. How long was Crosby on? Well, I think he went on the air uh, about 1931 or so for Cremo Cigars, and he did a, a nightly 15-minute singing show. And uh, uh, then he did Craft uh, about 1944, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, 44, 45. He did craft for two or three years, and then about 47, he started the Philco show and did that until 1950. And then this is one of the, uh, this show, the Chesterfield show, started about 1950, and I think that went to about 1954. Now, you so heard... That's almost 25 years. Yeah. You heard Ken Carpenter there, and Ken is one of the founding members of the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, yeah. and mm -hmm. we just lost Ken this year. Ken just passed away recently, and yeah. a great announcer. He started uh, in Los Angeles at a station called KFI and uh, then moved on to uh, moved to New York and then uh, went back to the West Coast and uh, and uh, became Bing Crosby's announcer for all the time he was on the air. Hello, Marilyn. You're on talk radio with Frank Brzee. Yes, hello. Among other things that I remember, I, I should say I was born in 1930, so I remember the programs of the 30s as a child, but... Later, when I was in high school here in New York, where I lived then as now, with uh, brief intervals elsewhere, I was an autograph collector for a while, among other hobbies. And so one of the places one could get autographs of uh, personalities in the theater world was on radio broadcasts. And 
one could get them, I learned from the advertising agencies. I had never heard of advertising agencies before that. They used to run the radio programs. If you wanted tickets, you had to go to the advertising agencies. I to say uh, it was hard to get, if not impossible, to get tickets for popular shows, particularly those that came from out of town that were usually broadcast and, and around Hollywood. So you'd go to the advertising agency if, if you learned which one it was. So I remember seeing the Fred Allen show and, and others that came to New York then, uh, but it wasn't only uh, collecting the autographs. I remember getting Jack Benny's and Rochester's, Abbott and Costello in, uh, at such occasions, but it was uh, just the listening to the programs that I remember enjoying. You should mention now around the Christmas season, the tradition of Lionel Barrymore doing <laughs> in a Christmas carol every year. But and and the, some stations play that every year at this time. They still do play that, yeah. 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 Because it was one of the more famous renditions, even though some of the film and television mm -hmm. productions have... No, the, the radio broadcast with the Barrymores, they were... That, that was tops. You're right, Marilyn. Thank you very much. You know, uh, when I was growing up, I told uh, Del Sharp at this when I had Del on about a year ago. I didn't uh, collect autographs of the stars, Red Skelton or Jack Benny or Bob Hope. I collected autographs of the announcers. Oh, and there were so many. And I, I got Del Sharp's autograph somewhere at home. My guest is Frank Brzee, radio historian, writer, producer. He's had a uh, program on the American Forces Network for something like 18 years now called The Golden Days of Radio. Yes, in January I begin the 18th year. The 18th year. Yep. Sensational. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. If you're creative, if you knit, crochet, or do weaving, you should know that Super Yarn Mart manufactures their own yarns and sells directly to you in their own giant art needlework centers. On the other hand, if you do needlepoint, you should know that Super Yarn Mart offers the West's largest collection of fine needlepoint canvases. Among the hundreds of magnificent tapestries, you'll find exquisite reproductions of the masters, imported from Belgium, France, Israel, Greece, and Germany. Select from 430 colors of tapestry wool, 323 colors of cotton floss, and 246 colors of Persian yarn. And two, you'll find every accessory you need, including stretcher bars, needle threaders, tapestry needles, yarn organizers, and much more. For you needle pointers wishing to create your own subject, Super Yarn Mart offers blank needlepoint canvas in 10, 12, and 14 mesh interlock, and even special felt-tip drawing pens for putting your own yarn design on canvas. Super Yarn Mart, where browsing through their needlepoint department is like a stroll through an art exhibit. Panic? You don't know what panic is until you come and see what's happened at Coast Video Distributing Company. You see, they're so overstocked, their warehouse is bursting with excessive inventory. Almost $2 million worth of the biggest selection of pre-recorded video movies and blank videotapes. Movies like Paramount's Footloose, Terms of Endearment, Warner's The Right Stuff, CBS Fox, The Empire Strikes Back, and Disney's cartoon classics. Comedies, adventures, dramas, the biggest box office smashes of the century. Starting Wednesday, December 12th, they're holding a once-in-a-lifetime retailer-only Christmas sale. You don't have to be in the video business. They're taking all this inventory and making it available to any retailer at wholesale prices. You must have your valid resale number to be admitted. Sale starts Wednesday, December 12th. 
till the excess stock is gone at Coast Video Distributors, 620 Paula Avenue, Glendale, near the junction of the Golden State Freeway and the Ventura Freeway. For more information, call 818-500-0114. Did you ever ask yourself why every home or apartment owner doesn't have some sort of alarm system to protect his family and his property? Well, most people think they're either too expensive or they're unreliable or too complicated to assemble. And in many cases, they're right. That's why the engineers and scientists at Fairchild Industries have developed the Fortress line of home security devices. Devices that are among the world's most simple to operate, easy to install, dependable, and affordable home security alarms. You can't get anything better. Whether it's the wireless patio door and window alarm that sells for under $10, or an alarm system that protects your entire home for less than $100. A Fortress Home Security Alarm with its beautiful wood grain finish makes a great Christmas gift for someone you love. Visit your neighborhood Builder's Emporium store, Handyman Home Center store, or Neiman Reed's Lumber City and see for yourself. It's the Fortress Advanced Home Security Line on sale now at Builder's Emporium, Handyman stores, and Neiman Reed's Lumber City. Most important jobs require special training. But for the most important job of all, raising kids, most of us have had no training at all. CICC, the Center for the Improvement of Child Caring, is here to help, putting on classes in effective parenting for groups throughout the community. If your group would be interested in a parenting program, please call 980-0903, because any job is easier when you've had the proper training. CICC, a nonprofit organization. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. If you're calling KABC from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk, T-A-L-K. It follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639, and then talk. You've got a list of announcers there, Frank Brzee. Well, you had mentioned that you collected all the announcers' uh, autographs. Not all, but a lot well, of them. Uh, many of them. And uh, let's see how many you remember or know. I'll, t I'll give you the announcer. You tell me what show they did. Don I can't remember all the shows, but I certainly remember the announcers. All right, Don Wilson. Oh, of course. That was Jack Benny. He did Jack Benny. Ken Carpenter, who we just talked about. Craft Music Hall and uh, Bing Crosby. And and he also did Edgar Bergen. That's right. For That's time. right. And Bill Baldwin did Edgar mm -hmm. Bergen, too. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Wall. Now, Jimmy Wallington. You know, I remember Jimmy Wallington when he was doing uh, in his uh, last year's uh, news on The Voice of America. I do too, yeah. <laughs> he did the Eddie Cantor show. The Eddie Cantor show, that's yeah. right, sure. That's and uh, then there was Milton Cross. Yeah. Uh, well, he did the Metropolitan Exactly. Opera. Uh, Harry Von Zell. What show was he on? Well, he did Eddie Cantor. He did Eddie Cantor, too. And also Burns and Allen on radio and television. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Hay. Of course, the, Amos Nandy. Uh, and uh, the one you had mentioned before, Pierre Andre. Yeah, Pierre Andre. He did a lot of the kids' shows. Right. He did Little Orphan Annie. I yeah, know that. Yeah, he was your oval team. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Franklin McCormick. Well, I remember Franklin McCormick with the Why Do I Love You. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. You remember that? Sure. Mm. But uh, What show was ja that? Jack, uh, Jack Armstrong. Jack Armstrong, sure. And uh, Harlow Wilcox. Harlow Wilcox. That, of course, was uh, Baby Snooks. <laughs> He did, yes, Baby Snooks. But I was thinking of Fibber McGee and Molly. Oh, yeah, he did, he did that, too. He yeah. did Fibber for, for uh, so many years. Fred Foy. Uh, Fred Foy was uh, the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger. Yeah. Uh, Bill Goodwin. Well, 
What show was that? I've forgotten. Well, he did he did Bob Hope for uh, for many years. Before High Everback. Before, yes, yeah. before High. Uh, Andre Baruch. That was the hit parade. And here's a, here's a name out of the past, Ford Bond. Well, didn't he do the hit parade at one time, Ford Bond? Wasn't he the first? He did a show it? like the hit parade. He did Manhattan Marigold. That was it. it. That was and it. He had da, 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 dee, 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 da, da. a great opening. He'd say every word is sung so clear you can understand every, every word. word. And and sing them yourself. I sure. mean, it was just great. I got a copy of that show somewhere at home. Do you? Yeah. Well, you remember most of them. Well, you didn't did do well. too bad there. Um, you know, you interviewed uh, Mae West. And uh, May's always a, an interesting study. <laughs> uh, May West was wonderful. I, actually, I had her on my uh, Armed Forces Radio Service show two years in a row, Christmas 1971 and Christmas 1972. And what I, I had to go to her apartment mm -hmm. to record the material. And uh, the first year I said, uh, we worked from a script, from prepared mm -hmm. material, mm -hmm. and then all the laughs were added later and so on. And I wanted to do an interview with her, and she said, I do not do interviews. Interviews. I don't talk to anyone. The second year when I went back uh, and she, we worked from a script, I had an extra tape recorder and I recorded an interview with her, which is going to be released on by some company uh, in 1985. Really? And it's it's a it's an interview you want to hear. But this you did in 1971. Yes, she this is 1971. This is my Christmas show, and mm -hmm. she was on the show, and we had great fun. Well, you must lead an exciting life. Yes, Frank, I do. But for a long time, I was ashamed of the way I lived. You mean to say you reformed? No. I just got over being ashamed. <laughs> well, that's telling it like it is. I guess the devil never made you do anything. No. When I'm caught between two evils, I generally like to pick the one I never tried before. <laughs> Well, tell me, what do you think of our men in uniform? Frank, personally, I prefer a man out of uniform. The faster, the better. Well, there's one thing about being in uniform. While you're serving your country, you have an opportunity to study with the United States Armed Forces Institute. Education is a great thing. I don't know what I'd do without mine. Knowledge ain't so easy to get. You've got to work hard and study. I'm still studying. My favorite subject is arithmetic. I was pretty good at figures. Well, May, how would you explain addition? Addition is when you take one thing and add it to another, and you get two. Two and two is four, and five will get you ten if you know how to work it. And how would you explain subtraction? Subtraction? Well, that's very simple. For instance, a man has a hundred dollars, and you leave him with two. Boy, that's subtraction. <laughs> explain it like that, May. You were wonderful on our Christmas show. I'll never forget you. Mm, no one ever does. Thank you, May. 
You were wonderful tonight. Frank, I'm always wonderful at night. And if there's ever a day when you don't have anything to do and plenty of time to do it, why don't you come up and see me sometime? Anytime. I'll tell you, fortune. <laughs> she was wonderful. I've got a story. Now, I've never told this story before, but the first time I went up to her apartment, uh, she lived in an apartment uh, in, in Hollywood, and um, uh, I went in and uh, I met her, and she had a, uh, an oval painting, uh, a very nice oil painting on the wall, and it was a nude reclining on a chaise lounge, and it said May West, 1937, at the bottom. Uh -huh. And she came up while I was admiring it, and she said, do you like that? I said, Miss West, Miss West, that's a very nice likeness. And she looked at me, and she says, Frank, they painted that when I wasn't looking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a show that uh, I always used to get a kick out of. That was the Dr. IQ. Remember Dr. IQ? Oh, he answered. I have you. a lady in the balcony, doctor. Sure, he knew everything, didn't he? And um, Dr. IQ was one of those programs that uh, many of the comedians, the radio comedians, would do parodies of. Henry Morgan was a great comedian, New York comedian, and he would do parodies of any show that would get a laugh, and he would take the Henry Morgan show to task quite often. And, you know, the lines from that show are still uh, heard around. Everybody remembers the cliches. I have 20 silver dollars, oh, yeah. a lady in the balcony, and give that man a box of Milky Way candy bars and two tickets to next week's production. That's it. Oh, boy. Well, here's the parody by Henry Morgan of Dr. IQ. And now, here is your genial quiz master, Dr. I.J. the Mental Fox. Thank you. May I introduce my assistants, Mr. Jonathan Stanton in the left orchestra. Thank you, Doctor. Mr. Walt Jordan in the right orchestra. Thank you, Doctor. Mr. Daniel Trumbull in the rear orchestra. Mr. Daniel Trumbull in the rear orchestra. <laughs> Mr. Trumbull, you should be in the orchestra. I know, but a lady has me in the balcony, Doctor. In that case, I will leave you alone. Thank you, Doctor. Enjoy. Now, now may we have our first contestant, Mr. Jonathan Stanton, in the left orchestra. I have a gentleman, Doctor. Twenty silver dollars to that gentleman, if he can tell me. What do you get when you cross plums and peaches? You get nectarines. Oh, I'm sorry. But if you cross plums and peaches, you get pleaches. But give that gentleman a box of card and start gum now, Mr. Walter Jordan, in the right orchestra. I have a gentleman, Doctor. Forty silver dollars to that gentleman if he can answer this musical question. In the second movement of Beethoven's Sonata in A minor for piano and viola, what is the first note on the third page? Would you repeat that question? <laughs> No. Well, could you at least give me a hint? Yes. His first name is Ludwig. Can you give me another hint? Very well. When you're at the seashore, what is it you see? Uh, uh, see. The first note on the third page is C. Oh, I'm sorry, but I think you'll find that the first note is F sharp. <laughs> but you gave me a hint and you 
you kept saying seashore. That's right. That was a hint for you to go to the seashore. You look pale. What about the common gum to that young man? Mr. Stanton in the left orchestra. I have a lady, Doctor. Eighteen silver dollars to that lady if she can tell me what Juliet said to Romeo from the balcony. She said, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore about that Romeo? Oh, I'm sorry, but I asked you to tell me what she said from the balcony. You said it from the orchestra. <laughs> okay, so I'll go up in the balcony and say it. No, you've already said it. Well, I just thought of something else to say, and I can say this right to your face. You Stop that woman's mouth with 18 silver dollars about the bottle of gum. Next contestant, Mr. Jordan in the right orchestra. I have a gentleman, Doctor. Well, silver dollars to that gentleman if he can answer this question. What two presidents had the same name? Uh, Roosevelt. Oh, I'm sorry, but I asked you for two presidents, and you gave me only one. <laughs> Well, I, I mean Theodore and Franklin. Oh, I'm sorry, but Theodore and Franklin are not the same name. But a box of delicious powders, Markham, to that gentleman. And you... Next, please. Mr. Jordan. I, I have a lady, Doctor. Thirty-eight silver dollars to that lady, if you can answer this question. Now be on your toes for this one. What is the capital of New York? Albany. Oh, I'm sorry. But I was watching you. You were not on your toes, but a box of... gentlemen, very good. Thirty-two silver dollars to that gentleman if he can give me the last line to this famous poem. No coaching, please. Ready? Here's the poem. Wenn ich in deinen Augen sehe, so schwindet all mein Leiden weh. Doch wenn ich küss deinen Mond, blank, 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 blank. What is the last line? No coaching, if you please. Well, this is just a catch, but is it, uh, so where did Gans and Gages on? Well... How did you know that poem? My grandmother told me. I'm sorry, I said no coaching, not even your grandmother. <laughs> it's a funny one. Oh, what a great comedian. And loved Henry Morgan, but he could never keep a sponsor. Why? Well, uh, he was on the air. Uh, he was on ABC. He was on this mm -hmm. network for mm -hmm. uh, a long time, and he was on Forever Sharp. Uh, they were the first ones, I think, right. to make the in injector right. razor. Right, click, click, push, pull, push, click. pull, click, click. Mm -hmm. And one time he said, "Push, pull, nick, nick." Uh oh. And uh, the sponsor got up in arms, and and uh, uh, he, they had mentioned to him that they thought they were losing sales because uh, his show wasn't very good. And he went on the air the next week, and he said, "It was not that my show isn't very good; it's that their razor is not very good." Oh. <laughs> so. Wow, he was he was dynamite. Yeah. Uh, a great sense of humor. I always liked the Henry Morgan humor. There was a feud going on between Henry Morgan and Fred Allen. You don't know about that. I, I don't. I don't remember. And that. I can't remember it either. But one of our listeners must know about that feud because I remember that there's a big thing going on. Mm. We'll be right back with Frank Brzee. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79 KABC. Hi, John Anthony again from Montebello Lincoln Mercury, and have I got great news for you. Right now, you can buy a factory-fresh 1985 Mercury Marquis Brougham four-door sedan from Montebello Lincoln Mercury for only $10,695. Repeat, only $10,695. And these are fully equipped cars, all the extras you'd ever want, including options like air conditioning, four-speaker stereo, power windows, power seat, 
power steering, power brakes, power door locks, automatic transmission, speed control, white sidewall tires, rear window defroster, plus all the other standard equipment. And listen to this, interest rates have come way down, and that makes financing a lot easier and payments a lot less. Why not come in today and pick out your favorite color? We have over 40 to choose from. Remember, it's Montebello Lincoln Mercury, Pomona Freeway at Garfield. 1985 Mercury Marquee Bromes for only $10,695. Spread the word. By the way, do you know how Mercedes-Benz got the name Mercedes? Uh, she was the daughter of one of the earliest investors in the Mercedes-Benz company. For House of Imports, Mercedes-Benz, Michael Jackson, customer. In any event, I don't really think one needs to sell a Mercedes-Benz. I mean, the very name itself is a guarantee. But then you have to make the decision of where do you get it? Why House of Imports? I compared. Uh, they have a huge inventory. Do you know, at any time, they have over 100 new and previously owned Mercedes-Benz. They'll give you a sympathetic trade-in, especially on, on a car that's been looked after, been pampered, financing, up to 60 months, and sensible payments. You're, you're dealing with an automobile that makes sense for many, many years. I think you owe it to yourself to investigate and to compare everything that House of Imports has to offer. Compare. House of Imports, Santa Ana Freeway at Beach Boulevard in Buena Park. Dial 213 or 714, Mercedes. Remember, compare. Goodwill toward men and the spirit of giving. Beginning Monday, people stories guaranteed to make you smile. People who make a difference with Barbara Essenston reporting. It's almost like they open the door as if expecting to be attacked. Then you, you, you explain that you're here to share uh, a moment of, of giving involving Christmas. Six daily reports wrapped in Christmas cheer. People who make a difference with Barbara Essenston reporting beginning Monday only on KABC. In Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by talk. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. The 213 area, it's 448. South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then talk. Are you listening, Ken? You know, folks working on the Columbia Network, as I have for the past several years, I naturally get a great thrill out of tonight's crowning achievement of radio. Yes, an occasion like this makes me want to repeat that famous patriotic speech. Quote, Breathe there a man with soul so dead, who never to himself hath said... Oh, yeah. Well, Oswald, my boy, I suppose you're thrilled to be here tonight. Oh, yeah. You realize that tonight every dial in the country is on this station. Yeah, what's a dial? Oh, Oswald, don't be ridiculous. Mm. When people came home this Saturday night, what's the first thing they turned on? The water in the bathtub. No, 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 no. I'm talking about radio dials. In fact, some sets... Listen, some sets don't even need them. Mm. They have what they call automatic tuning. Uh, automatic tuning? Yes, you know, instead of twisting a dial, you just press a button and one, two, three, your radio is tuned. Mm. Uh, what could you ask for more than that? Uh, press a button, one, two, three, and my radio is paid for. Oh, that's what you'd yeah, like. Yeah, that's I what think. I like. Yeah. But, Oswald, you mustn't expect the impossible. Now, be serious a minute. Millions of people are listening to you all over the world. This is one of the biggest hookups in radio history. Oh, no, no. Well, do you know of any bigger hookups? Sure, the back of Case Smith's dress. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was Ken Murray and Oswald. Yes, Oswald played by uh, Tony Labriola. 
and uh, the great Ken Murray, one of the great comedians of our time. And one of the most personable guys you'll ever want to meet. Absolutely. You know, Ken Murray began his radio show 52 years ago in 1932 and was a hit on the Columbia Network for well over 10 years. And then and then uh, went to uh, the blackouts. Sure. Uh, and... and Discovered Marie Wilson. Well, yes, he <laughs> discovered Marie Wilson. You know, the Blackouts is one of is the longest running legitimate show of all time. I didn't know that. It ran uh, seven or eight years, uh, and then after that, uh, he went to New York and did television uh, on CBS, a network television. He tells show a story about years. Marilyn Monroe too. The, he turned down Marilyn yes, Monroe. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Couldn't, couldn't cut it. Ah. <laughs> well, he said she didn't fit in uh, Marie Wilson's outfit. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's say hello to Mary. Hello, Mary. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Yes, I had about five of them. Dear, didn't think you hadn't mentioned them at that time. And while I was on the phone, you mentioned them. Henry Aldrich and the Fanny Bryce Show. Oh, yeah. And the Dr. IQ and Charlie McCarthy. She but do you remember a program called... Uh, uh, Hoosier Hotshot. I remember the Hoosier Hotshot, sure. And they did have their own program for a while. Yeah, and they, they always started this program off, Are You Ready, Hizzy? And uh, sure. it was a band, and it was really interesting. We used to get that, and I never will forget, we'd get all around the radio just like it was a television, as if we could see those programs. Yeah, that was, uh, Joe Kelly was the announcer of that, I think. And it came from Chicago, the Hoosier Hotshots program. I read in the paper not too long ago where the last member of that uh, band had died. Mm. And uh, they, anyway, they were real good. I just wondered if you had any of their uh, programs. I don't have any with me tonight, uh, Mary. Do you have any of the Charlie McCarthy? Yes. Uh, no, I, I don't think we're going to play any oh, tonight, I do, We're not going to play any tonight, but we're I do. We're going to have to have Frank back, and we'll play the things that we missed. Yeah, and maybe the uh, Baby Snooks, too, and Henry. we got a little Baby Snooks coming up, and uh, one thing we don't have, though, is Red Skelton as the mean widow kid. And you don't have Henry Aldridge, either, I bet. No, we don't have no. Henry. But we'll, we'll do that on some future show. But I'll tell you what we do have. Remember Jack Webb and Barton Yarborough? You know what that sounded like. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. It was Thursday, April 27th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We're working a night watch out of Bunko Fugitive Detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Blaine Steed, captain of Bunko Fugitive. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from communications. It was 6.45 p.m. when I got to room 38. Squad room. Hi. How are you? How about some dinner? Well, we got one to check out first. Here's the teletype. Skipper just brought it in. Thanks. From San Rafael, huh? Pick up and hold for this department, one Alfred Garvey. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't remember that uh, Dragnet started on radio. It did start on radio. Jack Webb and Barton Yarborough, and the announcer was George Fenneman, 
who also announced... Was George doing that? Uh, George Fenneman was one of the announcers, and Hal Gibney uh, did uh, the commercials on the show. I was over talking with George not long ago as we were doing an Alzheimer's disease thing, uh -huh. uh, and we were honoring the chairman of the Alzheimer's disease campaign. I'll bet he used to do a morning radio show. And the longest-running commercial radio show on radio, Don McNeil. Don McNeil's Breakfast Club. That's sure, right. it was on for years. My guest, Frank Brzee. We're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brame. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Bill collectors. Bill collectors. We make bill collectors leave you alone, and that means leave you alone. I am Hugh Slate of the law firm of Slate and Leone. We can stop the telephone calls. We can stop lawsuits, garnishments, and auto repossessions. We can stop foreclosures. We have been helping people for 37 years. We have six offices. You can come to see us and get advice. There is no charge for talking with you and recommending what to do. If you would like information about how to make your creditors leave you alone, Phone us and listen to a two-minute tape recording. Call our Los Angeles office day or night. Pick up your phone and dial no bills. Dial N-O-B-I-L-L-S. No bills. Do you ever have trouble hearing or understanding? Or do you know someone with a hearing problem? If either of these answers is yes, you owe it to yourself to have your hearing tested. And this week, if you're 50 or older, you can have your hearing tested for just $1 at the Montgomery Ward Hearing Aid Department in selected Montgomery Ward stores. Now, this special offer is only available in the following Montgomery Ward stores. Covina, Rosemead, Fullerton, Mission Viejo, San Bernardino, Lakewood, Norwalk, Santa Ana, Pico Rivera, La Palma, Mission Valley, or Ventura. Remember... If you have trouble hearing or understanding, head into one of the Montgomery Ward hearing aid centers and have your hearing tested. You'll be shown a hearing aid so tiny it fits completely within your ear. Open Monday through Friday and Saturday by appointment. The Montgomery Ward hearing aid department in Covina, Rosemead, Fullerton, Mission Viejo, San Bernardino, Lakewood, Norwalk, Santa Ana, Pico Rivera, La Palma, Mission Valley, or Ventura. Hear what you've been missing. After 44 years in the same showroom, Nat Halpern Company Wholesale Jewelers are going out of business. Their entire collection of fine jewelry, diamonds, name brand watches, and giftware is drastically reduced for this historic quitting business sale. Cocktail rings, bracelets, pendants, earrings, men's rings and jewelry, pearls and solid gold chains, even custom-mounted and special designs will be substantially discounted. Shelves will be cleared of famous make watches, silver plate, and gift items. Set your holiday table with Richard Gennori, Italy's finest porcelain china at 80% off. Showroom doors are open now to the public at Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company in downtown Los Angeles at 315 West 5th Street on the 5th floor. Use Visa, MasterCard, checks, or cash at the final quitting business sale for Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company. Open 9 to 5 daily, 10 to 3 Saturday and Sunday. Farewell and happy holidays from Nat Halpern Jewelry Company, 315 West 5th. AABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. 
ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. It was all to the good for Bill Schrader until last night. Then more than two weeks after receiving a new mechanical heart, Schrader suffered a major setback. Humana Hospital spokesman George Atkins said it was a stroke. He was sitting up having dinner with his wife. Uh, she noticed uh, 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 a kind of a blank stare and then uh, a stupor condition. Uh, he then uh, uh, became unconscious uh, and they started the treatment at that point. Schrader's doctors have been closely monitoring his condition throughout the night. At last report, he was stable. More information is due from hospital officials in Louisville about an hour from now. ABC's medical editor, Dr. Timothy Johnson, says there was reason for early optimism. I think we can say that his rather rapid recovery from the original deficit, that is when he was unconscious, when he was unable to remove, move his right side, when he was not able to speak at all, is cautiously interpreted as good news. Obviously, they are still searching for the underlying cause of his stroke, and I might simply point out that a stroke means nothing more or less than the fact that the brain or part of it is not getting enough blood. Doctors in Louisville say they're giving Schrader various drugs to minimize the effects of the stroke and oxygen to make sure his brain has an adequate supply. I'll have more after this. My son started buying Topol. He was telling me how good it was, so mm -hmm. I said, well, let me try it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I never smiled with my lips open. <laughs> uh -huh. I was always conscious because they were so yellow. Yeah. My daughter always used to say, oh, your teeth are so yellow. Mm -hmm. And when I first started using Topol, I used to go and look at my teeth in the mirror all the time because they were looking so great. Uh -huh. <laughs> I liked it very much, and it left my mouth feeling good, too. Okay, that's pretty much a typical story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it certainly is a nice feeling to know. I don't have to be embarrassed about being in front of somebody. I don't have to put my hand up in front of my mouth. Now, I like to smile all the time, and sometimes my jaw just kills me from smiling. <laughs> Stop being embarrassed by ugly yellow tobacco stains on your teeth. Try Topol. And if you don't see your teeth get brighter, just return the unused portion plus proof of purchase to Jeffrey Martin, Inc. for a full refund. The address is on the box. Topol, America's number one smoker's tooth polish. There's increased danger this morning of renewed civil war in Lebanon. A high-ranking Druze officer has been assassinated in Beirut. Here's ABC's Julie Flint. The Druze officer, Lieutenant Colonel Adel Abu Rabia, was driving to work in the very heart of West Beirut when his jeep came under concentrated machine gun fire from a passing car. He and his aide died instantly and his driver was seriously wounded. The attack caused panic in the street. Pedestrians took to their heels and drivers drove up on the sidewalks in their haste to flee. The assassination is the third attack on the Druze in the past two weeks following two car bomb attacks against the Druze town of Alay and only two days ago against the Druze center in West Beirut. Julie Flint, ABC News, Beirut. Flamboyant boxing promoter Don King has been indicted by a federal grand jury in New York on charges of income tax evasion. Specifically, King was accused of skimming more than a million dollars from his promotion company and underpaying taxes on the money. The Federal Appeals Court in Cincinnati has upheld an affirmative action hiring program for the fire department in Detroit. 38 white applicants had challenged the plan, which they claim barred them from jobs only on the basis of their color. The appeals judges said the Detroit Fire Department had a long history of discrimination and for more than a century was what was termed the private preserve of white males. Solidarity leader Lech Wałęsa has called for open action against the authorities in Poland to revive independent trade unions. In a statement issued on yesterday's third anniversary of the martial law decree that crushed solidarity, 
Wences said the outlawed labor union is still alive and is still fighting for the human rights of all Polish citizens. Test pilot Chuck Sewell hopes this is the day he finally gets an opportunity to take off in the X-29, the first experimental jet plane to be flown at Edwards Air Force Base in California in 13 years. Twice this week, bad weather's forced cancellation of the X-29's maiden flight. The wings on the X-29 are swept to the front instead of to the rear. This is ABC News. This is Election Day on the South American country of Belize, the first since that country, formerly British Honduras, gained its independence from Britain three years ago. Nature may use hammers to reshape the planet from time to time. NASA scientists writing in Science Magazine say showers of comets may bombard the Earth every 33 million years or so to shape continents, oceans, and change the way of life on the planet's surface. The report comes from geologist Michael Rampino and astronomer Richard Struthers. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Vaughn. Now here's a word from Trader Joe. Frank Hemingway and Tillamook Cheese. It seems like I've been listening to Frank do those Tillamook commercials all my life. This is Joe Colomb of Trader Joe's. The Tillamook County Creamery in Oregon is famous for its cheese. What you may not know is that Tillamook makes wonderful butter, too. This is a special butter made from whey. Whey is a fluid that's left over when you make cheese. Obviously, the Tillamook County Creamery has a lot of whey left over from all that cheddar they make. Enough butter fat remains in the whey so it can be churned into butter. This is a very fine butter with a delicate flavor. Trader Joe's sells more Tillamook butter than anybody in California. Right now, our price is only $1.99 per pound, less than the supermarkets sell ordinary butter. In Granada Hills, you'll find one of our Trader Joe's on Balboa Boulevard at San Fernando Mission Road. Thanks for listening. Visit the Trader Joe's closest to you. There are 23 Trader Joe's throughout the Talk Radio. I'm Ray Bream, and if you're over 50, well, maybe if you are 20, you still have an official, uh, well, what would I say, a, uh, a love, uh, an affection for those great halcyon golden days of radio. Presenting Hop Harrigan, America's ace of the airways. CX-4 calling control tower, CX-4 calling control tower, standing by. Control tower back to CX-4, wind southeast, ceiling 1200, all clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. Boy, do I remember Hop Harrigan. Oh, so do I. Yeah. On the air every day at... Uh, 4.45, I think. Do you know who announced the show? I sure do. That was Glenn Riggs. That's right. He used to do another show that was very popular on ABC called The Listening Post. Uh, and for a while, I think he announced uh, My True Story. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, he was on staff at uh, WABC in New York. Yeah. And um, when I went to work for ABC, uh, I would hear him uh, doing a, a program called Voices in the Headlines. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I... 
it took me back 30 years because he was my idol in those days. Sure. Oh, he was a great announcer. He sure was. Well, all of the announcers in those days, they, they all had a certain kind of a style. Jimmy Wallington had a style. Uh, uh, Ken Carpenter had a style. Uh, Bill uh, uh, Goodwin, who announced uh, Burns and Allen. But and, my favorite and all. of all, he was always my idol, and I told him so when he guested on this program, and that was Del Charbet. Well, Del Sharbet, you never wanted to talk to because he just made you feel bad with that, <laughs> that, voice, that of his. voice of his. Sure. It, well, when he was in the studio here last year, it just rumbled. Yeah. They, the, the engineers couldn't believe it. I sounded like a, a soprano. Oh, I know. He had a great, great voice. I always liked Pierre Andre, I guess his name. Oh, and yeah. another one who was a, a great announcer, and, and still is, is Vincent Pelletier. Oh, sure. Just marvelous. He did all of those shows out of Chicago. That's right. The, the uh, soap operas mm -hmm. for, for many, many years. All right. Uh, Frank Brzee is my guest. Uh, Frank is a radio historian, a writer, producer, uh, specializing in radio memories. His weekly golden days of radio on uh, American Forces Radio and Television uh, uh, is now entering next year. It's 18th year on the air. That's a long time. It I is. I beat out almost everybody. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Ray, it's the longest-running variety show on the air, still on. Um, I, I, Don McNeil's Breakfast Club, mm -hmm. of course, was on uh, longer. Uh, and uh, I guess there were a couple of other shows that were on longer, but uh, I'm still around. How about that? One of the great shows that I always remembered was Arch Obler's Lights Out. Ah, yeah. Arch Obler is such a, a great guy. You know, he was a writer, uh, and still is a writer, but he wrote comedy material. He wrote material for Rudy Valley's uh, Fleischman Hour. Uh, years ago, uh, about 1950, Marilyn Monroe made one of her only radio appearances um, on on uh, Bergen and McCarthy, and so did Mae West about 10 years earlier, and she did the Adam and Eve routine mm. that got her kicked off radio and became a scandal, and Arch Obler wrote that uh, Really? That We're going to hear from Arch Obler here in a minute. I think right now, though, we've got Jay Jostin, and if that name doesn't mean anything to you, I mean you're not really an old-time radio fan <laughs> because he had that uh, best uh, listened-to uh, show for I don't know how many years called Mr. District Attorney. Uh, he was great and a good guest. Was he? He told stories about, uh, about playing that part and, and loved it. And here's uh, part of an interview. Uh, well, uh, the program opened uh, with the uh, with the announcer saying, "Mr. District Attorney, Champion of the People, Defender of Truth, Guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." And I'll I'll always remember. I got a letter from a teacher in Aurora, Illinois, and she told me that she was having uh, an oral examination with her high school class, and she had some of the. Uh, family parents in and one of the questions she asked uh, the pupils was where does the selection all men are entitled to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness come from and she said that without an instant's hesitation the entire department roared mr. district attorney <laughs> of course we felt very gratified to think we were the originators of such famous words Absolutely. But then then I used to give the oath of office which was and it shall be my duty as district attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. Oh, that's great. And 
Uh, Mr. District Attorney was always a favorite show of mine, and it was so well done, but his voice was so distinctive, and I can still tell you the way he signed his program off, and I do this around the studio today with my engineers. They don't know where I got that line from, but when I'm recording something, and after I'm through, I'll say, thank you, and good night. <laughs> Sounds just like him. Um, what a what a nice man! Uh, in later life, he did uh, television. He was a judge on a on a television was show he? for a while, uh, and uh, of co of course, radio disappeared. Uh, Mr. District Attorney went off the air about 1951. However, it had been on for close to 20 years, I think, and uh, and he continued his career for a while in television. Now, I think we might have Arch Obler and the beginning of Lights Out. Uh, people might uh, remember the way that sounded. Lights out. Everybody. pretty frightening oh yes it was frightening sure. <laughs> you know another favorite show of mine a mystery show grand central station well, i guess it wasn't really a mystery show it was that was a saturday morning program yeah. a, a popular show do you remember how that opening went can yeah, you through, through the tunnel uh, as a as a bullet seeks yeah, its target, target yes shining rails in every part right. of our great country our the human in, drama yeah Crossroads of a million... Pro all the cliches oh, you'd sure. ever think of were, yeah. were in Grand Central Station. All right, my uh, guest is Frank Brzee, and we're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. After 44 years in the same showroom, Nat Halpern Company Wholesale Jewelers are going out of business. Their entire collection of fine jewelry, diamonds, name-brand watches, and giftware is drastically reduced for this historic quitting business sale. Cocktail rings, bracelets, pendants, earrings, men's rings and jewelry, pearls and solid gold chains, even custom-mounted and special designs will be substantially discounted. Shelves will be cleared of famous make watches, silver plate and gift items. Set your holiday table with Richard Genori, Italy's finest porcelain china at 80% off. Showroom doors are open now to the public at Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company in downtown Los Angeles at 315 West 5th Street on the 5th floor. Use Visa, MasterCard, checks, or cash at the final quitting business sale for Nat Halpern Wholesale Jewelry Company. Open 9 to 5 daily, 10 to 3 Saturday and Sunday. Farewell and happy holidays from Nat Halpern Jewelry Company, 315 West 5th. Now here's a word from Trader Joe. An old Viking recipe for cheese has become one of the most popular cheeses in America, and that's Jarlsberg. This is Joe Colomb of Trader Joe's. Jarlsberg is a cheese which had been forgotten, but which the modern Vikings revived in Norway about 30 years ago. It's incredibly popular. Trader Joe's sells thousands of tons of Jarlsberg every year. 
One reason is that our price is very low. We sell Jarlsberg for only $2.99 per pound when the supermarkets sell it for $4.79 a pound. Moreover, at Trader Joe's, if you buy a hunk of Jarlsberg that's 10 pounds or more, you will save another 10%. If you want to save money on Jarlsberg or any other good cheese for the holidays, we hope you'll shop with us. There are 23 Trader Joe's in Southern California. The newest one is in West Covina on Citrus, just south of the San Bernardino Freeway. Thanks for listening. Visit the Trader Joe's closest to you. There are 23 Trader Joe's. Medical advances happen so fast, I can hardly keep up with them. How do you keep up in all the newest diets, alternative treatments, operations, and drugs? Hi, I'm Dr. Dean Adell. I think I can help. For you, I prescribe every Friday evening, 7 to 9, and also Saturdays, 1 to 4, you listen to KABC Talk Radio 79. It's a real doctor show. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Me, sweetheart. Sam, how did it go? It was the end, Effie, but the end. Oh, Sam, not another one of those society things. Depends on what you mean by society. Well, you know, Sam, cafe society. Cocktails for two, hands across the table, making another old-fashioned flurry. Let's not lose our head, Effie. Uh, nothing but double martinis, very dry, with two olives, sweetheart. Two olives? Mm -hmm. Oh, Sam, isn't that overdoing it? It was all overdone, sweetheart. That's what cracked it. Now, stay right where you are. I'll be right down to mix up my report on the dry martini caper. Get it? Okay, that was uh, Sam Spade, Howard Duff. You know, Howard uh, was one of the presenters, uh, or roasters, or whatever you call them, uh, at one of the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters' luncheons here recently. Yes, he and was. That, and that voice is still so deep and so dramatic. Howard Duff is so terrific. Uh, two years ago, uh, when we did the Golden Days of Christmas, a two-hour live show on uh, Armed Forces Radio, uh, he and Lorene Tuttle redid a Sam Spade uh, radio show. Actually, it was a spoof really? on the Sam Spade show, and it was great fun. And he is so nice. And Lorene is just a doll. She's uh, she's a she's a helpful and a, and a teacher to anyone who wants to become a radio or television actress. There, uh, there, actor. there are two gals that I think are so great. Uh, w well, there are three with the voices: Verna Felton, yeah. Lorene Tuttle, and June Foray. You're right. They're all they're all sensational and can do anything. Yeah, you know, Lorene has worked with every major star, oh. and she'd be a great guest sometime. We'll do it. Yeah. Hello, Bill. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Uh, hello. The feud was between Fred Allen and Jack Benny, and it was on radio only. Yeah, I know there was a feud there, but Henry Morgan had a feud going, too. Uh -huh. with. It, it made good script. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you say was the longest-lasting radio show? Uh, commercial radio show. Well, uh, uh, well, was was Don McNeil? 
Don, Don McNeil's Breakfast Club uh, was the longest-running radio show, uh, 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 commercial radio show, and certainly the longest-running variety show. Now, at one time, the people at Time Magazine told me that the Mormon, Morgan, Mormon, <laughs> Mormon, Mormon Tabernacle Choir, yeah, yes. that program that's that's done every Sunday from St. Louis, uh, from um, um, Utah, yes. Salt Lake City, yep. is actually the longest-running radio show. That's true, show. but it's not commercial. I see. I was going to mention that. You might have mentioned uh, Clem McCarthy, who did sports. I remember Clem McCarthy. Go back further, Graham yeah. McNamee. Graham McNamee. Yeah, but how about Bill Stearns? Oh, that was sports too. But Clem McCarthy, I go further back. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to know something. Who played the part of Martha in the Milton Berle show? I always want to know. Oh yeah, the woman that used to go yes. yes. Um, They're right, Martha. Yes. Yes, I remember, and, and what a great character. I don't, I don't remember who that was. Uh, it, it seemed like it was a man. Uh, no, it, I, it was a woman, because I had asked at one time. Oh. But uh, I, I don't remember, and it's probably in one of, the, uh, one of the history books. All right, Bill, thank you very much. Now comes the time that we set aside for what was always in my book. The number one mystery show. Number one. Second would be, I guess, Inner Sanctum, and then you could just go on down the list. But this was it for me. Uh, and in the mountain time zone, when I grew up, would you believe that it was not carried there? I don't believe that. It was not carried uh. there. So I used to tune in Los Angeles and hear it on a station that carried it in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And uh, you'd listen to the Skywave, and it would fade out just at the wrong time, of course. <laughs> but I always would never, ever miss the Whistler. Uh. Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. What a show. What, yeah. a, what a, a talent, Marvin Miller. Yeah. Now, the, actually, that was Bill Foreman who was the whistler. Marvin Miller was the announcer right. for all the time the show was yeah. on the air. Uh, and Bill Foreman, who was over draft age, was drafted around 1944, accidentally. I was talking about the announcer. You know how I am about announcers. Yeah, well, He's the one who we heard at the beginning. That's right. Yeah, yeah Marvin Miller. Well, Marvin Miller did the opening, but the uh, the whistler. Oh, was I understand, the but you know I don't care about <laughs> who the whistler is. I'm talking about the announcer. You're right. <laughs> anyway, the, the the story is that the, the, the foreman was drafted, and so Mar Marvin Miller did both voices. He did the announcer he did? and the whistler for at least a year. Really? So he did them both, and no one ever knew it. <laughs> he was wonderful. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll be right back with Frank Brzee. We're remembering the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brame. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. In education or life, nothing is more essential to success than a good vocabulary. People judge you by the way you speak. 
and having a powerful vocabulary can change the direction of your life. That change can begin now with a new crash course, Vocabulary Dynamite, Smart Tapes. Audio cassette tapes that force feed your brain the most delicious words in the English language. Without study, all you do is listen. Yes, listen to the words pronounced precisely. Listen to the meanings. Listen to the words in definitive sentences and listen to a new world of confidence and expression opening to you. So if your vocabulary's a bit anemic, get the smart tapes. A mega dose of verbal vitamins for the brain. By Robert Kuntz, Ph.D. For information, call 1-800-833-1984. A very unique Christmas gift indeed. 1-800-833-1984. Do you own a trust deed? Are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment? Would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check? Certified Financial Services pays top dollar for trust deeds with immediate funding. Sell your trust deed or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990-9242. 990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect, area code 818-990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. Do you ever have trouble hearing or understanding? Or do you know someone with a hearing problem? If either of these answers is yes, you owe it to yourself to have your hearing tested. And this week, if you're 50 or older, you can have your hearing tested for just $1 at the Montgomery Ward Hearing Aid Department in selected Montgomery Ward stores. Now, this special offer is only available in the following Montgomery Ward stores. Covina, Rosemead, Fullerton, Mission Viejo, San Bernardino, Lakewood, Norwalk, Santa Ana, Pico Rivera, La Palma, Mission Valley, or Ventura. Remember, if you have trouble hearing or understanding, head into one of the Montgomery Ward hearing aid centers and have your hearing tested. You'll be shown a hearing aid so tiny it fits completely within your ear. Open Monday through Friday and Saturday by appointment. The Montgomery Ward Hearing Aid Department in Covina, Rosemead, Fullerton, Mission Viejo, San Bernardino, Lakewood, Norwalk, Santa Ana, Pico Rivera, La Palma, Mission Valley, or Ventura. Hear what you've been missing. Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. Hello, Ron. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Hi, Ray. I'm, I work with the University of California, Los Angeles, and Frank has been a huge help to me over the past few years in uh, working with our radio archive facility. But an interesting point that I wanted to bring up with, with regard to Jack Webb and Dragnet a lot of people always re um, uh, have inquired, how come Jack Webb's shows never had titles? And in the, in the 1940s, in 1949, to be specific, when the show first started, they had innocuous titles like, you know, Helen Corday, Murder, and the Brickbat Slayer, and this one, you know, Claude Jemerson, Child Killer, and that kind of stuff. But Jack was a man who didn't really have much in the way of sentimentality. He didn't want to have 
anything to do with anything that was already done, already in the can, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And he'd record maybe three or four of these shows um, a week sometimes because they were on tape. He'd bring his, his crew in and they'd record the tracks. They would lay it down just like film. They would not do straight live across the board show. They'd come in and do tracks. And so they were, well, what do you want to name this thing? And he said, well, I don't know what I want to name it. And secretaries were having a heck of a time trying to figure out. So what they would do is they would file away all of the shows and scripts and that sort of thing under a title known as The Big. And everything has the big title to it, like The Big Bunko and The Big Sour. And when Barton Yarbrough died in 1951, they did a show uh, in memory, uh, in his memory, called The Big Sorrow, which was the story of how... Uh, uh, ben Romero died, and it wasn't until September of 52 that they came up with a, a real suitable full-time replacement, you know, for, uh, for uh, Barton. They had uh, a lot of folks, you know, uh, Ken Peters and uh, uh, Barney Phillips and uh, Vic Perrin did several stints, but it wasn't until September when they uh, went fully sponsored by Chesterfield uh, that they came up with Ben Alexander. And uh, it had many different time changes, too. Dragnet was an interesting show, because they did like 318 of the things. And when the last show was on in September of 55, they did the last one on September 20th, they said, next week we're going to bring you a new and exciting science fiction adventure show called X-1. That's how X-1 uh, came in, and that was the show that uh, replaced Dragnet. Hmm. And a lot of people... Um, still ask me to this day how uh, you know how jack was able to do all these things well he did dragnet radio and television nearly simultaneously uh he would do several films and he'd do several radio shows and he'd come back and uh, his show uh, had about a year and a half on radio before it finally made it to television and uh you know jack was a very very uh, interesting talent because he, when he started out in san francisco radio he had a, uh, a show Based on World War II, the end of World War II, he was a man out of the Army, you know, he came back and he said, hey, I'm, I want to have a show with veterans and all kinds of people on, and he did a thing called the Jack Webb Show, which was on Friday nights. And uh, somebody came to him and said, I've got this brilliant writer, and I think we ought to do a very good show, and I, I think you're a good person to play a hard-boiled detective, but you're not really a detective, you're a, you're a, um, a, a boat rental guy, and we want to call you Pat Novak. And that's uh, Pat Novak for Hire was Jack's first hmm. big detective role, and that's what kept him going uh, until he saw Hollywood, came down here, and made it uh, super big in, in the movie business. Yeah, who was the other fellow that was on Pat Novak for Hire? Morris. Ben was, uh, ben was uh, and is still uh, down here and still active. There was someone else, though, that became a big star. Uh, and, oh, and he was right. Oh, you, Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr is the one I'm had thinking become, of. Uh, had, uh, there were two. There was uh, Sergeant Hellman's, uh, one, because uh, they did the show out of San Francisco first. Yeah. And the first one was a fellow by the name of John Galbraith, who's now retired up there living in the city. And, of course, the second one when he got to Hollywood was Raymond Burr. Yeah. Incidentally, Ron, do you remember the title of Jack Webb's last radio show? His last radio show. Uh, the last Dragnet show. Was it called The Big Cancellation? No, I think it was the... the <laughs> no, it was not. As a matter of fact, the show, The Big Close, was it's called. Uh, <laughs> the Big Show was Program 318, was The Big Close, and it didn't have uh, the slightest bit of uh, sentimentality, true to Jack's word. He uh, closed off the show, 
Uh, and uh, they said, you know, ne you know, be sure to stay tuned for Dragnet on television, and you know, stay tuned next week for X minus one. Yeah, you're Ron, right. He was a big, big talent. Ron, let me ask you something. Uh, do you think that there uh, will ever be a a comeback of of drama on radio? I think that there is uh, will not be a comeback in the in the strictest sense of the word of drama the way we remembered it. But I think there will be a, there is always room for a comeback of various drama formats using today's technology. I don't think that you're going to see the same resurgence that you saw years ago because uh, in the days when radio was uh, was king. Mm. Uh, and ad agencies owned the show rather than the networks. Mm -hmm. The ratings were uh, totally controlled and operated, you know, at the behest of the radio uh, agency. You're right. Listen, I've got to go. We're out of time. Thank you very much for the call. My guest, Frank Bruzee, we're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Hi, John Anthony again for Montebello Lincoln Mercury. And I find that a lot of people feel that in order to lease a new car, you have to be a professional person or an owner of a company or business. Not true. At Montebello Lincoln Mercury, you can lease a brand new Mercury or Lincoln as easy as buying one. The big difference, no down payment. And monthly payments that are usually a lot less than when buying. Right now at Montebello Lincoln Mercury, you can lease a brand new 1985 Mercury Cougar on our Ford Credit red carpet lease plan for a lot less than you think. And listen to this. Montebello Lincoln Mercury will include a Ford Extended Service Plan. Just imagine, years of virtually cost-free driving at no extra charge. Remember, it's Montebello Lincoln Mercury, Pomona Freeway at Garfield. Lease a brand new 1985 Cougar today. It's a smart way to drive a new car. Spread the word. If you or a loved one are 65 or older, get a pencil and paper and write down an important number. It's for free ElderMed gift certificates for the holidays. ElderMed is a nonprofit health network of more than 300 local doctors on the staff of Northridge Hospital Medical Center, the Valley Hospital Medical in Van Nuys, La Palma Intercommunity Hospital, and the Long Beach Community Hospital, all helping to keep your medical bills down through ElderMed. ElderMed puts a cap on Medicare costs limiting your portion to just the deductible copayment. There's no payment up front for Medicare benefits, and with good supplemental insurance, the cost may be little or nothing at all. ElderMed provides you with a health care coordinator. You or your loved ones will receive a free holiday gift certificate, free membership card, and a free directory of participating doctors. Call toll-free 1-800-CARE-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-CARE, the number 4 ME. Does a disability such as emphysema, stroke, or multiple sclerosis keep you from walking long distances or from driving your car? Would you like to get around your home a little faster, or go outdoors to say hi to your neighbors, or even to the nearby shopping center? Well, Chairlift of California has the answer. It's their Champ, a three-wheel type wheelchair or golf cart type vehicle. Now, the Champ is battery driven. The seat swivels and locks for easy enter and exit. It's truly a very versatile vehicle. Similar types on the market give very little foot room. The Champ provides an adequate 16 inches so your toes are not squeezed up tight. The Champ can be disassembled in less than 60 seconds. Place it into the trunk of a car. Yes, it does have a basket for carrying groceries. See the Champ and get more information. Call 818-991-4092. Or drop a line to me, Ray Brain, KABC Radio. Put chairlift on the outside of the envelope. 
The phone number again, 818-991-4092. Here's an answer to your holiday shopping problems, friends. Stop by the Dodger Stadium gift shop where you'll find hundreds of specialty baseball gifts and a great lineup of wearing apparel, including the official Dodger warm-up jacket. Dodger gift certificates, also good for 1985 Dodger tickets, are available in $5 denominations at the gift shop or by mail to gift certificates Dodger Stadium, LA 90012. Visit the Dodger Stadium gift shop and find just the right gift for the Dodger fan in your family. Talk Radio AM 79, KABC Los Angeles. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. Orange County 714 area is 750. The 213 area, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk. One of the uh, greatest routines that Jack Benny ever did was uh, your money or your life. Yes, he always claimed that was the funniest thing and probably the most surprising thing that ever happened to him because the laugh was so long. Uh, if uh, I recall, it went something like 17 or 20 seconds, something like it that. Went, it went quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an excerpt of that, and I, I've cut the laugh down because it just it seemed to go on forever. Yeah. I'm sure that show uh, ran over. Jack Benny was uh, a guest on my program at one time, and we talked about his career and how he started and, and uh, talked about this longest uh, laugh and funniest gag that he ever had on his show. So here's Jack Benny. Jack, in, in more than 25 years of radio, what was the funniest gag that ever happened? Well, the one they talk about and the one that's been uh, written up in magazines and stories and uh, articles, the money or your life. That was the, that was the biggest laugh. Of course, they, they, they claim that the biggest laugh was when the... Uh, when the man said your money in your life was the long pause. Well, that was only part of the laugh. The big laugh was when I finally said I'm thinking it over. That was the real big laugh. This is Jack Benny from April 4th, 1948. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Ladies and gentlemen, as most of you know, last week Jack Benny visited the Ronald Coleman's and he persuaded Ronnie to lend him his Academy Award Oscar. As Jack left the Coleman house, the following incident happened. Gee, it was awfully nice of Ronnie to let me take his Oscar home so I could show it to Rochester. Hmm, sure is dark tonight. No moon. Oh, well. Hey, bud. Bud. Huh? You got a match? Yes, yes, I have one right here. Don't make a move. This is a stick-up. Mister, put down that gun. Shut up. I said this is a stick-up. Now, come on. Your money or your life. <laughs> Look, bud. I said your money or your life. I'm thinking it over. <laughs> Great, great, great line. The comedy on the Jack Benny show was always bright and uh, and new and fresh. 
Uh, and I'll tell you one thing about The Benny Show. Uh, from time to time on my AFRTS show, I'll play a complete Benny program. And uh, the comedy is just as timely today as it was 30 years ago. It really holds up. It really holds up. And the running, gag, the running gag, of course... Uh, uh, Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga oh, yeah. always gets the last. Sure. We'll have to play that one sometime. Yeah, we'll do that. All right, let's say hello to Walt. Hello, Walt. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Hey, Frank. Uh, long time in, uh, in uh, radio, I guess. Yeah. You know, years yeah. ago, uh, you know, when Jack Benny was on and, and uh, Fred Allen and I Love a Mystery and all the quality programs... There was more on radio than just, uh, you know, the 15-minute uh, serials or the half-an-hour programs. We had a lot of news and information. We don't have that today. Uh, well, I think radio is news and information most of the time now. Excuse me? I, th I think uh, that radio is it has more news now than it did in 1940. But I think he's talking about news commentary. Oh. Well, if you're talking about commentary, that's something different. But uh, most every station has five minutes of news on the hour. Uh, there are many radio stations that are all news stations now. Five minutes of news on the hour? Pardon? Years ago, there was no news at all. It was just a uh, 50-minute program. No, they had news. No commentary? No, they had news. Uh, Lowell Thomas did a 15-minute news show. And you had, uh, uh, you know, a lot of news programs, Bob Trott and the CBS News. And you, you know, had Frank, uh, as I understand it, uh, radio is a kind of a public property in that it uses public airways. Mm -hmm. So it has a certain responsibility. Yeah. Would you agree to that? That, that, you know, radio stations, whether they are AM or FM, they have a responsibility to the communities in which the stations are located. Would you... Well, that's what the FCC says. Sure, I'd go along with that. What do you think, uh, personally? Well, I, I think if you hold a radio license, you do have a responsibility uh, to the public to provide programming that uh, most of the people uh, appreciate hearing. Is that a responsibility because of the fact that uh, the medium, you know, through which the radio waves uh, travel is publicly owned? I mean, it's not just a philosophical... No, nobody owns the airwaves except, I guess, uh, the creator. Oh, the public doesn't own the No, the airwaves? public doesn't own the airwaves. Oh, I think you're mistaken about well, that. Well, you can think that. Oh, I'm sure you're mistaken about Well, I'm glad to hear that you, you are sure about something. Well, I, I, I think that is a fact. Uh, well, the, you know, it's someone once said that. I think it was uh, one, one of the FCC commissioners that said, we both can't talk at the same time, sir. The radio waves uh, pass through, of course, that's public property. And that's why there is a responsibility on the part of the radio programs that, you know, whether it's AM or FM, that's why they have a responsibility to the... To the well, the license is, is, is one thing, but the ether belongs to no one. Excuse me, you're mistaken about that. Well, you keep saying that I'm mistaken. Would you like to debate the issue? I'll be glad to debate it. Yeah. Anyhow, the, re the result of all of this is... Uh, a lot of us wonder, uh, or at least I wonder, and I think there are other people in your audience that wonder, why in the hell uh, uh, there isn't more meaningful, responsible programming 
on radio and television. But let's let's just take the radio now. You know, we have these uh, FM and AM stations in our markets where we hear, you know, music around the clock, 60 minutes. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, public, publicly responsible program news and whatnot. Why don't we have that? Well, I, Walt, I I, I think we do. Uh, I had mentioned National Public Radio earlier. National Public Radio uh, broadcasts Excuse what me, the FCC not, says. Let's talk uh, about the commercial stations. Let's. Well, but but, you, but you're saying there isn't something for everyone, and there is something for everyone. In New York, uh, there must be uh, 40 or 50 radio stations. In Los Angeles, I know there are o over 70 radio stations, and uh, you can find something you like at any time of the day or night. All right, well, thank you very much for the call. My guest is Frank Brzee. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Jason Robards for IDS American Express. The average American couple earns a million dollars before retirement, but after taxes and inflation, many people can't send their kids to college or retire comfortably. Obviously, earning money is not enough. You have to protect your money against the ravages of taxes and inflation. For 90 years, the company now known as IDS American Express has been helping people reach their goals. No shortcuts, no get-rich-quick schemes, just honest help. Call toll-free 1-800-437-4332 for our free 24-page guide to financial planning. Learn the basics of money management, how to reduce taxes, and create a plan to reach your goals. The guide is free. Call 1-800-437-4332 for your copy. 1-800-437-4332. Call now. IDS American Express. It could be the best investment you'll ever make. Bill Collectors. Bill Collectors. We make Bill Collectors leave you alone, and that means leave you alone. I am Hugh Slate of the law firm of Slate and Leone. We can stop the telephone calls. We can stop lawsuits, garnishments, and auto repossessions. We can stop foreclosures. We have been helping people for 37 years. We have six offices. You can come to see us and get advice. There is no charge for talking with you and recommending what to do. If you would like information about how to make your creditors leave you alone, phone us and listen to a two-minute tape recording. Call our Los Angeles office day or night. Pick up your phone and dial no bills. Dial N-O-B-I-L-L-S. No bills. It is better to give than receive. Beginning Monday, people whose lives are dedicated to that philosophy in a week-long report, People Who Make a Difference, with Barbara Essenston reporting. I guess just understanding that side of it, the moment I was in a position to give something back, just kind of seemed a natural, re uh, you know, repayment. The Spirit of Christmas, in a week-long present to you, Barbara Essenston reporting. Six daily reports only on Talk Radio 79 KABC. Frank, uh, we're talking about sponsors. Uh, can you think of the longest uh, running program with one sponsor? Uh, 
Yeah, probably uh, your hit parade. That went on the air in 1935, and it was sponsored by the American Tobacco Company, who made Lucky Strike cigarettes. And it was on the air until 1959. By 1959, it had become a simulcast. And they even created, I don't know if you remember, they created a cigarette for your hit parade. Oh, yeah. And it was called Hit Parade Cigarettes. And somebody w who was with that, was it Del Charbot who told me? Somebody. Said, and it was a lousy cigarette. <laughs> oh, it was a terrible cigarette. <laughs> So that was 24, a little over 24 yeah. years. So I would suspect that was uh, that was the longest running show, uh, with one spot. How long was Jello with uh, Benny? That was a long time too. Yeah, right? uh, Jack Benny started, and as a matter of fact, he'd say at the beginning of his mm -hmm. show, Jello again. This That's is Jack right, Benny speaking. Right. Uh, I think he started with Jello about 1939, and uh, went until about 19, um, maybe. 47 or 48 or 49. Uh, Jack Benny was with NBC for all those years. And then in, in 1949, uh, he went to CBS under a sweet deal, got mm -hmm. a lot of money. Uh, and from that point on, I think he was sponsored by Lucky Strike. Mm -hmm. But uh, there was a great allegiance to listeners and the uh, the show sponsors. Oh, absolutely. And, and you identified... There was identity then, uh, which we don't have now. That's right. Uh, can you tell me... No. <laughs> uh, well, now, th th this isn't a trick question. Okay, do you remember, name one of the sponsors of the Bob Hope radio show. Have, well, oh, Pepsodent. Pepsodent, of course. And and you know how long ago that was? That was 1942. You're talking about 40 years ago. Mm. Now, who is the sponsor of the Bob Hope show on television? Haven't the slightest idea. Right. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows that Fibber McGee and Molly was sponsored by... Uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Wait uh, a minute. Uh, McGinn Molly was sponsored by... Harlow used to open the show, uh, the, uh, the Something Wax program. And oh, were, Johnson's Wax. Of course. Of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, no, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you see uh, daytime uh, soap operas on, uh, on uh, television from time to time. Uh, what is it? Uh, Days of Our Lives. Yeah. Now, that's sure. been on 20, 30 years. Do you know who sponsors that? I have the that? slightest idea. Um, uh, and the only reason I know at the beginning of the show, they say it's a, uh, it's yeah. a program produced by Procter & Gamble. One of but the uh, truly big shows was Fanny Bryce and Hanley Stafford and Baby Snow. Yeah, Fanny Bryce started the Baby Snooks character when she was uh, in New York uh, on the Broadway stage. She never did it on the stage, but uh, when she would perform at parties, she mm -hmm. had this little uh, Baby Snooks character that she did. And finally, about 1935, when she was living out on the West Coast, she did the Baby Snooks show for the first time on the radio. Daddy! Snooks, let me lie on the sand and rest for five minutes. Come on, well, go on and tell me. You know Ralph next? Yes. Well, he's buried in the sand up to it. <laughs> That's fine. Shall I cover his feet, too? Aren't his feet covered? No, I stuck him in head face. Snooks, <laughs> where is he? Right there, Daddy. Good heavens, Ralph Help me dig away the sand, Snooks, quick. Oh, you hide, you little cannibal. Ropierre! Oh, my little boy! Oh, baby! Now, let me get the sand out of your mouth. Dig it out with my shovel, Daddy. Put that down. How long has he been under there? How long have we been here? He's all right, Daddy. I 
know, but the child might have suffocated. Why? Because he couldn't breathe with his head in the sand. How did you expect him to get air? I made a hole in his trunk. <laughs> That's wonderful. Nobody can breathe through their trunks. Elephants can. Very funny. Very funny. <laughs> I don't see any hole in his trunk, Snooks. He ain't wearing any trunks. Here they are. Did you take the baby's trunks off? Uh-huh. Red ain't it? That's the last straw. Whatever possessed you to strip the child and stick him in the sand head first? Well, Mommy said not to get his face someday. So you took off his trunks. He didn't say nothing. Ah, the suit's ruined. I'll have to buy him another one. Let me buy it, Daddy. I haven't got any money with me. Mm. Oh, that fellow at the beach stand knows me. Just say you want a little boy swimming suit, salmon-colored with a zipper on the side. All right. Have it charged to me. Just tell him who I am and it'll be all right. Can you remember that? Uh-huh. What are you going to say? I want a little salmon for a colored boy with a zipper on it. boy swimming suit with a zipper on the side, salmon colored. Repeat that one. I want a little boy salmon with a kipper swimming inside. Gotta be one of the great uh, routines. Oh, uh, that was Fanny Bryce as Baby Snooks with Hanley Stafford as her uh, daddy. And daddy was always so perplexed. Oh, he was. And the best one I ever heard. Oh, yeah. What a great actor Hanley Stafford was. Hello, Marguerite. You're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Go ahead. This is uh, going back a little way, uh, quite a ways. How about One Man's Family? Oh, of course I remember One Man's Family. <laughs> now, that was one of the longest-running radio shows. You know that went on the air in 1932 and went off the air in 1959. So that would make it 20, what, 23 years. Father Barber. Well, it didn't yeah. make any difference where you were. Yeah. You had to stop, regardless of whether you're eating, playing cards, or anything, you had to stop and listen to that. Right, the, the stories of the Barber family. Yeah. Was that the same one that the uh, woman uh, uh, gave the um, bi names of the Bible so fast that you couldn't keep up with her? Oh, now that I don't remember. Well, no. There was one uh, program, but I can't remember if it was on that program or not. Well, it might have been a quiz show. It sounds like a quiz no, show. No, uh, no, it was a regular program. But mm. uh, uh, well, then go ba uh, back to Jack Benny. Uh, I came from the Middle uh, West, and uh, we I listened to Jack Benny at six o'clock at night, and then at ten o'clock. Uh -huh. No two programs the same. No two programs the same. No, uh, they had they did uh, ch they changed it every time that uh, it came on at ten o'clock. I mean, it was almost the same, but I mean, a few words were always different. Oh, she oh. might have. Maybe they were taking the uh, the late feed. 
They, it was uh, just as funny the second time as it was the first time. Well, I've never heard well, of that before. You know, uh, on the West Coast, uh, when I was out uh, there doing radio shows, one of the funniest shows was the Jack Carson radio show. He used to do that Wednesday night at Columbia Square, and they would do a live show to the east at 5.30, 5.30 to 6. And then he'd have about two and a half hours before they did the repeat show at 8.30. And Columbia Square on Sunset had a restaurant restaurant next to it. Nicodell's. Brittingham's was right <laughs> oh, next door. Oh. <laughs> and the second show was not anything like the first show. And sometimes not very intelligible. That's I mean, true. <laughs> well, I, I thought Nicodell's so, was the place, Nick, too. Nicodell's was one of the places. Sure, yeah. if you worked at NBC, you yeah. went over to Nicodell's yeah. and sometimes didn't make it back That's for the That's right, for the second show. <laughs> <laughs> they always said the second shows were much looser. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> All right, let's say hello to Ken. Hello, Ken, you're on Talk Radio with Frank Brzee. Good morning, gentlemen. You guys and the listeners are just blowing our minds this morning. <laughs> uh, I, I don't suppose anyone could ever forget the truly golden voice of radio news. Good evening, everybody. This is Lowell Thomas. Oh, yeah. He was just fantastic. Uh, Frank, you know your show being aired on Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, radio service, is just heard by literally millions of people. Uh, not only military people, but the eavesdroppers as well. Uh, I go back to uh, AFRS, back to the mid-40s, and uh, had the pleasure of uh, being uh, at least one of the announcers on some shows that were never heard by the U.S. public. And two, I recall, one, the lady a while ago mentioned Lionel Barrymore. I did a show with Lionel called Concert Hall. Mm -hmm. And he was just the most fabulous character you ever want to meet. Mm. Uh, about Christmas time, I remember he got a, car, a card from uh, an overseas child, uh, Chinese or Japanese, and we had to go all over Hollywood showing that card to everybody. Lionel was just so excited about getting a Christmas card from that from that child. Uh huh. What were the shows that you announced for AFRTS, Ken? Well, Concert Hall was uh -huh. one of them, and the other one was a great show, Command Performance. And uh, I remember on one show, we had a cast including Eddie Cantor, Fra as I recall, Eddie Cantor, Frank Sinatra, mm. Food Service, by, uh, Marie the Body McDonald, and uh, others. Uh, I think that was, we did the concert hall show from KHG. I, I don't remember where the command performance show was done. The command performance show uh, was done from uh, the Vine Street Theater, uh, the Lux Radio Theater, uh, and Studio A at uh, CBS on uh, the Sunset. The annex there, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Ken, uh, good hearing from you. I've got to leave you. We're out of time. Thank you. Thank you very much. My guest, Frank Brzee, we're talking about the golden days of radio. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Well, as the weather gets a little colder each day, you may have been thinking about buying a fur. That's why I want you to keep the name Pelta in mind. Pelta furs. They've been a sponsor of ours for quite a long while now. And these people are courteous, they're helpful, and they're not at all pushy. But perhaps best of all, and this is important, they sell the very same furs you can buy in any department store, but for much, much less. You see, Pelta is a manufacturer. And that very fact alone means that you pay less. Not just for one or two items, but for everything. For instance, buy a fur for Christmas right now while the selection is huge and the price is so low. A full range of colors and sizes, all top quality furs, but at lower prices. So stop into Pelta Furs today and see what I'm talking about. Incidentally, 
They'll be open every Sunday between now and Christmas from 11 till 5. They're at 521 West 7th Street downtown between Olive and Grand. And they have plenty of validated parking. Or call for information, 624-7727. Do you own a trust deed? Are you tired of being the collector for that small monthly payment? Would you like to cash it in for one big lump sum check? Certified Financial Services pays top dollar for trust deeds with immediate funding. Sell your trust deed or borrow against it. The choice is yours. For top dollar quotes, call Certified Financial Services, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, 990-9242. That's 990-9242. 990-9242. That small monthly check that you're collecting could be cashed in for one big lump sum check. Now do something exciting. Live a little. Sell your trust deed or keep it and borrow against it. Call Certified Financial Services Direct or Collect. Area code 818-990-9242. That's 818-990-9242. Once again, 818-990-9242. Did you ever ask yourself why every home or apartment owner doesn't have some sort of alarm system to protect his family and his property? Well, most people think they're either too expensive or they're unreliable or too complicated to assemble. And in many cases, they're right. That's why the engineers and scientists at Fairchild Industries have developed the Fortress line of home security devices, devices that are among the world's most simple to operate, easy to install, dependable, and affordable home security alarms. You can't get anything better, whether it's the wireless patio door and window alarm that sells for under $10 or an alarm system that protects your entire home for less than $100. A Fortress Home Security Alarm with its beautiful wood grain finish makes a great Christmas gift for someone you love. Visit your neighborhood Builders Emporium store, Handyman Home Center store, or Neiman Reed's Lumber City and see for yourself. It's the Fortress Advanced Home Security Line, on sale now at Builders Emporium, Handyman Stores, and Neiman Reed's Lumber City. AABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. Okay, 20 after 12 here on Sunday morning. Mother's Day, May 14th, here, 2017. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Let's say our prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day, Mother's Day. Thank you for the honor and blessing of all the moms out there. Help us do you well and everything else, Lord. Look after the needy, the poor, and the hungry. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright, we're going to go back and got time to get one half hour show in. So we're going to go back and look at VE Day, May 8th, 1945, and the Roy Rogers Show. The Roy Rogers Show. So stand by. Jaws Professional Radio Shows KABC Los Angeles Windows M Desktop M My Documents Enter VEV Easter VEV Enter VEV News from Past Day 584 Enter Shell News Rock the Duke Astoria Dick Trace Quiver McGabril Eat on the Note of Roger Rogers Show 5845 Unloading Jaw Cans OK Enter 5 
The following transcribed program is rebroadcast by the Armed Forces Radio Service to our fighting men overseas. Goodyear presents the Roy Rogers Show. Friends, tonight as usual, Goodyear brings you Roy Rogers. But because of the great news we've all been hearing, we want you to know that we will interrupt this program instantly for any late news flashes. Meanwhile, you'll hear Bob Nolan and the Sons of the Pioneers, Pat Friday, the Farr Brothers, Perry Botkin's Orchestra, Goodyear's guest tonight, motion picture villain Porter Hall. And now, the greatest name in rubber, Goodyear, invites you to meet America's greatest Western star, Roy Rogers. Got a locket in my pocket, a plain golden locket. Got a locket in my pocket, right next to my heart. I've got a picture in this locket, the locket in my pocket. Got a picture in this locket, with which I'll never part. The face in the picture is beautiful to see. And the girl that the face belongs to, she belongs to me. I've got a locket in my pocket. My sweetheart's in that locket. Got my sweetheart in my pocket right next to my heart. in the picture is beautiful to see and the girl that the face belongs to she belongs to me i've got a locket in my pocket my sweetheart's in that locket got my sweetheart in my pocket right next to my heart right next to my heart folks, and welcome from me and the gang to tonight's Goodyear get-together. We've rounded up a few new and some old songs for the occasion, and one of the West's most uh, amazing legendary stories, but right now it's time for you to meet our guest for this evening, one of the swellest actors who ever foreclosed a mortgage on poor little Nell, Mr. Porter Hall. Hi, Porter. <laughs> That's a nice welcome after you ask me to come over to your get-together. <laughs> well, shucks, don't mind the folks, Porter. They've seen you as a villain in so many pictures that they just can't keep from booing at you. Well, I'm so misunderstood, Roy. To everyone who's ever seen me in pictures, I'm a no-good, low-down, unprincipled crook. No, honest, Roy, you know I'm not that way at all. Much. <laughs> <laughs> Porter, I'm surprised at you. Why, I think I'd much rather play your part than my own. The heavy in the picture, oh, well, he always gets his own way, and... And you get most of the close-ups. You know, where you sneer and twirl your mustache and make everyone in the audience hiss at you? Well, that's a real trouble, Roy. I never know if they're hissing the character or the actor playing the part. Well, when Porter Hall is playing the part uh, as a villain, it isn't the actor they're hissing, you can believe me. But just to give you a break, Porter, we've got a sketch for you to play in tonight about one of the West's most amazing characters. And just to prove that you're the star and the hero, I'm not even going to play in it. How's that? Well, that's what I call really being a hero, giving a whole story to a screen bad man. Uh, uh, but what are you going to do, Roy? Well, first of all, Porter, I'm going to keep an eye on you and make sure you don't forget yourself and steal the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to just sort of keep the get-together moving, like now when I call on the Sons of the Pioneers to dedicate a song to you. Thank you. 
Congratulations are being offered all over the world to the millions who worked and fought for victory in Europe. Goodyear would also like to propose a toast, a toast of its own and to its own, a toast to the 24,783 of its men and women in the armed forces. It's well done to those in Europe. It's good luck to those in the Pacific. And here's a toast to to the 100,000 Goodyear employees at home who with their war work have contributed and are continuing to contribute to final victory. To them, good work, and let's keep punching hard till the Japs get theirs. It's the Farr Brothers' furious fiddle and galloping guitar in Cajun Stone. I'm sorry I'm late if I missed much. Well, hello there, Pat Friday. You have missed a couple of good songs, but you're in plenty of time for the story Porter Hall and I are going to tell tonight. Porter Hall? Do I know him? Are you my Uncle Every? Yes, every Friday. 
<laughs> I, uh, I am now fabulously wealthy, and um, I intend to buy you the finest ranch in the West. Oh, but, but I already have a ranch. Oh, you have? If I didn't know. But uh, you deserve a much bigger one. Now, uh, if you would just give me that piece of paper you're holding, which I assume to be the deed to your present property... Here you are, sir. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, my proud beauty. Now I have you in my power. Doggone you, Porter <laughs> Hall. Unhand that girl and give her back that deed. Aw, oh, shucks, Roy. That isn't the deed to my ranch. It's just a song I'm going to sing tonight. Curses foiled again. <laughs> Not exactly, Porter, because if Pat will forgive you and sing the song right now, you'll get the treat of your life. Folks, Miss Pat Friday's singing close as pages in a book. about a cowman's pony, but there's another little animal. I guess the West would never have been made without him. You find him packing loads twice their own weight, where grubby prospectors work tirelessly in the desert sands. You'll find him high up in the mountains where a less sure-footed animal will plunge his rider 5,000 feet down a sheer drop. Oh, maybe their voices aren't as musical as a cowhand's song as he sings and quiets his herd, but I've yet to see the true Westerner who didn't cuss them and love them. The gentle, sure-footed, little braying burrow.
the king of the cowboys in a new western ballad, Don't Blame It All on Me. If our love should fade like a cold winter's day, don't blame it all on me. Their true love has flown, might have known, friends will say, don't blame it all on me. There was a time, dear, when we were so gay, I heard you say, I love only you. Someday with the dawn, all our love may be gone. But don't blame it all on me. For after all, dear, I too have a heart. You have it now. Don't break it apart. Someday our romance may break up just by chance. But don't blame it all on me. Say, Roy, you've got both Pat and me busting with curiosity about the yarn you and Porter Hall are going to tell. What's so different about it? Come on, Roy, don't just stand there with that twinkle in your eye. Well, kids, tonight's story is about the greatest cowboy who ever rode a bronc, shot a six-gun, or roped a steer. As a matter of fact, he's the man who taught broncos to buck, who invented the six-shooter and considered the lariat one of his unimportant inventions. Oh, no. <laughs> wait a minute, Roy. Now, you wait a minute, miss. Don't accuse Roy here of exaggerating. But, Roy, anybody knows the six-gun was invented by Samuel Colt. That, Vern, is just a rumor. The six-gun was definitely invented by Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill? Never heard of him. Female tenderfoot. Bah. But who was Pecos Bill, Roy? He sounds as fantastic as this Hall character here. He's much more so, Vern. Pecos Bill is the most fantastic character the imaginations of thousands of cowboys ever dreamed up. And if you'll all just make yourselves comfortable, Porter Hall and I will tell you plenty about him. Now, I'm not saying that Pecos Bill is dead even today. To be honest, I don't know if Bill was ever born. They say he was born in Texas, and he was quite a baby. Weighed 73 pounds <laughs> and stood more than four feet tall. 
he got lost out on the prairie one day and, and didn't have anybody to play with, so Bill wound up living and playing with the coyotes. Well, just about Bill's ninth birthday, a cowboy who'd wandered off the trail came upon Bill just as the big kid was having a morning exercise. Hey there, son. What you doing? Playing, Tarnation, don't you use your eyes. Can't you see them wrestling? Now, hold on. That ain't fair. One younger like you get only two bears? Let up on them critics. on somebody who ain't moon size, but shucks, there ain't more than two bears left around these parts. Guess a play too rough. Most of them die of a busted neck. Well, what entire place you doing out here in these hills anyhow? Running around shameless like that with no, no stitch of clothes on your body. Clothes? Don't you know us coyotes don't wear no clothes? You been chewing loco weed, youngster? You ain't no coyote. You're a human being. I ain't no human being. I'm a regular natural born coyote. Don't I live with them varmints? Don't I talk to them? Don't I howl like them? <coughs> Ain't I got fleas? Now, looky here, Button. That ain't no proof you're a varmint. Why, sakes alive. Ain't a human being in these parts that don't howl and ain't got fleas. Well, don't you call me no human being. Well, well that's what you are. Look, ain't every varmint you ever seen got a tail? <laughs> now, ain't they? Why, sure. All varmints got tails. That's natural. Darn tootin' it is. Then if you're, you're a varmint, wh where's your tail? Huh? 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 Well? I, uh, well, God bless it to lightning. You're right. I ain't got no tail. Of course you ain't. So you see, son, you're not a varmint at all. You're a human being. <laughs> I don't want to be no human being. <laughs> I don't want to be no human being. Now, looky here, fella. You is a human being. And it's my duty as another human being to take you back to civilization. <laughs> well, that's just about the time that Texas started to make its place in the world, just when Pecos Bill was dragged back to civilization. What with eating regular, Bill started to grow. And inside of a year, Bill was more than eight feet tall and weighed better than a half a ton. But Bill was lazy and hated to work. But, Roy, what, what kind of work did Pecos Bill do? Almost any kind of ranching, Pat. Roping, branding, and, well, you know, when he'd do the branding, he'd do it with his bare hands. He'd just grab a yearling, tuck it under his arm, and stuff his ears up so he wouldn't hear the calf's bawling. You know, Bill was kind of a soft-hearted cuss. You mean he wasn't tough, Roy? He wasn't a bad man? A bad man? Pat Pecos Bill was so bad that he killed off everybody in his part of Texas that had enough spunk to stand up to him. Then he got so tired of the peace and quiet that he, he finally started heading west. Well, he finally run out into the run into an old fella and stopped his horse. Howdy, stranger! <clears throat> Say, can you direct me to some place where I might find myself a real man? You know, the kind what takes a real joy in a killing. Well, just keep heading up the canyon about 200 miles and you'll find them right enough. Yes, sir, you sure will. Oh, thanks, old-timer. Pecos Bill is much obliged to you. Did you say Pepe, Pepe, Pecos Bill? Yes, sir, I did. Pecos Bill's my name. Up and daisies, I gotta get out of here. Get up there. <laughs> If he was really in a hurry, I wonder what took the old goat so long. 
goodness sakes, don't stop there. What did Takersfield do? Did he go Did he go the 200 miles up the canyon? <laughs> well, yes and no, Pat. You see, old Bill turned his horse and started, but after riding only about 20 miles, a doggone horse stubbed his toe on a cottonwood tree and busted his leg. Well, all Bill could do was follow the coat of the west. He covered his eyes with one hand and pulled out his rifle, which he used as a pistol, aimed it at the poor horse's head and with tears running down his cheeks. <laughs> Goodbye, old face. <laughs> Someday we'll meet again, you and me, over on the other side of the great horizon. Before Bill could squeeze the trigger, the horse looked up, and with tears streaming from his big brown eyes, he said, Now, wait a minute, Bill. You ain't gonna shoot me just cause three of my four legs is busted, are you? Well, I reckon I was, but if you got any last words... Uh... Oh, you ain't... You know I ain't one of them regular, undersized, scrawny little horses. Just leave me alone for a bit, and I'll get well. Well, doggone if I don't believe you. Well, I'm going to take the saddle off you and leave you here. Then I'll leg it up to where that bunch of tough hombres are, and when you feel well enough in about 20 or 30 minutes, just trot up and jine me. Well, I hadn't gone two miles further, saddled over one arm, when I spotted a little rattlesnake no more than 18 feet long. So I uh, put down the saddle, and I reached out, and I grabbed the sneaking sidewinder, and after cuffing him good fashion a few times, the snake told me he'd give up. So I coiled the little fella like a lariat, stuck him on my saddle horn, and I started on up the canyon. Hello, boy, Bill. Tell him the rest of the story. Stop and stop me, you movie cowboy, you. <laughs> well, a little piece further up the road, a catamount jumped me. A what? A catamount, a mountain lion. Don't you know nothing? Anyway, he knocked me to the ground, and that made me sore. Don't you your big me up like that. Take that. Take that. No, no. Quit, Bill. Quit. Can't you take a joke? Oh, so it was a joke, was it? Yeah, but it didn't turn out so well, Bill. Honest, I'm the sorriest catamount out of captivity. Well, at least you're the dumbest catamount I ever seen. Oh. Just for that, I'm throwing this saddle on your stupid back and riding you up the canyon. No. Yeah, using this rattlesnake for a whip. Now, get over there. Go on. Now, well, let's get started. Else I'll now break you in two and only eat the best piece. Well, as soon as Bill got the saddle... Hey, he... just a minute, Roy. That's a fib. How come the horse and the catamount actually talked to Pecosville and Bill answered them? Well, heavens to Betsy, Pat. Wasn't the lad brought up with coyotes? Why, shucks, he had more trouble talking straight Texan than he did chewing a rag with them varmints. Uh, what happened then, Bill? Well, I read into the camp where all them hard-bitten owl hoots were sitting around eating chow. So I hauled up my catamount and I walked over to the cook pots and I looked in. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's this? Bean. Ah. Nothing but six quarts left. Well, I'll start on those. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. <clears throat> well, ain't so bad. But they make me thirsty. Uh, give me that coffee pot. Look out, stranger. That pot is a barlin. Shut up. Uh, uh, yeah. Now, someone hand me that porcupine to wipe my mouth on, and we get down to business. 
What is your business, partner? Who's boss of this gang? That's what I want to know. Who's boss around here? Stranger I was, but you be. And did anyone ever hear of Pecosville after that, Roy? Well, sure, Pat. A few years later, someone bet him he couldn't ride a cyclone. Well, Pecosville was the kind of a fellow no one could dare... So he went back to Kansas, waited for a twister, and, and when one came along, why, he climbed aboard. And was he killed, Roy? I mean, did the cyclone throw him? Throw a legendary character like that? Why, not at all, Vern. By the time that twister crossed Colorado, he had it as tame as a lamb. But then he got a little bit overconfident, you know. He rolled himself a cigarette, and when he, when he couldn't find any matches, he reached up and grabbed a piece of forked lightning... Oh, I see, Roy. And the lightning electrocuted him, hmm? Shucks, no, Pat, but it tickled him and got, got him to laughing so much that he didn't look where he was going, so he slipped off the cyclone and dropped 97 miles to Earth. Oh, Roy, that doesn't seem possible. But it happened, Vern. And where Bill landed, he weighed so much and fell so far that he knocked the Earth 150 feet below sea level. Folks called the place where he landed Death Valley because they figured he'd never survive such a bump. Fact is, I was surprised as you were when Pecos Bill walked in here tonight. It's the whole Goodyear gang led by Roy Rogers, the king of the cowboys, in Skies Are Bluer. Skies are bluer in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where my heart lies. Songs are newer in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, as the crow flies. That's where the yellow corn is brighter and cotton's whiter than snow. Just listen to the wheat a swaying. It sounds like it's saying hello. Bells are ringing and voices singing. Oil is gushing and the folks are rushing out to Oklahoma, USA. Looks as if our time for tonight is like the water in a stream in the middle of the summer. It's all run out. But we've got more time again next week, and we'd like you all to be back sitting with us at our Goodyear get-together. We have some songs and music and a little chatter, western style, and a rip-roaring story about the old days that should please everybody. So till next Tuesday, this is Roy Rogers thanking Porter Hall for appearing with us tonight and saying for the whole gang, goodbye, good luck, and may the good Lord take a liking to you. Don't forget, smiles are made out of the sunshine. 
And the frown from a rainy day. Now this is Vern Smith saying goodnight for Goodyear, the greatest name in rubber. If you like the songs and stories of the West, don't miss tuning in next Tuesday. Same station you're tuned to now, same time of the day on your clock, when Goodyear will bring you another get-together with Bob Nolan and the Sons of the Pioneers, Pat Friday, the Farr Brothers, Harry Botkin and his orchestra, and starring the king of the cowboys, Roy Rogers. Rogers program was transcribed. This is VE Day. Don't forget to buy another bond. A war half won is a job half done. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. May 8, 1945. Well, we're going to go back to the R-making system. Perry should be with us at the top of the show to do part 7 of Woody Herman. Then Sammy Jones will join us, and we'll go to the back of the pond. The crown changing hands 80 years ago, May 12, 1937. That will be a multi-part series, but we'll play the version on 78's first thing. So with that, may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you, and this is Yesterday USA. Jaws Professional 58454 Old Tab Radio Show Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.5 Pro 